Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Christmas, everybody. It is Saturday night, December the 16th, year 2017, and hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. We're closing in on Christmas. Hi, everybody. It is so good to be with you tonight, and we expect a whole bunch of phone calls from our family. Oh, yeah. They're, they're already stacked up. We, hold on, everybody. Are, are you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go. You want to go to him now? Sure. Well, you want to you want to do a couple housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping stuff. That's <laughs> funny. Well, you know that I have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the original story, and we could do a little bit of that tonight. I do have Christmas trivia, and I would like to start playing trivia again. When my big computer is put up, I can deliver. Um, I can deliver some old-time radio shows and other stuff by Dropbox, and that would be ever so cool. So here I am. All right. The end. Now, we are in our busy broadcasting season, everybody. You're going to hear us everywhere, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. And so uh, right now, uh, on Monday night, the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st, it should be Patricia and I at midnight. Maybe John Roy will stay awake and 
join us. We'll find out once in a while. And then on the 23rd, we're going to be on the air from 4 to 8 Eastern Time on the Blue. Patricia will be joining me with the first couple of hours. John Gloria will be with us. And then the family will be together the 23rd, the eve before eve of Christmas Eve from 10.30. And then Sunday, Christmas Eve day, Patricia and I will be back on. Patricia will join me from 4 to 6 Eastern Time. We'll go from 6 to 8. We'll all break for Christmas dinner. And then Patricia and I will come back at 10.30 Eastern Time and check on Santa's sleigh and make sure all the good little boys have got toys and talk to our friends up there in Colorado Springs. And then Christmas night, we back, we'll be back with you. And traditionally, Bill Bragg likes to turn the station over to us Christmas night, but we'll see. We'll see. I know Bill a little bit under the weather this week, so Bill, if you need some time off, just give it the heads up because, you know, Patricia and I will be happy to help out. So just, just be aware, everybody. If you think you're hearing Patricia everywhere, the answer is yes. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was Patricia. Hello. Now, don't tell her who it is, Weldon. Let's see if she's getting any better at this. Okay, let's see here. Can you guess, Patricia? You want me to help you out? Hi, Paul. Oh. There you go. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, when you say, okay, don't tell her, I'm thinking, oh, this is somebody from 10 years ago. <laughs> so, hi, Paul. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I, I mean, I've been sick. I missed my son's birthday today on account of it. But, yeah, I know. It's, that's a bummer, but... Yeah, you know, it's, it's no fun being sick during the holidays. It's no fun being sick, period. But during the holidays or special occasions, you like to feel like you can be with it. So, so. Yeah, it's like, man, it's, when I was working, it's like every single Christmas season I'd be sick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but anyway. Well, is it because you didn't write your letter to Santa? Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why else? Why else would I point that you were sick during Christmas if you didn't write your letter to Santa? Because he knows who's naughty or nice. Yeah. Well, if we go that way, I don't get any <laughs> presents at all? You know. Okay. Yeah, I think Walden's got it. Well, I have to be. It sounds very logical to me. It's, uh, it sounds logical to me. Okay. This is scary. Okay, okay. Now, let me ask here's a great Here's a great trivia. This is a great question for the evening. Did okay. Any, did any of us ever write a letter to Santa when we were kids? I never did. I think I did when I was seven. I think my mm-hmm. mom had to do it when we were seven. What about you, Paul? Uh-huh. I, I don't remember ever doing it. Um... So, I mean, I think I haven't. Okay, so there's, so far, there's our survey, so one, <laughs> one yes, two no. So we're going to keep a running tally tonight, everybody. Did you ever write a letter to Santa? So. Yeah, yeah. Patricia, you're going to make it up and write one this week, this year, you should, you know? Just to make Why it up. not? 
I'll send I'll send it to you for processing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're you're in need. I mean, I I feel for your food situation, your meals. I know. Oh, guess what? What that? We have been invited to a meeting on Monday to talk about the food. No kidding. I don't know if anything will. Uh huh. I don't know if anything will be done as a result of it, but it'll be nice to say we need some improvements here. Can, can we offer to televise it? That way, we can put the pressure on them. Um, I don't think so. Tell them, tell them people have been recruiting, on recruiting from the outside for the first meeting. I don't think would be appreciated. Well, I don't think. Next time, you don't want to tell if it doesn't them work. We'll get you. Okay, well, yeah, this is in your back pocket, Patricia. If you need a family to start have a writing campaign, you know you got friends out in high places that will start writing to you. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. We'll have Not everybody has, has a family like everyone here. That's true. So I know Tom from mm-hmm. New York and Steve and all your family around the world will write just to make sure you're fed. Oh, right. Uh, fed correctly. I you guess know? you don't want to tell them that people have been offering you microwaves and refrigerators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. If I can get into a bigger room, I'll accept. Electrical appliances are not, you know, like like a microwave. Well, why not a microwave? Gee willikers. Yeah. Huh. Okay, I'll, I'll write my letter to Santa. Yeah, that would be good. I mean... You were uh, in a dorm room. Again, please, Paul. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. You have the floor, Patricia. There you go. Oh, no, I was asking you to repeat. Oh. I said if you were in college living in a dorm, those things, microwave and a fridge, those would be a, a given pretty much. Uh-huh. Those are essential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's see how it plays out. Well, it'll be interesting. You'll give us an update Monday night how the food food conference was held. <laughs> after yeah. after Monday, yes. Do you know how this is about? Do you know how the conference got put together? Did they invite everybody to show up? Is that how they're doing this? Oh, they put... They put notices up, put one in the elevator even. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know? But do you know why they're doing that? I mean, usually people don't ask for input on something like that unless there have been There's so many. Yeah, so many people have complained, including. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm so glad to hear you, that at least they're they're willing to to listen. Do we have a spoke? Per- do we have a spoke person on your side? We're all going to gang up. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Whoever shows up has an opportunity to speak. So mm-hmm. there. Well, I could. I hope it. I hope that good comes from it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever makes a difference? Have you ever? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I'm, not, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, have you ever met the kitchen folk? I have met a couple, 
and they've got a new manager this week, so he will be there to listen mm. to our woes. Oh, that's, that might be encouraging. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, that sounds Yeah, encouraging. I think so, too. So, it, so it, it's Wolfgang Puck, right? It's what? Wolfgang Puck, keep coming over to cook for you. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, who, well. Who wanted to you know that's yes. the famous restaurant near here out in Hollywood. He had these high end restaurants around town, so I figured mm-hmm. maybe, Wolfgang, oh. maybe Wolfgang decided to open up an operation in Florida. Mm, yeah. I don't think so. I, I, don't I think see so. him in late night um, um, food things where they're selling frying pans and. Yeah. You know, all different mm-hmm. things like that. He's got his own line. Well, maybe maybe we just need to open up a Subway sandwich shop at Patricia's place. Oh, that would be a great joint. I had a Subway sandwich last night. And? Were you happy with it? I, Oh, I was delighted. Really? I had forgotten the, some of the things that they put on there. I don't like black olives, so next time I wouldn't ask for black olives. Uh-oh. What else you don't like on your I, sandwich? Oh, I don't like... Lettuce, um, I'm sorry, not lettuce, uh, mustard and mayonnaise because they put vinegar and oil on it, which is really great. So I will make sure that I say no mustard, no mayonnaise. So what kind of, put mustard is on a wonderful. What kind of, was it Italian? Was it turkey? What yeah, it was, it was a, an Italian and they put it on a foot long roll and it's got, Provolone cheese and salami, and I forget what else. You know, some but anyway, let's. Like, yeah. Some places like to heat these things up. I I, I think mm-hmm. I'd rather I think I'd rather have it cold, but that's just my. Oh, me too, me too. So I crossed that one off their list too. But it was good. It was such a nice break. A change. I didn't want to look at what they served for dinner because it might have been one of the spectacular ones, although the odds are against that. So I was very happy. <sighs> oh, so, Paul, what's going on up there besides you being under the water? Everything else okay up there? Yes. Um, my wife and daughter are very busy with preparing for her wedding. And when is the wedding? Uh, February 24th, I believe, is the date. Wow. That's not very far away, Paul. Yeah, it's not very far, actually. Not very far? Mm -mm. So will this be the second wedding in the family, or the number three? Which one will it be of your... The last one. It's the fourth one. Wow. Our our nest will be empty. Now, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh Uh-oh. You know. It's something... It takes a while to get used to it. You're right. Yeah, I mean... You know, I still remember when we decided to have her... You know, my wife is like, oh boy, it's like we're starting all over again because yeah. she, she had she had our sons before uh, from a previous marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were you know that step 
between them and our two girls, and we have two boys and two girls, like perfect, um, is quite a, quite a difference, you know. And so when you had the the last one, um, it seemed like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever again, is what she's thinking. But here we are. Yeah. And it, and it's flown by. You, you, yeah. You think there's, when, Patricia, you you would probably be a better person to speak. You think it matters about the age spread of siblings? Not, oh yeah. In other words, I know in your case you had two older brothers. Mhm. Would it made a difference if you if you and Barbara were the two oldest and you had the boys being the youngest? Would that have hmm. created a different dynamic? Well. <laughs> We wouldn't got we would not have been tickled half to death. We know that. So, um, yeah, I, I think the order and the sex of the children, the siblings, I think that makes a huge difference. Um, the two older brothers, and then there was a, a gap of six to eight years, and then the two of us. So, yeah, it was like raising two separate families. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I came from a family of six. Now, my three older sisters, they're considerably older, like I think as much as nine years, <clears throat> maybe ten even, um, between us. And mm-hmm. it is like a separate family. You know, yeah. they're, they're up and gone while you're still a little kid. You know, I, I missed it. Yes. I missed yes. them. Mm-hmm. Down to that. I was thinking of my dad. My dad had three other siblings. Uh, it was the two older boys, and then my dad, and then there was my, uh, and then my sister, my aunt was five years younger than my dad. So there was like a eleven year spread between the oldest mm-hmm. and the youngest. But the time when World War Two hit, the older boys were all in the service. So if you think about it, my my aunt. Really, never got to know any of her older brothers. They were off in the service, and you know, once she was, mm. was just a little five, six years old. So yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. Right. It's interesting, though. Over the years, my aunt has been the one that always attends the family reunions. Um, you know, when have all the cousins and all over the country, mm-hmm. and maybe because she, because she felt she didn't have. The family unity, you know, her dad was gone and everything, so mm. it's just a thought. That's why maybe my aunt been so proactive about. That's a good thought. You know, just a thought, but yeah, yeah. you may be correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just recently I told um, the youngest of my three older sisters, I told her that I have, I feel like I'm forever trying to catch up to know you better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she ran away when she was, uh, I think she told me she was 18. But so that's even a little early to say goodbye. And <clears throat> I've, and she's lived in other states all, and even different countries throughout all these years. So I am, I'm still getting to know her mm-hmm. more. Uh-huh. You know, there are some good parts in that as well, because you can learn some very nice things about the other person. Yeah, she is. She is sweet. Yeah. 
Well, see, oh, I, I know for Trisha's sake, you've you, you gotten to know your brother better as an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We grew we grew closer together, and many families, uh, many siblings grow further apart mm -hmm. as they grow, and that just did not happen with us. When we were adults, we started growing together, which was really nice. And, yeah. Um, I've got my oldest brother, uh, the older of the two of them, and of course, my second brother died about five years ago. So, and we miss him. We miss him a lot. So how but did he die? Hmm? And how old was he? And how did he die? Oh, we did this one other time. He was older than I, and he died of diabetic oh, uh, complications. He, he was type out. 2. Yeah. It was yeah. diabetes. So. Yeah. It was what? Well, diabetes. You just kept probably talking. Oh, yeah. Di diabetic complications. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, everybody gets a gets a trivia question tonight before they go, and starting next month, well, I, as soon as my big computer is set up, I will be able to send prize shows um, via Dropbox, and that will be super terrific. Okay, I've got. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay. Oh, I have a. Are you ready for your question? Sure. Walden, you notice how fast she went into this? She's a, she's a pro. And considering she's only here for a couple of hours, so I'm trying, I think we're trying to keep it tight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, was thinking because are. of the age thing, you know? The, it, it, well, you know, it's female prerogative, you know? It's female prerogative, yeah. These are, yeah. You know? I'm, I'm ready for you. I don't know, you know, if I'm gonna do any good. You'll be just fine. You know how Patricia is with trivia. Go ahead, yeah. Patricia. Yeah. Yes. All right. The Great Gildersleeve and Fibber McGee and Molly each had a favorite store where they did all of their Christmas shopping. I want to know which one shopped at Hogan Brothers and which one shopped at the Bonton. Gilder's sleeve at Hogan Brothers. Correct. Right. And that very good, and that would automatically mean that Fibber McGee and Molly shopped at the Bonton. That is great. Good for you. So the Bonton. How did you know that? A department. Hmm? You, you know you that. Sound... Again. Did you say? How did you know, know that? that? Well, Patricia did say she looked up the answer. So, but, but I mean, oh, no, I knew that in my little heart. But then I confirmed it. <laughs> I just, no, I I remember these things. Okay. I do. So the but I Bonton. but I also write them down. Bonton was a department store. I take it. Yeah. So Both of them were department stores. Yes. So how do you want to do it, Patricia? You want to, get, you want to put a little check mark by everybody's name, and then once you're up and running, you'll, you'll see how many credits everybody has. You want to do it? Sure, I can do that. Okay. okay. So everybody, just think I've about got what Paul's shows, name and front. What, what shows you want? It'll be, it might be a while, a couple, but mm -hmm. Patricia will start putting little check marks by your each of your names, and then that way you got it. That way we'll know how many credits you get. Mm-hmm. You know. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's so Paul answered good. the question. Okay, and I'm keeping track. I'm checking well, my list. 
Okay, I'm uh-huh. still yet to set myself up with uh, with um, with Dropbox. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that if we can do that. So, okay, we can do that after Christmas, and people will start getting shows from me. I like that. This is good. Yeah. I've missed that. Okay. So. Okay, well, Paul, you have a wonderful week, and we will be on the air for a bunch of days this week and um, looking forward to having people call in. Well, good. I hope I run into you. You better. Okay, okay Paul, thank you for time? calling. Say again, Paul. I'm sorry. Will it be at the same time, like 7.30, or will it be? Right now, think of during the week, Monday through Thursday at 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock. Uh, yeah. Okay, you know, now, from Christmas on, because Mike Jones out of town and Bill, Bill's a little bit under the weather, I wouldn't be surprised it would be 7.30, but I won't know until Christmas right. night, so. Okay. All right, Paul. Well, well you guys, uh, I'm going to, after we hang up, I'm going to pray for your health and strength and Good. Patricia for your meeting. Yes. Food. Food, Food, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Paul. That's really very nice. I appreciate that. Okay. All righty. Thank you, Paul. I'll I'll see you until later. You bet. Bye-bye. Okay. Sirloin steaks, hamburgers, pizza, whatever we can get for Oh, yeah. Stuff like that there. Chili is good sometimes, but not a lot. 714-545. Two oh seven one. My mom's in the homemade soup. Uh, oh, right now. Poor thing. I think she has high standards. She 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 didn't like most of the soups she made this week. She made taco taco soup tonight, and it was too spicy. So she opened up a can of tomato basil for herself. But I said, well, mom, uh-huh. I'm just gonna put some extra crackers in here, and that way I'll. It absorbed the spice, so I... Sure. That's what I did. Hello there. Yeah. Sure. Patricia. Yeah, this is John in Maryland. Hi, John. <gasps> John, two weeks in a row. This is great. How are you? I'm the, well, I had a lot of tests done this week, and it took a full skeleton x-ray of my whole body. Uh-huh. Or room with my head all the way down to my feet. Uh-huh. What well, is one of those... What they call those things? Oh, the MRIs? A body scan or something like that? No, aren't, aren't there? Uh huh. No, so you stand up and you take, take your your head, your neck, and your uh, upper and lower chest, and then you have to go lay down on the table, and then they go all the way down to your feet, and then they've got you on your side, and they do your spine. It takes about a half wow. hour. They suspect something. Wow, wow, wow. That's a I biggie. I don't what they suspect, but... Uh, is it in color? Uh-huh. I mean, are we going to see pictures on the internet? Is it in color? I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, they're supposed to... They're supposed to... If I hear from them, it's bad news. Okay. That's what they... Oh. I hope I don't yeah. hear from them. I hate it when they do that. If you don't hear from us, everything is okay. Well... I want to make sure that you really did look at these things. I want to hear from you and have good news and say, everything was normal. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. That's all it takes. Oh. And, and it's true. My mom's been going through her medical situation, and I've noticed 
I don't know, are, are staffing not trained right? They don't seem, I, my mom's thinking because they're probably all overwhelmed, you know, the, all the medical yeah. thing, but the customer care, it needs to be a bigger emphasis mm-hmm. just reaching out to people, yeah. you know. And patients really do need to be considered customers. Yes. And they deserve as much care as when we bring something back to a store. Well, I hope I hope I don't hear from them, but I luck I'll hear. One year ago, I was in the hospital. Remember, I was in for three and a half months. I remember, and you were so sick. Yeah, I was sick as a dog. I'll never forget that. Yeah. You, you fell out. You fell out of the. Uh, was it the? Onto your driveway. It wasn't they, they carried it. Yeah, well, it was mm-hmm. on, the, on the front porch. Yeah, they had to get a nine one one down because my wife had just had a stent put in her main artery in her heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my yeah. Daughter, she's so. preparing for open heart surgery, so they couldn't lift me. No. Yeah. Our yeah. department got there. But look at where you are today compared to then. Yeah. Well, I just hope they. You can call. Well, you're calling. You're calling us instead of us calling you. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's my problems for this week. I don't want to bother you with. Oh problems. dear. What's your favorite? Fa- what is your favorite Christmas story, John? Something that that you remember as a kid, or something that when you you and your wife started having kids, there was something special you did for your kids during Christmas time. Anything? come to mind? Well, Shane, I can't think of anything. There were so, so many uh, stories mm-hmm. that I just can't remember. All okay, the- let's, talk about, let's talk about your Christmas tree. What did your, when you were 10 years old, what did your Christmas tree look like? Well, it was about six foot tall. It was handmade. It was artificial, but all, it was handmade in Germany and all the limbs we're all hand carved. It looked real. Wow! They had. I, I did not they, realize that that far back that we had artificial Christmas trees. Was it made out? Of I didn't know that. Was it, what kind of material, John? It, it was I, I don't know, but it was wood, and I couldn't figure out what I told this before to you. They had mm-hmm. little round caps on the end of all the limbs. Right. I never could figure out what they were, but they. And then my father told me, well. Christmas Eve, we put candles in those. And yes. Christmas Eve night, they would light the candles on the tree. Uh huh. And very, blow them out before they went to bed. Yeah, that seemed to be very popular until in, into the thirties, right? More people would put candles in Christmas trees, I guess. Yeah, well, you only lit it once. You lit it on Christmas Eve, and that was the only time that the tree was lit. Hmm. Uh huh. And we were allowed. Wow. If we were allowed to open our gifts on Christmas Eve, so. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, what about the ornaments besides the candles? Yeah, we had a lot of uh, handmade ornaments. And we, uh-huh. had the pick, we had the pickle bulb. Did you ever think somewhere on a tree they would hide a pickle? And it, 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 was, I... it was actually a Christmas ball. You can look it up on the Internet. I think it's... That's fun. Did you... It... <laughs> Did you have to look for it, search for it, or did you just yeah, make sure that the tree had a pickle? First, the first one it finds, it gets good luck. Aha. Uh-huh. 
Walden, did you ever hear of that? No, but I got, I got, I got something I just remembered. We have a, a mouse for a Christmas tree, and we uh-huh. had it since I've been a little kid. And we know it's, it's, it's the real thing because I chewed on it when I was a little kid, the tail. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so. You were a handful, weren't you? <laughs> I was you chewed on the Christmas mouse. Shame on you. <laughs> so John, and you're going to tell me, well, I was young. <laughs> so, John, did you ever write to Santa? Did you ever? No, I never did. Okay, you're number three. Oh, my God, they're going to be a runaway. I don't... No, it's number four. You I didn't, I didn't, and Paul didn't. Well, I think I did. I think I, think I wrote one time. Oh, I, you I did one time. Video. That's right. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I missed it. So, so, I missed both. So, everybody's going to have to, everybody's going to have to change the ways and all write to Santa this year if we don't get... If we mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I think uh, all the elderly people, I think none of them wrote letters to Santa Claus. Uh, I don't know of anybody when I was growing up. We never even discussed anything like that. Writing a letter to Santa. Hmm. I don't know. So you think that maybe I just came part of the popular Christmas songs and that just became part of the yeah. uh, election, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like in that movie, hmm. Miracle on 34th Street. Right. They, when they brought all the the, the uh, mail bags to the courthouse, you remember yep. that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But uh, I don't remember great. even discussing that with when I was a little kid, you know, writing stuff. Uh-huh. That's something we didn't... Wow. Did, did he have any Santas standing on the street corners, like the Salvation Army, or... No. Uh-uh. Nothing like that. No, we didn't. And, uh, well, Steve Christmas started out as a, just a holiday you celebrated at church. Right. It wasn't commercial no. like it is now. It was definitely yeah. a, a sacred yeah. holiday. And the Santa Claus that you see now, that's Coca-Cola advertisement back in the 30s. <laughs> These advertised... That's true. Mm-hmm. And that's what Madison Avenue invented the Santa Claus that you see today. But that is true. I knew, I knew the guy in the 70s who played him in the TV commercials and would ride the helicopters for Toys for Tots and things like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, what fun. Yeah, and the Santa Claus had their own union, I think. <laughs> You're joshing. <laughs> You've got to be joshing, and we're talking about no commercialism? Good night, nurse. What did they need? This is, wow. What did they need a union for? Well, I just think they, you know, probably... They got, it was probably a huge to get together, maybe to get called a, a union. I don't know. These were the, the well-known Santas in, 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 throughout the country that would get together or something. Yeah, well, oh, boy. <laughs> That's times, a bummer. Times have changed, and the, these are all acceptable new customs, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but Madison Avenue, the board, they just took off. Do you remember what you ever got your mom for Christmas? Anything that stands out as a boy? I don't think we we ever gave any presents to our parents. Uh-huh. We just got the children got gifts, but not too many. We got most most of our main thing was like uh, I'm, I remember I got a train set, and uh, it was wasn't even electric. He wound it up. Oh yeah. 
And uh, my sister would get like a doll baby or something like We didn't get all that that they did today. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But uh, that's how we celebrated. Our, we got we loved it when we got our stocking. Oh yeah. We got full of got a candy cane and we got chocolates in there and we got uh, even got a tangerine. That's what I'm kind of wondering. How I mean, isn't that something to have fresh fruit in your stocking during the holidays? Yeah. Well, it was winter time. You know. You go to the store, mm-hmm. there wasn't that many vegetables on the, <laughs> I mean, uh, fruits, you know, in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Say, by the way, we're supposed to have a white Christmas. You are. <gasps> oh. Yeah. It was, it's been snowing here the last couple of days, but most of it has melted. Yeah. Well, maybe it got the ground cool enough that the Christmas snow will stay. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah so I looked. Well, my iPhone, and it says seven-day forecast for uh-huh. um, from a week from this zombie has got snow. <laughs> That's wow. So, okay, I have a Christmas trivia for you. Okay. This is multiple choice, unless you interrupt me because you know the answer. Multiple choice. Which Christmas movie has been played more than any other? Born Miracle on Thirty. Mm-hmm. What? Oh no, no, Scrooge. I watched it today. The Scrooge. Yeah, Ebenezer. Scrooge. Yeah, Christmas. Oh, oh. Dave has said it. A Christmas cat. It was the most nope. Reginald Owen. This is the one of the old ones. Ah, from nineteen uh-huh. Yeah, June Lockhart was a little girl in that. Yeah, she was, and she wasn't even in the credits. June Lockhart, you know, was yeah. in character. Yeah. Uh huh. And but. At the end, they looked at the credits, and her name wasn't even listed. Jeez. I was speaking part. Hmm. Well, that's the wrong answer. Oh. <laughs> a miracle on third. No, it's a wonderful life. But it's I, a wonderful life is the correct answer. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, they even said today when Turner's classic movies, there's about seven different versions of that Hollywood has made. Seven different versions of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. I can believe that. Indeed. I do believe that. So, okay. So not, I watched John. <laughs> hmm? I watched it today. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. The one, the well, one where Reginald hmm. Owen played the part. Yes, from 1938. That's it. Yeah. I did not know that one. Well, John, thank you for calling. I will make sure that we touch base after the holidays, um, or maybe even sooner, and I can send you some shows if we connect you on the Internet. Okay. I'd appreciate it. All right. But anyway, do I get credit with a yes or no? Oh, you get credit for it, Yes. It's a Wonderful Life has been seen, has been played more times than any other. But I, I believe, I believe wherever you got that, if you check on Scrooge, it might be close. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, before you go, we'll see. I can remember, I can remember, I think it was the third grade of elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we would go to the, we would go to the school library and we had a wind-up Victrola. We would put on uh, 
through just 78 RPM records and listen to this Christmas. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And you can imagine what that sounded like. Sure. No scratch. <laughs> yeah, because it was played so many times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that okay. in. Sure. But, well. All right, Sean. Hopefully we'll talk, okay. to you. We'll, we'll talk to you sometime over the next few days or definitely next weekend. You know, yeah, I hope so. Considering Patricia and I will be on almost every hour of the day. Oh, we're going to be slathered all over the Yesterday USA radio. Yeah. Okay, uh, we will get to talk with you later this week. Okay, I hope so. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Good night, John. Thank you. 714-545-2071. It's only uh, 12 after 8 o'clock. Uh-huh. Saturday night, December the 16th, year 2017. You like to call Patricia. Her number, uh-huh. She's the only person I know that has a California number at certain times of, a, of the day. At some <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Five four five two oh seven one. Oh, there we go. Hello, you're on with Patricia. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Hello, this is Ray out of Chicago. Hello, Ray. <gasps> Ray, you got through. Hello, I'm so happy to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, I'm happy as usual to hear uh, from you guys too. You know. We always like talking to you, Ray. Yeah, well, I have good news for you. It was uh, 45 degrees in the Chicago area today. Uh Uh-huh, and that's considered warm. What were you going to say, Walden? That means you play golf? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You are so funny. How many times did you play this last week? Well, last Sunday, it was 27, and uh, my friend Jose and I, he's my winter golfer, we play all winter, Uh Uh, Uh and we kind of joke about it, we call the winter the (laughs) pre-season. So we were out there, uh, it's almost laughable, because you got to really be bundled up, and your swing, of course, uh, is um, almost a joke. But uh, It tightens we, up, yeah. Yeah, we have a real good time. In fact, we played, uh, we went, let's see, 18, 27 holes. So what's, <gasps> what's the most holes you ever played ever in one day in your life? Well, probably 36. You know, I've done that many, many times, you know. But um, That's a double-header in golf. Yeah. Well, you know, I could do that comfortably in a cart. I could walk 18 um, mm-hmm. and carry my own clubs, but, um, you know, um, uh, these days, uh, well, 18 is getting a little hard, you know. Well, today we only played nine. Uh, I didn't have much time, but, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. walked and carried and, you know... <laughs> I'm close. Okay, so well that, that was Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday and this Saturday. Did you play any in between? Uh, no, I went to the indoor dome we have here. Uh huh. 
two or three times, you know, just practice hitting balls. Sure. Have so, you ever hit a hole in one way? Wow. You know something? I've only been playing 50 years. Yes. And uh, I'm still hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a no. <laughs> You have you know, not I done it yet. I can't tell you. I've hit the flag. I've, I've, uh, I've hit the hole and spun out. I've, oh. I was in a tournament uh, that offered a $3,000 prize for a hole in one, <laughs> and I was like an inch and a half. Oh. I, I mean, oh. you know, and I've played with, you, you won't believe this, I, I've played with men and women both who who. Oh, yeah, I've had two. I've had, my buddy's <laughs> wife had two. I want to slap Oh, her. gee. Now, <laughs> now, now. Pounds, Be patient. Though, you know. Your turn will come. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's kind of funny. Lee Trevino, one of the greatest golfers of all times, uh-huh. um, he didn't really have that many hole-in-ones in the beginning of his career. You know, it was later on he started getting a few. Yeah. But he got uh, hit by I, lightning twice. That should be counting for something. Yeah, that's pretty neat. <laughs> you know, uh, I played with a guy on this nine-hole course I play a lot. That's close to me here in Illinois. And mm-hmm. um, I play with this the guy's uh, in his 80s. He's 88 now. And two years ago, he, he got his fifth hole-in-one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I said, Jack, why don't you slip one over to me? Yeah, every, gee whiz. Every time, every time I get to this one hole on this particular course, it's uh-huh. the fifth hole, it's a short par uh, three, and I says, this is the hole I'm going to do it. This is the hole. Uh-huh. And uh, today I hit it in the sand trap. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> so, have, have Jack ever shot his age, Ray? Did he ever? Yeah, Jack has uh, hit his age a lot, you know. Um and, you know, for a good golf, wow. you know, I'm getting to the point, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, this year I had a 78, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty close to that age right now. Oh, gee. Well, I thought I 78 was a... about it, yeah. Yeah, that was a stand-up and cheer. Wow, 78. I was so impressed. <laughs> Well, you know, I've played a lot of golf through my life. When uh, I traveled the country a lot in business, mm-hmm. and I, I put, uh, ho- hold on a sec. This is Yes, the USA. We're talking to Ray from Chicago, who also is Ray from Wisconsin, but normally it's Ray from Chicago. <laughs> normally it's Ray from Chicago. Well, that's his permanent home. But he has a second residence in Wisconsin. Oh, I'm bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're giving, we're giving you a proper billing, Ray. So we're saying you're Ray from Chicago, who's sometimes Ray from Wisconsin, depending on the time of the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I spend my weekends in Wisconsin. Now, I'm heading up to um, Arizona uh, the first week in January mm. uh, because I have several cousins who live there on my father's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father's uh-huh. a Native American. So I'll be playing with my Indian cousins, and um, I play with my Italian cousins here in Illinois and my Indian cousins in Arizona. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. 
What an interesting uh, mix in your family. That's super. Do, so do they have a golf course on the reservation, Ray, or how do they? Uh, well, the reservation that I belong to in Montana, I've been up there twice this year, and yes, we do have uh, a golf course. But the reservation I'm at in Montana, uh-huh. where I'm enrolled, is, uh, you know, in northeastern uh, Montana, and we're it's a kind of a poor, um, uh, poor, uh, a poor reservation. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of nowhere, you might say. And plus, I would think oh. they would get yeah. snow. You would get snow up there. So who, how often? Oh, yeah. How often do you dig, dig out of it to play golf? You know. Yeah. Well, you know, see up there. I mean, there's no opportunity for casinos, yeah. and and you know, it's not a destination type place. You know. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to Phoenix, and I'm going to be playing Talking Stick, which is uh, uh, a Native American resort mm-hmm. with two golf clubs. And ah. they have casinos and all the amenities that you, you know. And I, uh, it's very expensive to play there, but we get the Native rate, you know, my cousin. Ah. Uh, so that's kind of okay. nice. So, Ray, did you ever write to Santa? That's, uh, we gotta have- you know, that was a good question because um, 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 I never did. Okay, boy, this is a runaway. Okay. And I, I, I vaguely once recall uh, writing um, a list, mm-hmm. but just vaguely recall maybe once or twice. But in the main... As a youngster, you know, I'm talking uh, during the war years, yeah. shortly after, um, you know, Christmas was uh, just terrific, you know, all the presents and, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew it was going to be kind of neat. So, um, yeah, you know, Christmases were pretty special sure. for the little guy. Sure. They still are, you know, I got oh, yeah. grandsons now, 21 and 10. Oh, I, I should tell you, I adopted 10 days ago a new little baby. Really? Yeah, a little kitty. A kitty cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I should have guessed that. You told me that you were you were wanting a cat. Did but you, you missed yeah. your other one so much. So did you name it? Have you named? Have you had a questioning yet or anything? What, what well, I'll mean? tell you what. I'll tell you what. Well, first of all, let me tell you the story. Okay. Um, okay. My daughter called me, and uh, she's she's been trying to get us another cat. Our guy died on uh, on Thanksgiving, which was my birthday. I uh, my. The day I was born was Thanksgiving many years ago, and uh, my little kitty, uh, Beamer, uh, died about nine years ago, and ever since then, my wife was hesitant to get another one. She just felt so bad, you know. Yeah. So we've been trying and trying, and when I say we, my daughter and I have been trying and trying to get a cat. So she called me 10 days ago and said, I've got two kitties. I'm adopting one, and... uh, and I'm thinking, well, what are you going to do with two? And she says, I'm getting one. I have two, and I'm adopting one. I said, what's this all about? So I asked my wife, and she says, yeah, let's do it. Well, the second cat is the mother of the little guy. Uh, 
Oh, my. Now, the mother's only a year. <gasps> you know. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, uh, I, and I have to tell you, uh, they have this wonderful program where uh, foster parents bring in the cat mm-hmm. and they acclimate them uh, to, you know, home living. And, and then they show them at the various um, uh, pet stores on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my daughter was just fell in love with both of these cats. So we we got the mother, who's a whole year old. She's a baby herself. And yeah. She, I want to tell you, that cat came into this house, no fear. Um, you know, she sleeps all night. She doesn't bother us in the middle of the night. Uh, wow. Playful. She's engaging. Uh, a friend of mine came over the other day. She jumped up there and kind of hung out with him for a minute or two. Uh, and just a delightful cat. Now, um, uh, we have one major hiccup. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Cannot come up with a name. She <gasps> has I know one. Now it's a, it's a little lady, so yeah, I think you should. I think you should name it for Patricia. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's a kitty name. Yeah, that's see that people have come up a with names. Now yeah. our very first cat, yeah. my daughter cried and cried for it, and and uh, that's a long story in itself. When she was a little girl, mm-hmm. and we called him Fluffy. Our second one was Scruffy, and our third one was <laughs> Beamer. So, you know, they're like cat names. But uh, yeah. her adopted name, or I should say her her name given to her by a previous foster parent was Magnolia. But I can't wrap my arms around that, so I've been ki- calling her Kitty for the last 10 days. Okay, so does Kitty, there, does, the Kitty baby has a name? Uh, the baby is Paisan. Paisan? Mm-hmm. Italian. You know, it means, yeah. uh, you know, like a good friend in Italian. Okay. So I oh, would, my goodness. Okay, well, I think Kitty is a fine name. I had a cat named Kitty Cat. Ah. Well, so I, I think Kitty is a fine name. Who, who calls her cat Huckleberry, or Huck for short. <laughs> oh, gee. And, uh, you know, I've had cats and dogs as a kid growing up, you know, but back when we grew up, a cat and a dog never stayed in the house, you know, they uh-huh. slept outside someplace. Sure. In a dog house. Sure. But we would open our bedroom window and let my outside cat come in and sleep with us. I'm just wondering if we, uh-huh. I just, th- wait a minute, maybe the three of us can go minutes. you think we could offer birth certificates? You know, if people can register their kitty cat name and then we'll, we'll charge them a, a processing fee and we'll, we'll <laughs> register, you know, register it in the, uh, the kitty cat hall of fame or something. And then <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are. That's a kid. good idea, Walden. I like that one. <laughs> well, I think. It well, you know, uh, it took me two weeks to come up with the name Beamer. Mm-hmm. For our last kitty, and the reason I came up with that, because when my daughter graduated college, she wanted to buy uh, a car mm-hmm. that B 
BMW, which is called a Beamer. Right. A so, Beamer, sure. Yeah, two weeks after I finally came up with the name, and it was perfect. So I have a name floating around in my head someplace. I just have to just get it out. and uh, Because she is, she's uh, very dainty. She's delightful. She's friendly. Uh, my my 10-year-old grandson tells me she vibrates instead of purrs. <laughs> she and, vibrates. Uh, oh, that's cute. Well, maybe you want to call her the lady. I'm fond of Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, yeah, that's a good one. Tinkerbell. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I'm looking for? A one-syllable name. What color? What color is the cat? Um, well, this is interesting. Okay. Um, when I was a uh, small little guy, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. I, I lived with my grandfather, and, and he had a cat. Well, I considered it our cat, outside cat, and and you know my grandfather's Italian, came from Italy, and he used to call him Memer. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, uh, that that cat was an orange tabby. Okay. Now, the bit, and he was a big cat. If I think about it, he must have been 25 pounds or more. Oh, my heavens, that's a raccoon size. Yeah, and he used to fight with this uh, this kind of a gray-black striped tabby. And they would mm-hmm. fight for, you know, the uh, king of the neighborhood type thing. Right. Well, I never <laughs> liked them gray ones. Well, guess what? My Beamer was... Mm. One of them gray ones I never liked, but I, I, you know, we all fell in love with them. And so the the, the little lady that I have now, our little kitty, her back mm-hmm. and part of her body is that same coloring that my Beamer was, but she's known as a patch tabby. So she has a sprinkling of uh, gold or uh, beige or whatever that is on her head, a little, uh-huh. you know, like a half-inch sliver going back, maybe. So you call maybe mm-hmm. Goldie? Goldie? You mean uh, one-syllable that, name, gosh. I know when I hear hard. it, I, I'll like it. And then she has a white chest, white stockings, uh, feet, uh, and legs. Uh-huh. Well, we'll definitely, we'll, 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 we, we will enroll her into the Cat Hall of Fame at no extra charge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Clintons had um, a, a cat with what people would call mittens. That poor cat would have been called mittens. They called it Socks. I thought that was kind of cute. Oh, that's a good name, Socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not for a girl, though. Not for a girl. No. Yeah, I, you know, like I say, when I hear that name, whatever it is, I'll, I'll know it. I'm leaning toward a one-syllable uh, name, but maybe two. Uh-huh. Now, um, now, do you get to talk this over with Kitty that she has to say in the discussion? Or? <laughs> yeah. Well, she's answering to Kitty, surprisingly. <laughs> well, it doesn't so, take long. I think Kitty is a delightful name. 
yeah, you know, I, I'm yeah. kind of liking it. And, you know, my daughter, my grandsons, uh, we're all still debating. Well, you know, she you, you, in, uh, you could make it a kit. That way it meets your one syllable. No. You know, no. I tried to put the thumb down on that. Okay. Yeah, no. It reminds uh-uh. me of Kit Carson. You know, I'm liking <laughs> Kitty, but I know there's something mm-hmm. really special out there. Uh, but they tell me the name Kitty is very popular. You know, I got one of those um, those um, talking computers. What do you call those little... Well, I talked to this no person pet? called Alexa. Oh, 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 okay, yeah. Uh, this, no, this, uh, no, smart speakers or whatever those things are called? Yeah, it's like a little round... Uh, the, the dots. Yeah, and you just, uh, you talk to it. And so uh, I'm, getting one guess, for, I'm getting one for Christmas. I'm getting a speaker like that. So. Yeah, they're kind of neat. So I asked Alexa, I said, Alexa... What are the most popular uh, kitty names? And she came out uh, with the word kitty as one. And Fluffy was two, and I had a Fluffy. Uh, so kitty and Fluffy are pretty popular. So, um, you know, it's kitty for now, but I'm still searching. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind. But please put my vote in for kitty. <laughs> so I, I I would like to jump in that conversation about uh, your um, your dining situation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I've heard talk uh-huh. about that for a little bit, and uh, you know I'm 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 you know I'm connected uh, with my business to the food industry in this sense. That's right. I don't know if I ever got into it in any big detail, but I identify all the major restaurant chains in the country. And, uh-huh. um, you have, Patricia, you have friends in high places here. You know that. Well, I certainly know. do. <laughs> wow. But um, I am very surprised to hear that you're having, oh, look who's here. Hi, Kitty. <laughs> my Kitty. See? my Kitty. You know, I have a high-level home, and I hang out in the lower level, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and I bought two of those scratch boxes, you know, because I uh-huh. don't want to declaw my kitty. Right. And she's rubbing all over it now and playing with some of my golf balls. <laughs> Add a girl. Well, in any event, this whole thing with the food thing really surprises me because... Um, you know, this institutional feeding is, uh, you know, is really stepped up over the last many years. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised. This that, one didn't. Uh, yeah. How big is your facility? How many beds? Um, right now, because one of the floors is still recovering from the two floods, um, we've got about a hundred, about a hundred people here. Now that is a good amount of people. Now, do are I they self-operated so. or do they have an outside firm doing the cooking? Is it? Oh no, it's um, employees. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but they've got a new manager, 
So I'm hopeful that he will listen to us and make sure that we yeah. get pudding every night. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> Chocolate kind of pudding. surprising because um, you know, well, uh, I don't know, you know, but these these uh, these companies who do institutional feeding, like for whole mm-hmm. or uh, colleges and businesses mm-hmm. and hospitals and all that, they really step up to the plate. So they do a good job. Want... When I was in the hospital, yes, they had an outside firm that did the the food preparation. And we could call them and say, gosh, you know, I really like Diet Pepsi. Okay, you've got it. And I really like uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. Okay, you've got it. And it was just so nice to have somebody on the other end understand that food is an important part of our lives. Nobody forgot it here. Yeah, especially when you're in a place where you're trying to regain your health. Uh huh. Becomes even more important. Do they, is there a nutritionalist there? That, I like, don't think so. No, no, there isn't. Well, uh, have you ever and been? If there is. It's well hidden from me. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been in their kitchen? I've seen it, but no, it's a big one. I was surprised. Yeah, you know, I'm really surprised to hear that. I really am, and I'm glad you're stepping up to the plate, you know. Oh, I put in my noise. <laughs> I did. But, you know, they say the squeaking uh, wheel gets soiled or something like that, so. Well, considering you're an internationally known broadcaster, Patricia, that just swayed them to give you better things. Yeah, golly, Amen. gee whiz. Yeah. I should remind them of that. That's mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's a hot topic. It's a worldwide hot topic. Patricia's getting fat. <laughs> send, send me food suggestions, yes. yes. Well, I was just thinking, you know, our, here in California, we have a wonderful cancer facility called the City of Hope, which is really on the cutting edge of cancer treatments. Uh-huh. And the one nice thing they do for all the uh, patients you get to pick out your own meal. They customize cook it in the kitchen for you. Wow. Wow. I'm thinking that's probably highly unusual that you can just sit there and, oh, today I'm just going to have this, this, and this, and they'll cook it for you straight from the kitchen and bring it to you that way. And I got thinking, wow, that is pretty neat, you know. Um, yes, it is. You know. you know, cancer patients especially lose their appetites frequently under the treatments. Yeah. And to be able to say, gosh, I, I really think I'd like this, is a major, major health thing for for them. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy yeah. to hear that. You know, uh, Patricia, I want to I, I want to take advantage of some of your expertise. And I, I this just uh, thought occurred to me because I've heard this many, many years ago, someplace, somehow, mm-hmm. that I heard th- those people who are suffering from cancer. Uh, should stop eating anything with sugar in it because sugar is supposed to hmm. be real bad for cancer. Have you ever heard anything like that? I did not, but I'm not as up on current, you know, um, current treatment choices as I should be. But no, I've never heard that. 
Yeah, I, uh, and, you know, several years ago, my cousin's husband had uh, cancer, and, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned it to her. I said, you know, I heard something, my mom, you know, because you never want to impose, no. you know, yeah. things. True. And, yes. You know, he had such a hard time eating because it was, you know, in his stomach area. Yeah. Uh huh. That 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 one that you hear commercials for lawyers all all the time. I can't say the word, but I'll try. A Fiza Maloney or something like that. Oh, mesothelioma. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, in any event, so he had a hard time. It was in the lining of his stomach, and he had a hard time eating. Mm. So she used to feed him a bunch of um, uh, milkshakes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking all the sugar, God forbid. But you know, I mean, the guy stole lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, well, mixed milkshakes can be very nutritious, <laughs> but I, sugar sugar is not a high nutrition item on the on the list, so I can understand why they would discourage it. A spoonful of sugar helped the medicine go down. Uh, yeah, that's only a spoonful. We can do that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, nutritionally it is an empty product. Yeah. Well, so so yeah, I I can understand why they would say that. They would choose more nutritional foods. Just don't give me scrambled yeah. eggs. I'm, oh my gosh! I'm talking about Almost every morning. I'm not a big uh, candy eater or anything like that, but I love uh, dark chocolate. Uh, anything? <laughs> oh, I do too. Dark chocolate is lovers, and um, the the percent of people who love dark chocolate is quite small. Speaking of breakfast, you know, Patricia's not liking scrambled eggs at the moment. My mom's on an oatmeal run. Right now, she can't find any oatmeal that she likes, so she's been trying different recipes and all sorts of things online. So, anybody, if you have a favorite, Gosh. if you have a favorite oatmeal recipe, my mom is looking for something. She's, we used to, we, we had a recipe for, when we went to the National Park for Yosemite, they had a, a way to cook that with a double broiler. And uh, so anybody, if you have a, a favorite oatmeal recipe, email it to us at floridawriterhotmail.com. Patricia will have a proper <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Patricia will screen the recipes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, as far as I was concerned, oatmeal was oatmeal, and the additives gave it the the extra flavor, like cinnamon or applesauce, well, even right, applesauce. Right, and, my mom is right now, the oats are not not fluffy enough or else they're too creamy. She just wants it just right. Yeah, they just, you know. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, I used for a long time the quick oats, and I would measure it with my finger. <laughs> I would, as long as the oats were covered with water or milk, I preferred milk, they gave a really nice, firm consistency. So that was my. My measurement. Okay, so maybe you have to measure your 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 finger measurement to my mom, and then that way she'll know what to pick out. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what I like. Uh-huh. Uh, I I like any oatmeal. I guess you know I don't give it much thought, but I love it with honey. And then I have with honey. I, I Ooh. Have, have I 
I sprinkle that brown stuff that you just mentioned, Patricia. Yeah, the brown brown sugar or cinnamon. Cinnamon. Cinnamon, yeah. yeah. And boy, it, it's really good. But in the main, I'm an egg eater. I eat a couple of eggs every day. And uh, sometimes even more, you know. And uh, people have told me about cholesterol for years when I tell them how many eggs I eat. And my cholesterol is low. Medical community, no, the medical community has changed its mind on eggs. Can you imagine? The incredible, the incredible edible egg has a new definition. Uh-huh. There you go. Yeah. Uh, by the yeah. way, uh, Patricia, for your, um, your, your earlier quiz about uh-huh. your favorite movie, what I'm watching on TV right now is uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Uh-huh. Yeah. But That's Wonderful good. Life is, is really the, uh, the leading film. Uh huh. That's that's what it says out here on the internet, and everything on the uh, internet is true. I love that that movie. You know, they, unfortunately, they don't show it enough during the Christmas season anymore. Walden, we talked about this last year. Is it is it that they are only permitted to show it once, or well, uh, Turn, Turner Classics only plays it one time? Let it go in public domain. So, so when he did that, right. it, in the '80s, it became a bombbuster. And but somebody said, well, the music is copyrighted, so they're trying to charge people for playing it now because of the music inside the film, uh, even the film. So, uh, so they're, they're trying to nail people, you know, the TV stations network for an extra fee. That's really interesting. I yeah. see. For a movie, I would have considered music what in the writing community is called work for hire. You write it, you get paid, and that's it. Yep. It belongs to the movie yep. or the producer or yep. the person who's paying the bills. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But that's that's what, what I would have thought. That's what they claim right now, so that's why you don't see it as often as, as we did. How interesting. You know, uh, Gosh, I'll have to track down some information about yeah. that. That really surprises me. Wow. Okay. Well, what? would you like a, a Christmas trivia question? All right. In The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Grinch Had a Dog. Patricia, I know nothing, absolutely nothing about The Grinch. (gasps) Watched it? Oh, and I love The Grinch. I've never watched it. I don't even... I wouldn't even recognize it if it came on TV. Well, I think Patricia should. Oh, you would recognize it. I think Mm -hmm. Patricia should send you a YouTube link or something in your next email. That way, you have to. Oh, oh, I love the Grinch. Okay, we will bypass the Grinch for you. Originally, it was a Boris Karloff cartoon in the '60s, and then there were different movie versions later, but. uh, it, yeah, it was it was a cartoon, and Boris Karloff was the narrator. And it was, oh. oh, my goodness, we have to get you connected. It's my favorite Christmas show. Wow. See, now uh-huh. you got me all excited. But pass me on the Grinch for now. But you know what I'll do? I'll look you. it up. I thought it was more of a, like a kid's... Um, uh, kid. When you oh. said, I'm thinking about the cat with a hat. Is that what it's about? Oh, 
Yeah, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss did create the Grinch, you're right. Um, but it, it's one of those that kids can love and adults never let it go. Wow. I just what, love it. What version should I look for? The cartoon version. It was caught off yep. around 1966. More recently, the comedian Jim Carrey was the Grinch, mm-hmm. and he did a marvelous job. So either one of them. I will find both. Oh, that'd be terrific. Okay, I will find them somewhere. But those are the two versions right. I just we love. Give, yeah. we give Ray another, another, another oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you to name five of Santa's original reindeer. Not Rudolph, but five of the others. Uh, and Blitzen and Donner and Blitzen and Donner and, uh, and Rudolph. <laughs> no, Rudolph. Uh-uh. And Blitzen and Donner and Donner and <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do them for you, and I can do this in my head. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you've got Dasher and Dancer and Prancer, and you know Vixen. Right? Okay. There's silence out there. Okay. And then we've got Comet and Cupid and, and Donder and Okay, Blitzen. now I have to tell you something. Wow. I am, I've ju- I'm almost finished with a memory book. And it's called, it's got a real weird name. It's a phenomenal uh-huh. book uh, that a young man who was in a, Interviewing these um, these uh, memory people, they have a tournament in Europe and here in America, and he was interviewing uh-huh. them for a story, and they encouraged him to get involved. And the guy within a year, he won the American Memory Championships. Wow! So I'm listening to his. Well, it's an audio book, so I listened to his book. And uh-huh. it's a phenomenal book about the history of uh, mnemonics, they call it. And uh-huh. um, and uh, it's got a real weird name. I'm trying to think about it right now. <laughs> Moon, this is a memory book. Of course you should remember with, it. <laughs> with, Isaac, with Einstein. Moonwalking with Einstein. Isn't that a bizarre Moonwalking. name? Moonwalking. Yeah. The name... The name, now you won't believe this, my kitty just jumped on my chest. What a monkey's on my stomach. That's a good kitty. He loves you. He loves you. I will give you a bit of trivia about that, too. So, okay, um, that, that is a bizarre title. I agree with you. Bizarre is a wonderful word, and you used it. That's perfect. And, and uh, now the name is part, what makes the book so unique because mm-hmm. most of these mnemonists are uh, are not uh, anything special in terms of their normal memory, but they train mm-hmm. themselves. Like, and what prompted that is this Blixen, Dixon, Comet, and Janet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, I need to remember some of these simple things so I could remember. Oh, this is what, what I found that's very unique because I'm trying to memorize a deck of cards. Okay. And there's a system of doing it. But the system, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious in a sense, takes a lot of memory. <laughs> you, you have huh. to remember this so that you could do this real easy. You know, yeah, remember, do they use word? Do they use association? For example, there's a person here who I insisted on calling Helen, and I knew her name was not Helen, but she's she's very pretty and she's delicate, and her name is Nancy. So I did Nancy Reagan because Nancy was a very lovely woman, and you know, it, it's my it's my memory trigger. Do they use anything like that? Yes, they do now. Uh, essentially, I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a thumbnail sketch. Here's mm-hmm. what they do. They build a memory palace. Okay, here's what a memory palace is. You take your home, and in your home, you have a chair, a couch, uh, a lamp, uh, a desk, a TV, an ottoman, and uh, whatever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So here's Mm -hmm. how they remember. Okay, Patricia, if I met you for the first time, now I've been in sales my entire career, and I fancy myself good with names because I really concentrate, okay? Mm -hmm. So the way I do it is the way you do it. Like, you're Patricia. Who else do I know who's a Patricia? You know, and I do an association. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, I know Patty and Patricia, so Patty, Patricia, and then I'll remember. But here's mm-hmm. the way they do it. They think of your name, and they'll say, what's unique about this person's name? And they'll say, Pat, Patty, Patricia. And they'll place you someplace in their memory palace. And you've, it's got to be weird so they'll remember you. So as an example, in my memory palace, which is downstairs where, I, where I'm at right now, the first thing uh-huh. that's in my palace is my lamp uh, table. And I mm-hmm. would have you sitting on the lamp table. Patricia is sitting on the lamp table, patting her knees, playing patty cake. You see the association? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in my memory palace, you're the first person. You're sitting on my, uh, I met you, you're sitting on my, my lamp table, and you're playing patty cake. And that will help me to remember name, the name Patricia. You see how they do huh. it? And then let's yeah. add a, a guy named uh, Joe Blow. Okay. Joe Blow, Joe. What could I do with that? Joe Blow. Joe Blow, that rhymes. Joe Blow. Okay, I got to put Joe in a very unique place. So the second thing in my memory palace would be my couch. Okay, I see Joe in my couch. Gee, that's a plain name, uh, you know, like an easy, too easy of a name. So Joe, he's on my couch. Well, I see Joe now chopping up my couch. He's breaking oh, up the couch. He's, he's, These are really extreme so, associations. Yeah, they, in other words, they make it really 
something so bizarre that this Joe is doing, you won't for you know, isn't that weird how they do it? And they could remember yeah. the the world record for memorizing a deck of cards, by the way, is thirty one seconds. Uh huh. They they essentially now, do it the way I'm playing. Yeah. Now I saw a show. I don't know if it's still on or if it was just a one time thing where they placed images all over a board. There must have been fifty images up there. Of you know, a deck of, of something like the, the three of spades and the picture of a plant and then a flower and then a tree and a house and a car and they were all they were all up on this board. This person would stare at the board and say, Okay and he would name every one of the cards in sequence, which just, I guess maybe it was not in sequence because he had to remember a couple of the items at the end of this, but 50 cards up there with something different on every card, and he could repeat the entire, the entire board of cards. I don't know how they did it. Well, they, they did, they did it. it the way I'm telling you, and there's even a more sophisticated way, and here's the unique thing. When they place all these cards in their memory palace, they could mm-hmm. say it backwards or forward. You know? They, yes. They could, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what these... Uh, it's just... It, it's mind-boggling what they can do and how they do it. And it takes a lot of practice because mm. you're learning how to memorize things. But in that process, you're really learning, uh, you know, a system mm-hmm. that in itself is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of memory. But, you know, it's fascinating if, if you if you. If if anybody would look up Moonwalking with Einstein, <laughs> and that name is is part of what's in his memory palace. Uh huh. To that's um, really funny. To remember the name Moonwalking Einstein. with Einstein. Wow. Okay, listen. Wow. You know, you guys are too easy to talk to. You're keeping me on the phone so long. Everybody else is probably saying, hey, when's this guy getting off? So well, I, it's I just wish so much, everybody it's, a Merry it's Christmas. It's been so long. It's, oh, thank you. But it's been, uh, like it's I been so long you, since when I write you, to you, you sound terrific. Uh, oh, I just, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I hope and pray that, uh, you know, you you get over all of this so you don't have to eat that food anymore. <laughs> I think it would be fun if they had one night a week where everybody was allowed in the kitchen to make their own. Wow, what an idea. I just love that idea. I would make me the most wonderful salad in the whole world. I love lettuce salads. So that's what I would do, and that's pretty simple. Yeah, it really is. I just had a a Greek salad for dinner tonight. I love them. (gasps) Oh, yum. Oh, yum. Olives, feta cheese. Uh, oh, the feta cheese! Oh, yes, yes, yes. Just give me a, just give me eight ounces of feta cheese, and I'll make a dinner out of it. 
<laughs> well, uh, I really like that one. Malden, you know, thank you guys so much for doing what you're doing. You know, I have to tell you, uh, without you guys and the kind of entertainment you provide, you know, this world wouldn't be as happy as it is as far as I'm Oh, how nice of you to say that. You know, you're complimenting us for having fun. <laughs> exactly. Fun yeah. You rang the bell. Yeah. Okay. We're having Merry fun. Qu- Merry Christmas so. right to you and your family. Hope you, I hope, hope you at least get another round of golf in before you go to Arizona. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, Wilder. <laughs> Good night. Good night, you guys. Good night, Ray. Thank you so much for getting through. By all means. Bye-bye. Oh, that was fun. We have not talked to Ray in so long. That's true. 714-545-2071. Patricia will be here for another little while before I send her off to bed. Yeah, I will be here for a little while. I'm really, I'm doing well this week, and I'm feeling good tonight, so... Yes. All right. Now, the next... You're doing a lot. Wah, 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 wah. You're going to be doing a whole lot this week, so we got to, you know... That's right. I got to have... That's right. You have to take care of me, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. You're on with Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Walden. Hi, Karen. How are you? Well, um, in October, I had to undergo a... a uh, I had to go under to get a knee replacement in my right knee. And, oh, ow. And are you still hurting, or how are you feeling at the moment? Well, um, I finished uh, uh, after um, after I had my operation, because the, the doctor said you have to have it. And uh, my cousin had it in both knees, but um, he did it like two years apart. But uh, Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, years ago, I had an operation, and the turkey goon who gave me the spinal, when I woke up, I was bent over for three months. So they didn't want to give me a spinal. So they gave me, you know, like a general, and as they were putting me to sleep, they she put a mask over me and told me to breathe in. And they mm-hmm. gave me Oxycontin, and I had to go to a rehab center for about... Roger, how long was I at the rehab center? Two weeks. And then I came home, and then um, uh, I uh, had had therapy. And I told the rehab people they were afraid to work with me because I was blind. Yeah. I said, look, I've been in the blind business for 27 years. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Uh, because sometimes people, I said, why don't you let me take care of the blindness? And I had a great mobility teacher, and you just show me what I need to do for you. And you take mm-hmm. care of that part, and you'll see how great everything turned out. Well, everything turned out just, you know, they just were astonished. You know? You showed them. You showed them. I'm really so surprised that they, that, that they, they were uncomfortable with this. Physical therapy, and you had to go uh-huh. down, take the elevator downstairs to the gym, and then you have to use a walker, or they have a faster walker, which they let me take home called a rollator. And uh, uh, and now I'm uh, just about finished with the home therapy. I'm walking around with my cane now. So I had to go to the doctor oh, for great. something. And I walked over to the doctor, which is like three blocks away. 
You sound like the perfect patient. Tell me what to do, and I will do it. Yes. You no. Know, uh, um, and uh, uh, but but I'll t- I'll tell you, it was very painful. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm. they had to give me a lot of oxycontin, and uh, you know, then they tapered it off. But uh, uh, it, when I got up, I felt like I wasn't going to make it. I said, God, please! I made it through everything else. I and now the the pain is gone. They said it will hurt from time to time. Mm-hmm. So every morning and night, I take like a two Tylenol. And uh, uh-huh. so I walk outside with my cane. He said, start going back to your normal life because I haven't been to see my therapist at the Lighthouse Guild where I go for therapy to deal with the blindness. This is because it's not very easy here in the city. And I have no yeah. family except a cousin who lives in Virginia. And most of the relatives I have don't, when I went blind, they didn't want to deal with me or my family at all. And my parents oh, are gone. My. And so it's just me, God, my boyfriend, and my kitty cat. So what the what's name your kitty cat's what's name? What's the name of the kitty cat? <laughs> Sparky. Sparky. I got him from a shelter in Pennsylvania when I was up there with my girlfriend about five, six years ago. <laughs> Go and they named him uh-huh. Hop, but when I looked at him, I said, You're a Sparky. So I paid $75. It was the best investment. And because I had had Ginger Boy for 16 years, he was an orange cat, but he had palliative cancer and, and we had to have him put down. And then I said, I'm never getting uh-huh. a cat again. And then in a year and a half later, I saw this little guy and he kept tugging on my shirt at the animal shelter. And my girl, oh gosh, are you a customer? So Sparky's, uh-huh. been, Sparky's been with us for me for five years in, in August. He'll be here. But his birthday is in April. So uh, my boyfriend, Roger, and I listened to Yesterday, USA on, on, on the weekends, dispersed with uh-huh. football. Because uh, when I was at blind school, I, I went to three blind schools and nearly got kicked out of all three of them. I can't cook. My mother, when she, I was little, being visually impaired, mm-hmm. uh, they, she didn't know how to teach me to cook, so I, I can't cook at all, you know. It's, it's oh, my. It's the microwave for me. I, I, I'm oh. concerned about you, Patricia. Uh, are you allowed to have any animals in your place? No. No. I say no. I, I have not even considered something like that. Wow. Nobody here has a pet here, so I'm guessing it's probably no. No, no. I'm everybody else's pet. (laughs) What do you want for Christmas, Patricia? Yeah, what do you want for Christmas, Patricia? What do I want for Christmas? Gee whiz. You know, I really don't need anything. There are some things that probably would be fun. And you encourage people like me. And so does Walton and John and Larry. Because I met Walden so and his dad yeah. at the FOTR convention in New York City. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, I have a quick question to ask you, Patricia. How do you, sure. where, how do you know when you're going to get a good haircut? How do you find a hairstylist? <laughs> have you had with that? <laughs> that is the greatest question. I don't know. I've just been, I've been trusting 
walk in, sit down, and say, this is the way I wear my hair, and hope that they listen to me. <laughs> yeah. So but this uh, last one. We have one down yeah, here I, that's very inexpensive because, uh, let's say, uh, uh, we're having, it's it's difficult financially, and uh, mm-hmm. we're getting through it. we got God, we've got my boyfriend, I've got a few friends, and I've got you guys in my corner, and that keeps me going. Oh, well, we really, we love you, so, gosh, you know, you're a very easy person to love, so, you've got us. You can work on Roger, and then Roger could cut your hair, we can see how that (laughs) goes. No, I wouldn't even let him touch it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Roger and I, if if there's, going together for eight years, we wish we could get married, but because of the laws, and we're in... You know, but you know, not not too great financially mm-hmm. that we lose yeah. all the benefits. Yeah. That's so right. We, That's right. No. I I am a great proponent of evaluating the situation and doing what's right for you. And if that means living together and collecting your benefits, both of you, then by golly, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and uh, but he's been with me for. Eight years, took care of the cat while I was in the hospital, and and uh, he's he's I don't know because uh, I was divorced. I I was in a bad marriage, and after I went blind, I said, uh, I said, you know, nobody's going to want me, and I just said, I don't care anymore. Uh, mm. I don't care anymore if I ever meet anybody, and I went to vacation camp for the blind up in uh, New Upper New York State, and I met Roger, and uh, we started talking, and I started running into him, and I said, oh, God, I hope he runs into me. Then when we got to know, then when we came back to the state, took me to, um, uh, took me to an outback steakhouse, and we had dinner, and then I would call him and say, I have trouble with my email, when I really didn't, and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you little rascal. <laughs> Roger, I've got trouble with my email. Please, you've got to come and help me. Because when he oh. would a computer lab downstairs, and he'd meet me on Fridays, and uh, and and uh, he'd take me to uh, to a coffee place, Starbucks, and then bring me back. And then uh, I said, I have a cat. You like cats? You want to meet Ginger? <laughs> and Ginger kind of brought us together. And... Um, and uh, and uh, so it's the three of us, um, you know, Sparky, Roger, and and me. And so what we're doing, we're thinking about we're going to cook for dinner. We're either going to get a spiral ham or something like that. And, Excellent. Yeah, that'd be good. That will but be there, good. But uh, we found this cheap place down in the village, and I think mm. I'm ready to tackle the subway. And uh, uh, and because it's a lot cheaper, because in New York, I don't know how much hair is done in California, but some of these places around here want eighty, ninety dollars. Wow! Oh. Uh, I don't. I oh. have. I have the same barber. She's been cutting my hair since I was fifteen, so that's thirty-six years. Yeah. And I think she's still charging me fifteen dollars a cut. Well, that's what they at this place. It's called. Um, Aster Hairstylist, and if anybody is listening from New York and is in New York City, mm-hmm. 
it's worth going down to two Astor plates. It's an old building uh, right under the vitamin shop, and there are some crickety stairs, which I love. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, because uh, um, uh, when I, when I went blind, because uh, when I went blind, I found out you not only have to get used to it yourself, you have to educate people around you. Mm-hmm. And some, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of my mother's family didn't want to be around me anymore. So you just okay. buried them. And let, I had a little paper ceremony where I had each of their nerves and I buried them. I said, let's go with God. And and uh, so what I do now is I, I wasn't able to get any kind of job. I used to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. And then I taught computer at the Andrew High School Library, but they had a, you know, uh, like change. They wanted to get rid of some people, and I was let go. So when I get back on my feet, I want to see if I could get some job as like volunteering with children and stuff like that. Because uh, one guy I dated years ago said I was a big kid. I have a little kid in me. <laughs> I ever watched you are- the Alvin show yeah. when it with Alvin movie for Christmas. You know. Uh-huh. It, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, you are an extraordinarily and, sensitive person, and uh, kids would just love you to pieces because I know you would love them. Yeah, and uh, and and um, uh, like uh, when I had a friend who died of liver cancer two years ago, he was like mm-hmm. my adopted brother, mm-hmm. and I oh, and, and I was asked to give the eulogy. And if I told all the mm-hmm. jokes he told me, I would be after two hours, but we had a 10-minute service. So I said, well, you know, everybody was depressed, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was having trouble, and so was God. So he said, I need someone for, for entertainment. So Tom is here to be with us. Wow. And so, and then um, I like country music, too, and, and we would sing... Stay on the sunny side, always on the sunny side, always on the sunny side of life. It will help you every day. It would help you all the way if you stay on the sunny side of life. Boop, boop. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. How perfect. Oh, God, Karen, that's great. And because uh, um, before we put you guys on, we listened to the Grand Ole Opry because when I lost everything, my job, my eyesight, my family, most of my friends, I went back to the values I had when we were little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from, like, UK, a blue-collar family. Yeah. And when we had really nothing, my mother said, we have our faith in God, we have each other, we have the relatives, and, and, and uh, we have our love of country music. And so when I lost everything, I went being, back to being happy that way. And and I I am happier now than I was when I had the big auditing job, but I like when I was an auditor, one of the supervisors said I didn't act like an auditor because I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, come in with a pompous attitude, mm-hmm. you know, because I always treated the golden rule: treat people the way you want them to treat you. Absolutely. And the supervisor I had, she said, I don't like you because you're like that, and you're a blue collar person, and. And I own, it took everything for me not to punch her in the face because I'm very proud of where <laughs> I came from. And it's not a day that yes. I don't think about it. But, you know, thinking back that way when things 
really went bad. I never thought I could be happier again. But, you know, I'm happier than I've ever been. Excellent. And when I go to the doctor, there's a receptionist downstairs who had a little baby. How is she doing? Is she doing, you're doing, how did your pampers? Did you get some new toys? You know, I always want to know about how everybody's kids are doing. Sure. Yeah. So it was a pleasure talking to you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Karen. And thank you for oh, Karen. circle. Wait. And I really uh, appreciate it. Karen, I have... Patricia, got a trivia question for I you. Have, okay. I have to give you a trivia question. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, I, have, I, have to, I need you to fill out my survey. Did you ever write to Santa when you were a little girl? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, there's two. Oh, there's great. Two okay, all right. Okay. Now Patricia's turn. Go ahead, Patricia. Okay, let me see here. Oh, I've got lots of stuff. Um. All right. In the Christmas Carol, now you're into music here. In the Christmas Carol, the 12 days of Christmas, uh, what was the gift on the fifth day? Five golden rings. Really good. There you go. This is great. Okay. So, like, I'm, are you working on a... Hmm? Because Roger and I were trying to sing some of the songs tonight, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, really? And, you know... Which ones did... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, we're... To talk about the old Christmases, and if Roger wasn't here, I would go down Christmas to the Valerie Mission. Or if I had nobody to ah. do it, I'd go down and help out at a nursing home or the Bowery Mission. Yeah. Yeah. Super. To bring happiness to people. That's always a good thing. Can't work or get a job. I want to. When you see me or talk to me, you're you're better off because uh, I had a primary that moved away, and she was my doctor for 13 years, and she said you bring a lot of happiness and sunshine in the office. Good. So I try That's to do great. a big yeah. job now. Well, Karen, I am just so happy that you called in. This is a great conversation, and thank you very much for it. Okay. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Karen. Oh, oh it's always fun to talk to you, and I'm sorry it's been so long. I'm just grateful that you called in. Thank Merry you. Merry Christmas to you, Roger, and to Sparky. What can I say? Because uh, the uh, physical therapy had one more session with me, and he said, I'm done. Uh, but they would have me walk with my rollator in the long hall here, and uh, he took me out a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I go out with, you know, they, he said I still have to take it easy a little bit, you know. Yeah, but sure. I can start getting back to normalcy. Could Excellent. I back it sounds like you've made a good head start where? on this. Well, you guys take care, right, and I love Karen. you. Same here, Karen. Take oh, care. Bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. Good night. Karen from New York, but good to hear. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Patricia and I like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, stuff like that. There, you know, everything. Okay, I have I have a trivia question for you. Oh, I oh, know. Up, oh, you got saved by the bell. Hello there, you saved the ding-a-ling. me again. Hello, caller. You're on, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Jim. Jim in California. Hello. How are you? I don't know if Walden told you, but we've relocated. 
No, I haven't told Patricia he, yet. So I'm gonna bring you. He bring told you. me you were going to. Yeah. So let's bring but, everybody up to speed. Well, you want you want to tell them the story? Yeah. Everybody. Well, it was one of those Twilight Zone type experiences. About we were uh, we, we, as you know we found a place last year as a result of a fire. My the place right. we were living in for four years was destroyed in a fire, uh-huh. and I was in the hospital and rehab and. All the wonderful people at the ride and radio once more, and other people, friends of D's and me, that uh, contributed to us finding a place through a special fund that one of D's friends set up, and we got this apartment. Well, we were having trouble getting our mail, so uh, in October we were told by the post office that we were being suspended from further mail delivery because they didn't, they couldn't, it wasn't on their maps. And we went to the post office to try to clear the matter, and they told us to go to City Hall. And we discovered to our horror, when code enforcement people came out to the apartment, this building that we were in, the apartment unit we were in, was never even registered. They had no, it was an, inv- an illegal dwelling we were living in. And so mm-hmm. we had to, they were threatening to vacate the place, or whatever they call it, uh, red tag the place. So we were trying to work it out. They sued us for unlawful detainer for staying, and we finally got out on December 4th. They reached a settlement with us, and uh, they got, I think we're going to get our deposit back as well, but we did get a settlement. They gave us money for moving expenses, and we found a place. They had a motel for a few days, but we were in a new place. As of December 8th, I got my phone reinstalled on the 12th, my internet wow. and the like. So for at least a year, we're, we're here. We signed a year's lease. That is excellent. I'm so glad it got resolved, Jim. I was really worried about you and the circumstances. I mean, you got plopped in circumstances that were absolutely none. I mean, of can your you fault. imagine? You didn't even you know, know it, I, yeah. I, and we legally wondered, can they evict you from a place that doesn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. Jim and I were talking. Oh, since, Jim, Jim, since Jim have called us on the year, what, since 2004, this is what, the fifth move you had to make, Jim? And- uh, let's see. Hayward from 2000, well, actually 2006 I started. Okay. To, uh, Hayward to uh, Bay Point, mm-hmm. that was one. Bay Point to Pittsburgh was two. Okay. Uh, a street down the street in Pittsburgh was three. I that remember was 2010. that. 2010. The fire was four. Yep. It's five. This is five. Number five. Wow. But uh, wow. we did it somehow, <laughs> and uh, we're here now. And my house—I uh, have the biggest room in the house. My housemate tells me I, it's a two bath, two baths. Or again, I have my own bathroom now, and Dee has hers. Super. So, so that's nice. Um, it's nice to be settled. We're still trying to get all of our things unpacked and Wi-Fi set up and all of that. Do you, you have a kitchen and a living room, too? Or uh, we don't have a sofa or anything yet. We're debating uh-huh. what to do about that. Okay. But we do have mm-hmm. a kitchen. We have our own laundry room here Okay. in the apartment. The, in the previous place, their washing machine was in the ha- hall, I guess, of the building. That's the weirdest oh. thing about it. All the other apartments in that building were registered. What we suspect is we think these people were taking the rent, and by not registering it, I guess they wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. They could just keep all the rent money. Yeah. 
Um, so, but, but at least we got out. So they dismissed the case in court on December 5th, the unlawful detainer, because we were out. Yes. So I was going to talk to you about several things. First of all, I'm trying to find out, Patricia, when Rick, Radio Rick, is going to do his anthology of Christmas music on the RideRadio.net. He produced a special a few years ago to take you through the whole history of Christmas music, not back in ancient times so much, but as far as phonograph records go. And he does a few examples from the early part of the century, but then, starting in about 1934 or 5, he chronicles what Christmas songs were popular each year, clear from there Uh into about the 80s, every year. It's like an 11-hour special. We're going to try. Wow. We're going to try to tell you when it's going to air. If you're working, maybe one of my friends can record it online or something. But he thinks he may be doing it December 25th, starting at, I guess it would be 9 a.m. your time in Florida. It's about a 12-hour special. But as soon as I know, I will let Walden know. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this special. You'll hear Christmas songs you've never heard before. Uh, you'll hear songs you have heard, um, uh-huh. and, and they're all original recordings, you know, on, on phonograph records. So uh-huh. you're going to—it would be your ideal program. I thought of you ever since I heard Rick do it a few years ago. Oh, it sounds wonderful. I mean, you're going to hear—you'll uh, hear, uh, you'll hear this, the good ones like White Christmas, mm-hmm. and the uh-huh. bad ones like Grandmama Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and everything there it in between, is my you'll, head. <laughs> hear, you'll hear, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Oh, and geez. you'll hear, uh, All right. you'll hear, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, there, there's a Prokofiev piece called Midnight Sleigh Ride that Sauter Finnegan and his orchestra did in 1953. You'll hear, huh. uh, you'll hear the, the, uh, just so many things. I mean, can you tell Patricia? You were telling me this story last night about I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Tell Patricia the background story about. Well, that you, you know, Ayla Peavy was her name. She released this children's record in 1953 on Columbia called "I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas." Walden has it, by the way, in my his uh-huh. little 78. I think I do too. But anyway, go ahead. Um, she was about 10 when she recorded it. She was from uh-huh. Oklahoma City, and some group. I learned this on an oldie show yesterday that I listened to. Uh, this person learned about it. That some per- mm-hmm. some people were so impressed with the song, they wanted Gayla PV to actually have a hippopotamus. And they raised the money to buy a hippopotamus for her. She oh donated to the Oklahoma City Zoo. And it only it died like a couple of years ago. You know, it, it lived oh within the last five years or so, the hippopotamus, I mean. Wow. I had no, I do not know how long the lifespan of the hippopotamus is, but it sounds like it's very long. So it sounds like they're going to buy a new hippopotamus and going to have her come back to sing the song. And she's going to come back and sing the song. She's in her 80s now, I think. And she's going to come back and wow. maybe sing the song. They're going to put a new hippopotamus in the zoo, I heard. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And maybe okay, Walden, so I don't I'm get really, it cued, but maybe Walden can find it tonight and play that for you. Well, I think she 
can help me get Google her name. Maybe we can track her down and interview her once she gets her hippopotamus. We'll, we'll talk about hippo. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cute song. I remember it very well. She also did a record one time that I remember called Wish I Was a Whisker on the Easter Bunny's Chin. <laughs> That's a goodie. Uh, it isn't stupid like Grandma, is it? <laughs> My mom kind of got a chuckle out of Grandma got run over, I think. it was, mm. But it wasn't one of the better Christmas songs. Um, the B-side of uh, I Want a Hippopotamus, by the way, was Are My Ears On Straight? It was about Are my point. ears on straight? Do they wobble to and fro? Can yeah, you climb like, in a oh, doll? Can you doll. climb in a bow? Am I close? It was, I think it was. It was told from a doll's viewpoint. You know. Oh, a, okay. Um, but he, he probably he's going to play that. He's going to play um, just about every the original. He was going to play the original 1942 White Christmas that Bing did. Mm-hmm which was a little different than the one most people hear. I didn't um, know that. Wow. Walden, did you know that? I just found out fairly recently, and I finally got my hand on the recording of it last year. And it's different. Wow. And I think the reason why they went back and recorded it again in 47, because, you know, during the war, they didn't have the... The last didn't hold up as long. So they went ahead and... Instead of reissuing the old master, they just went ahead and being to record a modern version, and that's what we hear all the years at the one from 47. Hmm. And you also hear what on this is... special, he's going to play Blue Christmas. Of course, Elvis had the hit everyone remembers, but Ernest Tubb actually recorded it in 49. Wow. Um, I did not know that either. But you'll hear all of that. As soon as I know the time, okay. we'll advise Walden. Yep, I think I'll talk to you. That would be great. That. Yeah. Okay, so. Um. Also, uh, we, your previous caller, Karen, was talking about rehab centers. Mm-hmm. My experience in my rehab center was good and bad, as I've told you. Mm-hmm. I lost some of my clothes um, that my housemate got. Mm-hmm. Um, one person, um, the problem with my physical therapy and walking was I got so tired pulling the walker. They gave me the walker to pull, and we finally found later it was much easier for me to hold the nurse's or the therapist's arm and trying to pull a walk. Uh-huh. Got it. I would like sure. I can understand that. Very easily. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing was, they when they, they, they wanted me out of bed, of course, they wouldn't get bed sores, but they sat me on a wheelchair. And those chairs can be very uncomfortable. Yes, they can. Uh, and I have a pillow the- on mine. <laughs> to go to the bathroom, they wheeled me, uh, uh-huh. and the, the D says I should have walked because when I got to the motel the first night after the rehab center, I fell down because the reason I was off my feet so much. But my brother says that uh, they do that a lot because they they don't they want to they don't want to run the risk of any injury if you're walking to the room or something. You know, they don't want to have any yeah. chance of that. Um, uh-huh. But it was you know I guess they did what they could for me. Uh, I was glad to get out, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually preferred the hospital to the rehab center because it just, they, they made some mistakes. Uh, one well-meaning person actually thought, he said, it must be terrible after this fire, losing your sight in a fire. And, of course, I had to assure him that 
the fire had nothing to do with that. I mean, yeah. if, if it did, I would have had a lot deeper psychological problems than I had, of course. Mm. Oh, yeah. And they, they were well-meaning, of course. Um, but I know what Karen must feel when certain people reject you. There, there are times when they don't treat you like an adult. And I don't mean therapist. I mean, there are people in society that don't always treat you like an adult. Like, mm-hmm. I was real upset once when... Um, my the people I used to live with years ago, we went to a drive-in movie, and I was I was in my I guess twenty no I was about thirty thirty one and I we're going to this movie, it's called Clash of the Titans, which I guess is about <coughs> the Greek gods and the like, <coughs> and all of a sudden my housemate starts laughing like crazy, and uh, and she's laughing and I said, what's so funny? And I can't tell by the dialogue, they're playing music. She says, none mm-hmm. of your business. And I said, well, it must be funny if you're laughing about it. You're laughing like crazy. What's so funny? Finally, said, if, finally she said, if you must know they're making love. <laughs> and I thought, well, I didn't know, you know, they, what, what they're doing yeah. in the brain. She was, yeah. And I mentioned that to Ron one time. And Ron's reply, I guess Ron had the right approach, but I didn't think of it at the time. He said, that's funny. <laughs> Meaning more on my roommates laughing about something like that. But they treat, yeah. sometimes they don't treat you like you're an adult. Like uh, one time I yes. went to an amusement park with these people. And we're, I'm sitting there. They wanted to go see something. And they set me down on a seat at a bench. And she says, now don't you go running off where we have to find you. And I think to myself, I've never been in this park in my life before. Where would I be running to? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And why? <laughs> there are people that I guess think that if you're not, and even some well-meaning people once, we were, I was involved in a hunger citizens lobby one time, and the head of the organization we were in were on TV, and we were in the lobby of the motel, hotel room watching the TV. And one of my fellow people said, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that Mr. Harris is on TV. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't I be paying attention? I know he's on TV. But I think they, mm. if your face, if your eye isn't looking at the TV, maybe they think you're not paying attention. <laughs> I don't know. No. But it's one of the it's annoying things. I mean, yeah. I know it's not the worst thing in the world, but and I mm-hmm. feel bad for Karen if people... Didn't want if her family didn't want to have much to do with her anymore. I just yeah, that's so. I mean, it could happen to them too. Sure, you know. of course, of course. And uh, when, 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 they, when you were talking, when you were talking about not being treated as an adult, I have seen it myself, and I have heard people talk about it. If you're sitting at a table in a restaurant with other people. They will say to someone else, what does he want for lunch? Yeah. Has that happened to you? Well, that but the worst thing that ever happened to me there was when I first registered to vote in 1972, when I turned 21, it was just it had just turned 18. But when we were uh-huh. at the city hall or the county clerk's office registering to vote, the lady said to me, do you know what your address is? She didn't say, what is your address? Uh, do you know what your address yeah. is? Wow. Why wouldn't I? Uh, um, yeah, and and it's it's little things like that 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 annoy me, and and I, I guess I guess they don't understand that. Uh, 
I guess they think that if you don't have your eyes with you, you're not fully developed. I mean, uh, they want to come out and say that, of course. And maybe they don't even realize they're thinking it. I think that's the case. I think you're right. And I, I guess if Walden, you people, what do you think? If you polled people, what do pe- aside from losing their life, I would bet the mm-hmm. thing people f- would fear most would be losing their eyes, probably. Yeah. I, I never Walden, are you still with us? Fear. I am. I am. Oh. I am. I'm, I'm just listening to what's your, you. What's your take on this? Well, I, and, you know, I think I've had some different experiences because, you know, I had it for nine and a half years, ten years of my life, so... Uh-huh. I I have a different understanding what they go through, but I always I always have used it to my advantage, um, especially in classrooms because I was so competitive in yeah. academic pursuits. I'm still amazed, Walden, that you were able to get an economics degree because math I'm totally lo- and because of your math skill I'm mm-hmm. just to me numbers just get me lost. So so if I was in a classroom with a new teacher. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. the expectation level, level would not be as high until they get the first examination. Yeah. And then, uh-huh. and then generally I was always, it got to the point where, where you know, my, my grades were so strong. They, I, I think some of the poor kids, because I'd be in regular mainstream classroom with side kids. And so I wound up being sort of the benchmark for a lot of the kids just to try to keep up. I, I used it to my advantage, I, uh, mm-hmm. um, but I worked really hard at it. Rick told me, my friend Rick told me once that when he was going to public school in Bakersfield, when they would bring, when the uh, children would be transferred there from the state school at Berkeley uh, to a public school, most of those kids that were in residential schools were behind in their skills. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how it was in other states. Yeah, I think John and I were very blessed to have the opportunity to always be in public school. Well, there were hard parts about, I mean, and for some of us, the residential at the time was the only thing available. Yes, yeah. In some states. Yes. And I mm-hmm. will say, going being away from home was a, was, a, was a very scary experience at six. I don't blame my yeah. people. I, I also had an interesting observation. My, um... I really think family support is so important for for kids with any disabilities. And you don't have it if they're not near you. Say they're hundreds of miles away. That's right. And that, and, and see, I've I've been blessed. John Lloyd's been blessed with strong support units at home. Not everybody. Help. The other thing is, mm-hmm. I think I've told you this. We my parents were told that they should not visit me for six weeks. To Can you imagine being away from home? And I and I, I get, they told me, of course, I'd be going away to school, but I didn't really understand at six what they meant exactly. You know, it, mm-hmm. and when they weren't there, it was just. And, and the, most of the house mothers were, they weren't mean, but they weren't they they're nur- but they didn't have nurturing skills. You know, they had to work in an institution with lots of kids, mm-hmm. so that nurturing yeah. wasn't there. I mean, they weren't. I'm not saying they were mean. You know what I mean? They they were. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't indifferent. It's just they 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 had so many kids to manage and take care of. You did not have warmth there. There was no warmth. One or two were. I mean, one was kind of. She was kind of cute with me, but um, you know, she did some cute things. But for the most part, 
it was a it was a lonely experience, and uh, yeah, I was glad. Wow. I was always glad to go home in the summer and at Easter and Thanksgiving and all of that. Um, but uh, but but that business about the movie, I mean, I, maybe they don't know. And I, I and by the way, I didn't ask her how are they making love. I, I didn't ask her for details. Yeah, it, it just. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with Ron's observation? Why is that funny? Uh, I mean, it, I, I know what Ron was trying. Yeah, it sounds to me, Jim, that the the guy, the guy that was looking at both being yourself was really immature, and yeah. she probably should not have been the right one to be assigned to to work with you. So she just didn't have your maturity level. Well, I mean, this was my roommate. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like she just was very immature. Right, but I, and I guess Ron's right. I mean, that's really fun. I mean, to me, it's I I don't even like it in novels. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. when people are describe love making scenes, mm-hmm. it, I'm not saying they should be banned, but to me, it's a distraction from the story. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Patricia? In a lot I of do. Ways? Yep, I think you're right on top of it. When you're reading it, a story, it's, it's similar. If it's not handled properly, it's similar to sitting in an entertainment area and there are four-letter words that yes. are assumed <laughs> to, to enhance the performance. And it's not. It's just not. But we read in a movie uh, several years ago, well, back in the 80s, no, 90s. I'm losing track of time. I'm getting old. <laughs> the 90s. There was a very popular movie called, uh, what's the name? It was, it was a police film. Um, now I can't even, right, it was a big film at the time, and now I can't even remember the name of the darn thing. But <laughs> every, the first ten minutes was F, 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 F. And that floored my mother. So any, oh, The Usual Suspects, I think was the name of the film. It totally floored her. And any significance the story might have had later on was overshadowed by that barrage of Fs at the beginning with the characters. It just floored her. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry writers can't do a better job of writing stories. I mean, when you listen to these radio shows, you have to admire their ability to write scripts. Even if even mm-hmm. your bad shows, Patricia, they could write at least. Yes. I mean, I didn't have to use things like that to tell a good story or a bad story even. Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah. you talked about last night, Patricia, on the Friday night show. Was it good? Oh, it was good. They were talking about your awful oh, show. Oh, good. They were talking about your awful show, and they were talking about <laughs> they were talking about some of the Casey crime photographers were pretty bad. So, so they the Tony era, and he pointed uh, while Larry pointed out that you you the one Casey you picked was during the Tony era. We couldn't remember what episode it was. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Webb, the author, the writer who's researching this, liked the shows sponsored by Anchor Hawking and uh, Philip Morris, but he said that when Tony sponsored it, they were trying to appeal to a woman's audience, and the script quality oh, went down. Yeah. In the Tony well, era. The one thing, one of the things that struck me with Casey Crime Photographer is that the situation was so unrealistic, but then I wondered how many people would understand that a photographer would not be 
cut loose by the police department to do his thing. Well, let me try this first before you arrest him. And and and, and the they, reporter it just, Ann, you know, it just didn't make it. I mean, Ann was there. Ann was more of an assistant to Casey. When Ann would have been the in real life, she would have been the reporter really doing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, and I guess hanging out at the cafe with Ethelberg and all of that. Um, but it, it was an okay show. John Dunning in the first book. In speaking of Casey, I forgot to mention this to Mr. Webb last night. He said, in compa- he said, it wasn't up to Johnny Dollar, or it wasn't up to um, Sam Spade or Johnny Dollar, but it was a cut above Mr. Keene and Bulldog Grumman. Casey, I mean. Yeah. Um, I, it depends on, on, I think, a lot on taste, what makes a good story for somebody, and especially the acting. I mean, Mr. Keene, you know, that, that was one of the uh, Hummerts yes. programs. And they had Actually, a particular one of my style guilty, that could be either guilty, be entertaining either. or irritating. It was one of my guilty pleasures. It's like, uh, you know, certain foods you know you're not supposed to eat, and you can be spending uh-huh. time doing something more intellectual. I mean, we're not talking Norman yeah. Corwin here. We're talking Frank and Ann Hummert, of course. But you know yeah. what you're going to get every time. I enjoy it when that person says, my name is Keene. Mr. Keene, the famous investigator. Like, exactly, yes. But, but Mr. Keene. And when the guilty suspect gets caught, the murderer, he always no longer calls him Mr. Keene. He calls him Keene. You'll have to prove that, Keene. Uh-huh. And it, but it was one of my yes, guilty pleasures. Yes. Um, but it, it was formula writing. But you know, I do enjoy every once in a while. I do enjoy listening to a Mr. Keene. Part of it is the way the lines are delivered and what was written for the lines. Yes. And every other uh, the name <laughs> the name of the person being referred to, like in every line. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's this the way is, it this is. My assistant. Uh, like Karen Casey. or whatever her, the character's name is. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was a fun show. Um, I, I still think that the, um, but I, I do wish people could do a better job of writing, writing books and movies are just, you know, um, I haven't been to a movie in years. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we were going to go see Good Night and Good Luck, my brother and I, but something delayed us where we couldn't see it. Um, I'm told it got very good reviews, the one about where George Clooney played Fred Friendly, about Murrow and McCarthy. Um, I don't know the movie. Yeah, it's about Edward R. Murrow and Joe McCarthy. Yeah. It came out about three years ago, so... Uh, oh, well. I'm told that... Uh, <laughs> After and, Vincent Price, uh, I guess. <laughs> there's one out now that's called it's called Wonder that's gotten very good reviews about a ten year old boy who has physical challenges and they start putting him in public school. Hmm. It's gotten very good uh-huh. reviews. Um next, when I when after the first of the year, Patricia, we'll you and I will do our joint review on Don't Touch That Dial. That would be fun, yes. We'll do it that after the holidays, and after, maybe even after your surgery. Uh, do you have any idea when it's going to be? No. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I tell of woe for the week. 
I have to be cleared by the cardiologist before I can have anesthesia. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's, that sounds reasonable. That sounds reasonable. So I had this appointment, oh, at least six weeks because he's kind of difficult to get an appointment with. He's, he's that good. And so my time came up. It was Wednesday, and the, the van took me. We've got transportation here. Went to the doctor's office. I walked in to sign in. I said, I have an appointment with Dr. Hoffman. And she said, no, you don't. Said, Excuse me? <laughs> so, oh, we've been trying to get in touch with you to cancel your appointment. Said, oh, that must be when you get there all that way. And then they, I mean, that's... I know. I got oh, a confirmation email from you people last night. And she said, well, the doctor's away for this week and uh, for most of the time before Christmas. I said, I'm still asking you. You've got my email. Why didn't you try that? Well, I don't think we have it. I said, your system sent me two Why emails confirming uh, my appointment. So, you know, I, I kind of had a wrangle with them. So I, I have to go back. Um, in the beginning of January, and <laughs> I hope they... Well, they after whatever, whenever, you. once you know what you're going to do, then we'll proceed, because we can both read it online. Mm-hmm. His books have been posted online, as I told you. Yeah, yeah. And I have to retrieve my my book from my storage. I put all my radio books in storage, so... But I mean, but that that one you can read on the computer if you if you have to, so... Oh, cool. Okay. Also. All right. Well, that's good. Are you are you all still scheduled next Saturday to do an afternoon presentation? Yes. We're going to start mm-hmm. on 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock West Coast. On Blue. On Blue, both Saturday and Sunday. We'll be here both Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And Saturday night and Sunday night. We're going to do it live. On both on Saturday night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So it's also on Sunday. We'll be here Christmas night. Christmas night too. Oh, yeah. Your usual at the nine nine thirty time. Well, I I you know generally Bill likes taking time off, so I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up getting seven thirty. But we'll wait and see. That's and that'll go and that'll go well past the two hour. Oh yeah. The hour and a half block oh, yeah. through Christmas night. Oh yeah. And then probably New Year's the same thing. Well, I would say so. Oh yeah. You know you know me. Yeah. I I have I have a whole <laughs> I have a whole life plan to be on every day till January seventh. And so we'll find out. Uh, by the way, what's tomorrow night? Perry Huntoon will be at the top of the show, Audio Show Part 2. Okay. And then Michael will be planning to play Hanukkah songs tomorrow night. So that's sort of what Michael has planned. Yeah, that is... That that's is, going is, to be I fun. thought it was interesting a few years ago when you interviewed that, uh, I guess, Jewish um, historian or writer about the history of Hanukkah. Right. Patricia interviewed uh, Ted Prodnick, uh a few years ago, yeah. And it was interesting, he mm-hmm. pointed out, and I did not know this, Hanukkah, the events they're talking about, are not covered in the Bible. I know, that was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, I always thought it was. Well, of course, Passover is, because that's, the, that's, the, you know, that's when uh, Moses uh, right. let uh, out. But no, you're right, Hanukkah's not. But uh, could that have been? Hanukkah maybe isn't, but with, the, the, um, the Maccabees battling... Uh, you know, and and preserving the temple right. and having only one night's worth of oil, but it lasted for the entire eight days. So, I mean, that's not Hanukkah, but it's the story sure. that Hanukkah is based on. Right. Well, could that have been, because the reason it's not mentioned is because it was between, like there was a, 
I guess from the Old Testament era to the New Testament era, what, about 400 years? That's 400 years. And then, remember, the temple was destroyed uh, 70 A.D., and so I imagine we've lost a lot of Jewish records at that time. But what I'm wondering is, could the Hanukkah events have taken place between Testaments? I don't know. I have to be a historian to look it up, but that's definitely a possibility. We, we have to ask... Because you have that whole time from Malachi to uh, Matthew. Right. We have to ask, uh, the next time we talk to Cantor, they get a time frame when they, the event, the eight days of uh, oil happened. And the, mm -hmm. I did not know that about it not being in the Bible. I always assumed it was. So, yeah. But um, anyway, that's going to be interesting tomorrow night to hear Dr. Beale play those. Yep. And that's going to be, it's just great to be able to hear it again, because believe me, over-the-air radio is boring. <laughs> I mean, Except with us. We're not radio. boring. Except the classic station. Talk radio yeah. is boring. By the way, before I forget it, the new way CBS radio starts their news on the hour is wretched. Yeah, I thought I'd listen to that. You know, Notice that, the difference? Yeah. Um, I don't know, people who know that CBS radio no longer owns CBS anymore. Yeah, so Intercom. Intercom bought CBS Radio, so it had to hold mm -hmm. new, it had to hold new feel about it. But the sound, what they'll do, if for people who don't know, the newscaster will read a headline. President oh. Trump makes a decision, let's say, mm -hmm. and then you'll hear this recorded voice saying, "CBS News on the hour." Short pause. You'll hear the pause, and then the newscaster will say, "I'm whoever," and and then on the commercial break those stations that carry the full five minutes, you're listening to CBS News. You'll hear a recording say, CBS Radio, winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award, and then the commercial. I mean, these added recordings, to me, distract it. It's just me, and maybe I'm getting an old... Yeah. It sounds schmaltzy. They did before, to say, CBS News, President Trump makes a decision, I'm so-and-so, and, -so and mm -hmm. go on to whatever it is. Yeah. But I don't run the business. Yeah. No. Yeah, but yeah, but you you are you are the customer who's being serviced by that business. But it's one of those things like it's like I I'm and I know there's nothing we can do about it. Your call is very important to us. <laughs> I mean, it, mm -hmm. please hold for the next twelve minutes. Your call is very important to us. Yeah. Or or you know or something like um, yeah. It seems like they could just say uh, say it. Uh, I don't mind them saying it once. But when they repeat mm -hmm. it every minute. Yes, yes. And you're on long enough to hear it seven times. Or <laughs> even worse, when they play the music that you don't even like on the phone. Yeah. It's none of the music that Walden plays or none of the... <laughs> I don't even recognize it. That's true. I don't even like bumper well, music. Well, Jim, I have, oh. I, I have a trivia question for you. Okay. It's one that I was going to give to Walden. And I have a so maybe the two of you. Yeah, and yeah you probably you. Now, Jim, Jim will know the answer. Which company was the first to use Santa Claus in an advertisement? First? Uh, let me ask you. Uh, a department store of some kind? Hallmark? I'm not going to tell you which company. Um, I'll say... Uh, Macy's. Walden? I don't know the answer to that, but 
Ray gave an idea, so I'm going to go with Ray's idea earlier. Is it Coca-Cola from the 30s? It was Coca-Cola, yes. Oh, wow. That was the first company, and that was the image, the Coca-Cola image, the illustrator who did Santa Claus for the Coca-Cola advertising, was the pudgy, red-nosed, red-cheeked Santa that right. we see today, and they established that. Coca-Cola did that. Wow. And what was your question, Walden? Jim, did you, did you ever write to Santa? Yes. Okay, so you're number three. You did? Okay. How many times? Oh, probably from the time I was six to maybe 10 or 11, maybe. Okay. So during the time that you believed in Santa Claus, I remember when I first year. heard a, a brat at school, and I call him a brat because, you know, kids, it wasn't from my parents. It was, when it was a kid that said, there's no such thing as your mother and dad. And I remember, uh-huh. that couldn't be true. I mean, even on the news, they talk about Santa landing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, even Paul Harvey would broadcast mm-hmm. on his takeoff. But Paul Harvey wouldn't make any yeah. Um Yeah, I believed in Santa very strongly. Um, and that's why when Dr. Beale pointed out that the recording we have of William Jennings Bryan delivering his Cross of Gold speech, which was he delivered in 1896, Dr. Beale pointed out that it was William Jennings Bryan and it was the speech, but it wasn't the 1896 convention. He re-recorded it on a 78 in the 1920s because there was no recording set up at the convention, and all the historic history yeah. records make you feel like you're hearing the 1896 recording. And I called Dr. Peel's revelation, I called it a Santa Claus moment. Because <laughs> I always believed all these years that it was uh, mm-hmm. 1896. Yeah, I was disappointed when the kids said that. I, I, yeah. I just said it, they did, yeah. <clears throat> of course. I had a kid say it to me that there was no Santa Claus. And I came home and asked my mother, I said, he said this. And instead of saying, well, like a Virginia letter, because she knew, obviously, from because I was so crushed that this kid even suggested that Santa wasn't real. She said, yeah, he's right. There is no Santa. <laughs> well, last night, it's, it's oh. poisonous. Walden played a couple next door last night dealing with that very issue. Uh-huh. Betsy uh-huh. was and- told by a playmate that there was no Santa, and her parents tried to assure her there was. The way they resolved it was very interesting. Was it a realistic handling of the situation? Yeah, yeah. They had they bought they bought a person to play Santa, and he uh-huh. was he was a chimney sweep. So when he said good night, he went up the chimney and disappeared. Ah, how clever! Yeah. What a and they clever had a writing thing. Ho ho ho! Mary wow. Christmas. And what's weird about it? They get a call later saying they couldn't come and do it because they were overbooked, and it turned out it was the they made an error. Phone call. So. A phone call, and they realized it had already been done. <laughs> mm. um, of course, as we've talked before, the previous year was the classic one about assembling that dollhouse on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. Yeah, which is a great show. Oh, that one I actually listened yeah. to. I I did indeed hear that one. I think, it was good. I think a lot of people could relate to that really happening. At three in the morning, and they still haven't put together a dollhouse. And I thought it was so clever him calling the department store owner. <laughs> it turns out he was having the same trouble putting a jungle gym together for his kid. <laughs> oh. But 
I'm still amazed our parents were able to keep it a secret. I'm amazed how we as kids never were surprised. I mean, I always wondered how parents, what if the kid woke up? You know, what if we woke up later? But somehow we, they, he always managed to come. And we never, I remember in 58, my brother and I wake up at 3 a.m. and go into the living room to look at our stockings. And my mother comes in and says, go back to bed. It's too early. And I realized years later, of course she would say that because they'd probably just put the things away just like an hour before or something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great on the couple next door, too, on that 58 one when Betsy says, come on, get up, get up, it's Christmas. It was 6 a.m. My sister was the same way. And my mother would say, well, let's have some coffee first. And my sister would say, you can have mm-hmm. coffee any day. It's just Christmas one day. Yes, yes. My dad would tell us, now, don't go downstairs until you, you get me. You have to wake me up. And we tried and tried and tried. I mean, the poor people had probably just gone to bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. We were up at 5.30. Yeah. And he just couldn't do it. I wasn't. I just have to tell you the truth. When I learned there was no Easter bunny, I wasn't terribly upset. I mean, yeah. I mean Santa Claus. Santa's oh, something totally different. My mom had uncle. Mm-hmm. My mom had uncle says he he shot the Easter bunny. You know that that make my mom too happy. Oh, how sweet! <laughs> and I don't I don't oh. think very upset me too much. But Santa did you know? Yeah. Santa was because you know we make such a big thing of Santa. Sure, sure, and he so, knows every you know, child and by again, name, and he knows if you've been good good or bad. Wow. And yeah, the news reporting do that. that he's he's on his way. And I, yeah, yeah. I believed in Paul Harvey. I believed in Morgan Beatty. I believed in Chad Huntley. And I thought, mm-hmm. would these people make it up? It's a, yeah. Well, it's a it's big a, conspiracy. What can I say? Well, I love the it's scene on Dan Freeberg Christmas Dragnet where they're taking him to the North Pole to prove to him there's a Santa. Yeah. And I like it when the brownie says, who is Dawes Butler, mm-hmm. what's your position, Jack? Dan says, is Jack Webb. And he says, "My eight tiny, I guard eight tiny reindeer. My job, feed them. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and, um, and I thought that was funny. Um, and the whole business about Santa coming back for his second load mm-hmm. and uh, all of that. And, of course, I always wondered as a child, if he stopped at every house in yes. the country, how many hours? I never thought of real time. I thought all the hours it would take to to go, say, in the just in the United States alone, every every house, every town, sure. every city, every state. Sure. And and what I found most puzzling was that that single sleigh carried enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I was stopping it. Of course. There were trailers, like on the cinnamon bear. Wasn't he loading trailers of toys on the sleigh? I think. You know, like trailers. I don't know. And, and, but of course, I always wondered, too, how did Santa know what phonograph records to bring me? Because they don't make records at the North Pole. Um, he, he, ah. didn't, he didn't have Amazon working for him back in those days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the elves did all of the work. That's true. So, you, you, wait a minute. Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
So did they put a name on each kid? I mean, how did Santa keep, how did Santa make sure he didn't get confused and got lost? You know, if he, you know, if he, if I was he, wondering he about knew everybody and he maybe knew if everybody was naughty or nice. Yeah. So and, he knew. And, and that song I always thought about. Of course, we were always taught that if you were bad, and no, no kid was ever so bad that they actually got switches in their... Oh, my uncle, my uncle, the one I was named for, for Christmas, he got cold in his stocking. He did one time? Oh, yeah. Because he was bad? I had an uncle who got cold in his stocking, too. Yeah. Because he was bad? Yeah. According to the parents? Yeah, well, he had four, yes. he had four older sisters, so you, you can see what happened. I thought once... <laughs> I thought about this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What a plot it might be for a story would be for some kid to wake up Christmas morning, find his stocking empty, and a note saying, your grades weren't good enough this year. Try hard next year. Ho, 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 Santa. Whoa. And all yeah. the other kids in the house, the brothers and sisters having their toys. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what I would do with such a story, but I, I thought about what a scene that would be. I mean, you know, the disappointment on that kid's face. I mean. Terrible. But uh, um, I do remember that uh, you hear about sometimes Santas that get their beards pulled by kids because they didn't get what they wanted the previous year at the yeah. store. You hear about that occasionally. Oh, yeah. Uh, I imagine it would take special temperament to have all kids just coming up to you and sitting on your lap. And I remember seeing Santa at four or five. I, you know, some I remember it some. I always used to like it on the radio. When oh, it would, oh, oh, now I understand you have to make an appointment to see Santa. Really? Yep. That, that book, Tom. At, in Macy's. Macy's <laughs> is taking reservations to see Santa. Well, I also remember imagine? even on talk radio years ago, before it got so political, kids could call Santa on the radio and give their request list. I always hmm. wondered at the time, how do they know the kid's name? But, of course, I didn't know then about call screeners and all yeah. that. Um, and, but it was a, um, it was, it was a fun part of childhood. I mean, you found out later, but I look at it like this. Childhood is so short. There'll be plenty, kids will have plenty of, plenty of reality to deal with when they're an adult. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm. They'll have plenty of reality to deal with for a few years. Why not have a little fun? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yep. and after all, I think Santa Claus does this. He's just in your heart. Yeah, that's true. That's the way I look at it. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And um, I was just impressed as a child that a man or an elf or whatever he was would actually take the trouble and time to visit everybody in the world to, to bring toys or, or gifts to people. Mm-hmm. The man was that good. And he's been the whole 11 months of the year, you know, making new toys and new. I always wondered as a two-year-old, too, yeah. when he got back to the North Pole, he must have been totally exhausted. And did he uh-huh. rest That's why Mr. Claus was there off? waiting with a blanket and a fire in the fireplace and hot cocoa. Yeah, we always leave cookies and cocoa for, cookies anyway for Santa, maybe milk. Mm-hmm. And we always did that. Um, yeah. Well, Mrs. Mrs. Claus, when Santa got home, he was so exhausted, and she had his blanket ready and hot cocoa and stuff like that there. Well, there, there was an excellent movie that Angela Lansbury called, did a few years ago called Mrs. Santa Claus. You remember that, Walden? Really? I do not know that one. 
Yeah. Jerry Herman wrote the music for it, the one that did Hello, Dolly, right. and Fame. Right. And Angela Lansbury played Mrs. Sand. The premise of the story is she gets tired at the North Pole and decides she needs a change in route. <laughs> so she goes to New York City. It's set in the early part of the 20th century, like uh-huh. 1910. And she goes mm-hmm. and works in a uh, dress shop or something in New York City. And she finally decides, well, Santa needs her after all. It was a nice, cute story wow. called, I think, Mrs. Santa or Mrs. Santa Claus, Angela Lansbury. That's a great premise of a story. Yeah. I like Angela Lansbury. Well, I mean. And she was, yeah. Well, Murder, She Wrote, think of how many years that show ran. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And very successfully. Yes. And, and people yes. are still writing very Jessica successful. Fletcher novels. That reminds me. There's something I am noticing in talking book topics now in nonfiction that is becoming very irritating to me. And it doesn't matter what the subject is. It might be automobiles. It might be uh, Christianity. It might be um, space travel, whatever. You'll often hear riding the range. No, not riding the range. That's a Jim Jack Frank. Uh, you'll hear something like building a ship. A short history of ship. You notice how a short history is being used so much now in book titles? Well, a short history I of the so. yeah. of the world. They want of the world. Yes. I mean, it's, it, it, I'm not saying that it's, it, they're bad books necessarily, but the short a short history just seems to be overused. Mm-hmm. That's just an opinion. Well, the short part appeals to a wide group of people because they're not accustomed to reading. Yeah. They're accustomed to having um, – they increase the characters on Twitter. You don't need to squash your messages into 140 characters and spaces count as characters. We tried to send a Twitter message to somebody mm-hmm. once. Uh, Nick, my friend from Radio Once More, and I tried to contact somebody about a radio question. And my questions mm-hmm. – it's hard to shorten my questions to where you're practically just not say, In other words, yeah. I can't just say it in three words. Or, uh-huh. I understand. Yes. I wasn't... People are, people are tuned in too short. So the word short probably is a good marketing word. Yeah. Oh, well, well, anyway... We'll talk to you this week, Jim. I want to wish you a nice holiday. I'm sure I'll talk to you Saturday. I'll let you know. I'll let Walda know when I know for sure about the Christmas special for me. Excellent. Thank you. And you have a wonderful evening and um, continue your your recovery. Um, I'm looking forward to when you do get reestablished and start a new collection of awful shows. That's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2018 will be it. Have you heard a few new things that you're going to add to the list? I have a couple of new things, and I've listened to a couple, yeah. Yeah? Did so. Not going to tell you what it is. (laughs) Yeah, you have found a few already. Uh I have, yes. I haven't haven't been up to snuff in terms of how much I do, but I am doing it. She's in... She's in working order. She just got needs to get in the I'm place. a trooper. Yeah, she, I'm she, a trooper. Just well, anyway, good luck. Happy right. holiday. I'll try to talk to you next Saturday. You bet. Take care, you. Thank good you, evening, Jim. Walden. You too. Bye-bye. Sure thing. 
All right, family. It's after one o'clock. Patricia, should we send you off to Sleeping Land? No, I have to give you my baseball question. Okay. So All right. we'll let that be the last call for right now for Patricia. Okay. So? All right. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We are ready. When was the first televised Major League Baseball broadcast? 1939? It was indeed. And can you tell me who the announcer was? Uh, well, my first one would be Bill Allen. That's why mm, no. Red Barber. Red Barber. Correct. Barber. I think Mel Allen. Didn't Mel Allen come after Red Barber? Well, in a way, yes, in terms of uh, baseball. But Mel was working for the networks at that time, you know, so you're, okay. right. you're right. He was more of a na- okay. network announcer in the 30s. Well, I'm not finished yet. Okay. This question, oh, boy, this piece of information just gave me all sorts of things to go looking for. Okay, the announcer was Red Barber. The first televised Major League Baseball game was on August 26, 1939. Mm-hmm. I'll even tell you that it was W can't be, a, a station W2XBS. Does that? Yeah, that would be right. That's right? where they used during the 30s, okay. yeah. All right. That was a New York station. Mm-hmm. Who played the game? Was it? Who was playing at that Dodgers time? Dodgers in Cincinnati? Or Dodgers and Giants. My guess would be Dodgers and Cincinnati. That is absolutely correct. And it was a doubleheader. Who won the games in the doubleheader? The Dodgers won both games, three to two and four to one. No. That was a good guess, though. I know. (laughs) 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 The Reds won the first game, five to two. Okay. And the Dodgers took the second game, six to one. Oh, oh, my goodness. Wasn't that a lot of information for one silly little game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was quite remarkable that they broadcast it because there were only 40, I'm sorry, 400 televisions in the New York area at the time. So how about that? Oh, dear. That is good. I like that. I was so happy I found that. Yes, yes, yes. And... Next week, or sometime during the week, I have to read at least a portion of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We can do that, right? Absolutely. Okay, because it really is, and it's it's a bit different. And, well, it's quite a bit different in the beginning than what we hear in the song. The song did a great adaptation, and most of what is in the book is in the song, but in the beginning, it, it is quite different. So, okay, I will have Rudolph with me. Perfect. So it. we're finished, or I'm finished. All right. One, you have to throw me into bed. I know. Okay. Okay, make sure you have your chocolate chip and cookies and milk. Oh, yes. I got cheese and Slim Jims at, at Walmart today. Well, I can do get, that. We're going to get Patricia Sunday off tomorrow, but she'll be back Monday yeah. night, December the 18th. Yeah. At yeah. midnight. So. Midnight. Yeah. All right. That'll be fun. 
Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being with me and with us. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Bye-bye. What's up, dear Lord? Thank you for this wonderful time of the year. Bless our listeners out there. Bless the supporters of the station. Bless Bill and Kim. Look after all our family members who are going through health issues, Lord. Bless them all. Help our men and women who are serving in the armed forces, Lord. Look after their families. And people who worry about them. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, we'll pull up a Ray Bream interview with Joan Benny, so stand by. Jaws Professional, Saturday 1216174, Windows M, Desk L, Live Shows, Enter, Live Show R, Ray Bream, Enter, Ray Bre- Radio Shows, Enter, Items View Multi, Not Selected, Ray Bream 94, Ray, 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 Ray Bream 9311, Ray, 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 Ray Bream 911102, John and Larry Gass, Ray Bream 910713 with Joan Benny. Unloading Jaws, can OK, Enter, Enter. The weekend. Stay tuned for Paul Harvey and the rest of the story, and then the Ray Bream Show. Until Monday, so long, everybody. 790 Talk Radio, KABC, Los Angeles. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. For some people, making house payments can be like throwing money out the window. That is, when a swindler moves in on their mortgage. Hello, I'm Diane Ward for your Better Business Bureau. Some con artists have notified homeowners that their mortgage has been sold to another firm and that payments must go to a new company name and address. When the homeowners follow those instructions, their original lender soon contacts them about missing payments. They must pay up or default. Don't let this happen to you. If you're told your mortgage has been sold, verify it with your original lender. A tip from the members of the Better Business Bureau. A most honored automotive name from yesteryear is Roadmaster. And now, the new 1992 Buick Roadmaster sedan has everything you would expect in a Roadmaster. Perimeter frame, 5.7 liter V8 engine, anti-lock brakes, driver's side airbag, and Buick quality. The new Roadmaster, the value in American luxury sedans, is luxury on a grander scale. And by Buick, the new symbol for quality in America and beyond. And beyond. Now, the rest of the story. Professor Dallas Bushy is a nationally renowned authority on human anatomy. You know the name. He's a professor's professor, a giant on whom his colleagues often depend to answer the toughest questions in the field. At his home base university, Vermont College of Medicine, he's been named Teacher of the Year. He's been recognized repeatedly for his ingenious innovations in the instruction on his subject. His monumental career as an educator began a half century ago when he became Dr. Stultz's assistant. Dr. Walter Stultz was a distinguished professor of anatomy at the University of Vermont. And one morning, it was in 1940, 
this young man named Dallas Bushy, it's B-O-U-S-H-E-Y, Dallas Bushy arrived in Dr. Stultz's laboratory. Dallas had been transferred from the animal research lab. His work had been highly praised, and Dr. Stultz said, well, we'll see. But it was not long before the respected anatomist recognized superior qualities in his new assistant. Overcoming his initial apprehension about working with cadavers, Dallas began helping Dr. Stultz with embalming. Before long, the young man had mastered all of the embalming procedures, had taken over the job completely. Astonished by the speed with which Dallas learned, Dr. Stultz started teaching him the fundamentals of dissection. Dallas worked hard, studied voraciously in his spare time. Soon these two men, Stultz and Bushy, developed a skeletal recovery program for the medical school, and one day Stultz's star student became himself a teacher. For his own pupils, he invented revolutionary anatomical models, physical representations infinitely more streamlined and more comprehensible than others then in use. Today, Professor Dallas Bushy possesses one of the most remarkable worldwide reputations in the field of human anatomy. And it all started that morning in 1940. 21-year-old Dallas became assistant to Dr. Walter Stultz and began working in his anatomy lab. And when he began work, he began by sweeping and mopping the floors. Because that's what he'd been doing in the school's animal lab. You see, Dallas Bushy, who became so respected and beloved in the field of medical education, never aspired to become a doctor or a teacher, was not even a medical student when he became interested in anatomy. It was spontaneously that the man for whom he mopped floors, impressed with the young man's keen innate intellect, gave Dallas increasing responsibility until the assistant became himself an instructor. And it was as recently as 1972 that the University of Vermont Board of Trustees designated instructor Dallas Bushy a full professor. A full professor of anatomy despite his utter lack of any formal medical education, despite the fact, in fact, that Dallas had attended school only through the eighth grade. As a matter of fact, when Dallas became Dr. Stultz's assistant, it's been almost half a century ago, he, Dallas, did not even know what the word anatomy meant for Dallas was then employed by the University of Vermont for $15 a week as a, as a janitor. And now you know the rest of the story. Hello, Canon Barkley here. You can help enrich the lives of shut-ins in your community by delivering library materials to their homes. The Los Angeles Public Library has a service to shut-ins program and needs volunteers. Call 213-752-4167. You can help preserve Los Angeles past history by volunteering at the Heritage Square Museum in Pasadena to lead tours and participate in special events. Phone 818-796-2898. You can help provide scholarships and give employment assistance to blind and visually impaired students by donating used household items and clothing to California Council of the Blind. Call 818-951-5788. You can help nursing home residents who never have visitors by volunteering at Jewish Elder Care Corps. Phone 818-377-9849 or 213-275-4915. KABC Talk Radio and you can make a world of difference. You're listening to 790 KABC Talk Radio. KABC.
Good morning, everyone. It's an early Saturday morning. Here it is, July 13th, 1991. And the third time is the charm. Three times she has been bumped for whatever reason. The last time was the, uh, the Gulf War broke out. She was scheduled the very night that uh, the attack took place, and so we're happy to have her finally, and I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Joan Benny is here, and she's written a book about her father. Well, actually, they sort of collaborated. <laughs> yes. Because he, uh, of course, Joan, uh, left uh, an unpublished manuscript. It wasn't finished, but a lot of the book is uh, what your father wrote. Uh, at least half of it is his... Uh, as you say, unpublished. It, it's kind of a funny story. That manuscript was found after my mother's death, nine years after my father died. And when I found it, I remembered it all. It was, it, it, some, it was something that kind of slipped my mind because when he was writing it, he wrote it in 1968. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was married and raising four children. And it was just one of the many projects my father was involved in and I didn't think much more about it than anything else it's like oh that's nice daddy you're writing a book <laughs> and at some point the book was finished or it wasn't finished I don't know it, it just kind of sort of drifted away so to speak and I really forgot all about it until all those years later when uh, we were going through all the material and the scripts and the contracts and all the things after my mother passed away and there was this manuscript, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the book that, I, that he had been writing all those years ago. What was it like uh, growing up as a, a daughter of a very famous family and a very famous comedian? Well, I could be facetious and say, uh, how would I know? I've never been anyone else's daughter. <laughs> 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 what could I compare it to? But the fact is that when I was certainly very little, most of my friends were also celebrities' children. My closest mm -hmm. friend was George Burns's daughter, who was exactly the same age as I. And so I think it was, as I say, isn't everybody's. It seemed of like course. the normal thing to be. <laughs> so uh, it, uh, it was strictly a Hollywood type of uh, Beverly Hills raising, right? Yes, well, looking back on it, of course, it was a combination. It seems almost everything in my life had uh, a kind of duality. I used that word laughingly because well, I used it on the Johnny Carson show and my son <laughs> called me the next day. I had used it in describing my father when Johnny said something about his personality and I said, well, there was a kind of duality. And the next day my son, who is uh, in college, called and said, Mom, why did you have to say duality? Couldn't you have just said weird? <laughs> 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 but when I say duality, it was on one side very normal. I went to the public school. I made my bed in the morning. I did the chores. I got my weekly allowance. I mean, I did what every every other child does on the one side. But on the other side, it was a very glamorous life. I, I traveled with my father and mother. I was there, you know, when he signed autographs and, you know, people would stop him. And, you know, my father was, yes, he was a celebrity. And so it was a privileged life in many ways. Did you go to a lot of his radio shows? Oh, almost every week. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the highlight of the week, was to go down there and um, uh, see all the cast and sit in the, what they call the sponsor's booth. Oh, yes, the client's booth. Yes, yes. Yes. And uh, once in a while, days. I was uh, privileged to sit in the control booth, which was right below. They looked identical from the outside. And then I could watch the man making the record. You remember they were huge. They were 16-inch 
acetates. acetates. Yes. And when the needle would make the grooves and you, the, the dross, is that what they call you? All these little ribbons of mm -hmm. black would come mm -hmm. up. I was fascinated by mm -hmm. the control room. And they even uh, got to the point where they uh, would just suck that little ribbon up. I don't remember that. I just well, remember the, the it kind more, of accumulating, yeah, being well, swept by a brush. Yes. That was uh, inside out. But if you did it outside in, then you used to have to have a little suction machine. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I, I'll tell you, my other favorite thing was, of course, the, uh, the effects man. The, the sound effects man. Yes. The Most going, important man in the whole cast. Going up the stairs and down oh, the stairs yeah. and making oh, clippity-clops yeah. for yeah. horses. and. <laughs> the title of your book, Sunday Nights at 7. Yes. Now, there are some who, I guess, don't remember the radio days, but Jack Benny used to come on the air at 7 o'clock, and it sounded like this. Program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. You know, there's one thing about it uh, that opening really moved. Yes. <laughs> I, I often wondered how they how they goosed up the band. <laughs> I mean, they they came on like they're going a uh, 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 hundred miles an hour. Yes, I d funny. I don't even remember that until you just played it, and as you say, yes. And Don Wilson is going as fast as he can. The mm -hmm. excitement is there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I well, I felt that way about radio in general. Everything oh, about sure. radio was exciting. And it was live. Yes. You yes. know, and and you did it, and if you you screwed up a line, you go over the best you can, or you play with it, and Jack was a master at that. Yes, well, my mother, you probably remember, she frequently blew lines, and then it became almost a running joke. Uh, I don't know if you yes. remember, there was a time when I think it was a Swiss cheese sandwich, and she said, Chisweez, <laughs> and they kept that going. Oh, yeah, for the sure. and, and the grass reek, it was a gas yes, leak, and right, she said grass right. reek, and they kept that going for a long time as a kind of running and gag. And pe people loved it. Yes, oh, absolutely. And that's what I miss in television. It, it's so canned and so mm -hmm. perfect. Yes, yeah. Uh, the spontaneity is not there, the, the liveness of it all. Uh, tell me about uh, Jack. Uh, <clears throat> he really wasn't a tightwad at all. No, I go back to saying uh, the duality. He was he was a very he was such an interesting man because he was truly two-sided in in almost every way. On the one hand, I think he had more humility than any certainly any actor I've ever known or any performer and he was in most ways the most ordinary man you'd ever want to meet. He was Mr. Everyman. He loved to meet people. He, his favorite place to eat was the corner drugstore sitting at the counter. He was a very simple man. On the other hand, he, did, he was one of the most egocentric. Uh, he was never egotistical, but egocentric. He was so focused on the show. He was so focused on what he was going to do next Sunday. He loved being a star. He enjoyed the privileges. On the other hand, as I said, he liked to eat at the counter at the drugstore. Sure. But he loved being a star. One time he went to the Caribbean, I think it was a, a vacation of some sort, and he found himself on an island 
where uh, one of the French-speaking islands, and they were not familiar with Jack Benny because the shows had not been broadcast there. And for a whole day, no one stopped him for his autograph, and no one recognized him, and he came home the next day. He didn't like that one little bit. You know, he got the, uh, the longest laugh, the longest sustained laugh in radio with uh, a, a, a very modest line. <clears throat> I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And, of course, the, the setup was the guy says, all right, Mr. Benny, this is a stick-up, your money or your life. And there's no answer. The, the dramatic pause. I said, this is a stick-up, your money or your life. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, by the way, uh, it's explained in the book. My father tells about it. And what's interesting is that everybody, said, everybody ha thinks that, too. It was not the longest laugh, in, uh, certainly of my father's show. The really? Long, no, it wasn't. It was the second longest. The second. <laughs> there Everybody was another was one that was longer, and really? you'll have to read the book. <laughs> you're not going to tell it. Sunday nights at 7. <laughs> you're not going to tell it. I'm not going to tell it, no. Uh, the old tightwad himself used to have a vault. And every mm -hmm. once in a while, in the script, uh, George Balzer and all the other writers would write in the story when he goes to his vault, and we have a little clip from that, that show. Take a listen. Uh, <clears throat> any time now we can we can go to the vault I guess I guess we're not gonna go to the vault <laughs> well we'll as they always say go to commercial and we'll be back and then we'll go to the vault it felt like each time it took me longer and longer to stop just a little farther just a little farther pretty soon I was afraid that one time I'd go too far Every stop can become a panic when your car's brakes are worn. So see your Goodyear Certified Auto Service Retailer for an expert brake job performed by the best trained technicians in the business. Goodyear? Best stop I made all month. Good tires. Good service. Good people. Goodyear. I'm traveling too much. I wake up in one of those cookie-cutter, might-be-Nebraska-might-be-Tennessee-type hotels, not sure where I am, and I'm starting to question my sanity. I mean, is every hotel exactly the same? Take a vacation from the same old place and stay at an individually owned and operated Best Western. See your travel agent or call 1-800-528-1234. So I look on the phone. Where is the 511 area code? It's not the same. Listening to a car rolling backwards, that's an audio reminder that we're rolling back. Get it? The price on all the new 91 Legacy models during Subaru Super Savings Days. Now through October 2nd, get $1,200 in customer cash on any new 91 Legacy. See your dealer for complete details on how you could save hundreds more through factory-to-dealer incentives. So, one more time, just to belabor this point, remember when you hear this sound, think Subaru Super Savings Days or, oh no, someone's forgotten to set the parking brake. Excuse me, sir. Uh, yes? Did you know that V8 has only 35 calories per serving and is rich in vitamins A and C? Wow, I could have had a V8. And V8 is 100% vegetable juice, so it has no fat and no cholesterol. Wow, I should have had a V8. Instead of saying woulda, coulda, shoulda, have a V8 and feel good about yourself. It's delicious over ice. <laughs> Try it and you'll say... Wow, it's never too late to have a V8. This is the greatest invention since water. 
And since water rationing is on everyone's mind, the California Magic Car Duster is doubly great. Instead of using precious water, you can now remove dust from your car with the waterless California Magic Car Duster. Now, this amazing device, made from a combination of soft baby cotton and a paraffin wax formula, can literally and magically lift dust off any painted surface without scratching and without water. This is something I think everyone should own, if not for water rationing, for the convenience. Instead of lugging around buckets of sponges and soapy water, you can now simply dust. It's as simple as that. Now, the lightweight plastic handle makes the California Magic Car Duster easy to use, too, and a snap for those hard-to-reach places. If you want to save time, money, and water, call now. Operators are standing by. 1-800-548-4600. The incredible Magic Duster is just $19.95. Heck, you'll save that much on your water bill. So, do your part for conservation. Call now. 800-548-4600. 800-548-4600. Five four eight forty six hundred. Operators are standing by. All right, our phone number is one eight hundred two 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 KBC. If you want to talk with Joan Benny about uh, the book Sunday nights at seven, where you just might have heard uh, Jack Benny going down to his vault. Oh my goodness! Here I am, all set to go to the races, and I haven't got any money. I better go down to my vault and get some. I'll be back in a few minutes. Hmm. The rain must be leaking in somewhere. The moat is so full. the password? Poe. <laughs> oh, it's you, Mr. Benny. That's right, Ed. Glad to see you looking so well. Thank you. How are things on the outside world? Oh, pretty exciting right now, Ed. We just inaugurated a new president. Uh, a new president? Yes. Gosh. I can still remember the words of the last one. Four score and seven... <laughs> this continent a new... No, 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 Ed. We've had many presidents since then, you know. By the way, Ed, have I wished you a Merry Christmas? Yes, and I want to thank you for the Christmas present. It was just what I wanted. A camera. <laughs> you don't know how much I enjoy it. But, Ed, it's so dark down here. I can't understand why you'd want a camera. You can't take pictures. I know, but... The click breaks the monotony. <laughs> oh. On New Year's Eve, I took a double exposure. <laughs> At midnight? Who knows? <laughs>
Well, excuse me, Ed. I've got to get some money. I'm going to open the safe. Now, let's see. The combination is right to 45, left to 60, back to 15, then left to 110. There. I'll take about $50. That'll be enough. <laughs> well, the sound effects men had a, uh, yes. had a challenge there. Speaking of sound effects, yes. <laughs> those were the best. Was there any one sound effects man that he used all the time? Do you know, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But you were talking about uh, how wonderful radio was, and you think about that and television. You, he did that on television, The Vault. But for me, it it's was the never same. the same because you couldn't show what you could imagine. I <laughs> had my mind down in that uh, dark dungeon. Oh. I mean, it was, you know, and that was the beauty of radio. Yes. There's no way you could do that visually yeah. and make it as effective. That's true. How true it is. All right. If you want to talk with uh, Joan Benny, now is your chance. And let's go to the phones. We've got Harry on the line in Inglewood. Harry, good morning. You're good on with Joan Benny. Good morning, and good morning, Joan Benny. You know, I, uh, I've been waiting to talk to you for a long time. I met your dad in 1973 in November at the uh, Music Center. He was down there to see Itzhak Perlman, and I was down there to hear a, a symphony by Elgar, and there came Jack Benny strolling through the uh, uh, lobby. I guess he was leaving. He didn't stay for the Elgar, which hurt my feelings. <laughs> but I shook hands with him and said a few nice things, and he was very, very uh, kind and, and uh, to stop and, and shake hands with me because probably thought I was some kind of a jerk rushing up there. I was so excited to see him. It was only within a few months before he passed away, I believe. That was in November of 73, so he passed away in 74, didn't he? That's right, yes. Uh, incidentally, I've done a lot of research on your dad because my parents were both in vaudeville. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you must get, have a lot of this in the book. If he was writing his autobiography, he must have included this. But I ran across a big uh, page top heading in the billboard for 1920. I don't have it here, but I can recite it to you. The entire advertising uh, section of the billboard page, from about two, one third down, it says, uh, Jack Benny, formerly Ben K. Benny now appearing so-and-so. Uh, he was changing his name from uh, Ben K. Benny, which right. was his original vaudeville name, uh, to uh, Jack Benny because of the fact that he was being confused with Ben Bernie. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then further on, I have a, a, an account in 1931 where your mother was robbed of $12,200 worth of jewelry up in the uh, uh, suite at the Park Central Hotel when uh, she thought that it was some of Jack's friends coming to see her, she let them in, and they bound and gagged her and stole the jewelry. That's in the billboard uh, for uh, uh, January 3rd, 1931. Mm -hmm. And Jack was appearing in uh, Vanities at that time. Yeah, now I, re I have an old program where his name is spelled, it's Jack Benny, but it's spelled with an I-E instead of a Y. I've seen that once. At least once I have that here. Uh -huh. I have a stack full of stuff on uh, Burns and Allen and, and your dad. Uh, and I picked it up, incidentally, for, for George, because uh, I'm doing all of George's vaudeville route, and you wouldn't believe that the, your dad, what he had to go through. Uh, I'm sure uh, you, you missed it all. But uh, he, from 
before the 20s through until the early 30s, uh, it was a terribly rigorous job. You know, Ray, uh, you're just sitting there at a microphone for 25 years. Uh, these guys had to get on a train right after the final act that they performed. They had to do three different versions of the act a day. Uh, not different, I mean three performances a day. Get on the train, get to the next town, set up and do the same act three times that day and and for three days and sometimes it was a seven-day job mm -hmm. now your dad had to go through that and so did burns and allen so did my dad and uh, mom who were hollingsworth and crawford in bedtime uh-huh i mean excuse me in in uh, bobbed which was about bobbed hair and i gosh that made them into great actors i think don't you think that doing three a day is what they call it for six days a week uh, for almost the whole year, there's hardly any vacation. My God, it turned them into marvelous uh, performers. No wonder your dad was so great. There's no training uh, ground like that in show business today. I was just uh, about to say, talking about a training ground, and it was only when, in reading his manuscript, and then later people asking me questions that I put it all together in my own mind because I hadn't really thought much about the dates, but when somebody said, well, when did he go into vaudeville? And he was 18 years old, which would have made it 1912, and he got into radio about 1932. That means he was in vaudeville for 20 years before he got, I mean, that's enormous. 20 years he was in vaudeville. Yeah, 1912 would be the Ben K. Benny name up until That's right. So he was eight years as Ben K. Benny. Mm -hmm. and but when you think about, you know, the people who have overnight success, I mean, these people paid their dues. <laughs> they were around a was, long uh, time. It was great training, though, yes. for this new medium, radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of the people that were the, the great stars of radio, almost all of them, Went back to vaudeville. Yes, yes. You name all the comedians and uh, uh, the uh, the Burns and Allens, the Milton Burles, all of these people. Mm-hmm. They all came from yeah, vaudeville. Yeah. Uh, my good friend uh, George J at the George J Agency sent this over, and I've been wanting to give this to you. So here it is. Recognize the, the young <laughs> person there. <laughs> this is a picture of me with my mother. I look, I must on have been back, about three years old. On the back, it says it's a benefit for the Hollywood Guild Canteen or something. I can't read it. My goodness, that was during the war. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's yours. Thank you. Oh, thank, may I thank, have this? Yes. I was cute. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. And uh, George emceed that affair, and he sent that over to me. He said, uh, when you have Joan Benny on, give it to her for me. So uh, that's I can see why I need br needed braces on my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Great picture. An yes. Eight, eight by Terrific. Ten yeah. So uh, George J. sent that over. Well, thank you, George. Uh, one of the uh, the great uh, things on, on on the Benny Show was Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc added so much, not only his comedic talents, but his, I guess, sound effects talents. A lot of people didn't know that the the engine of of the Maxwell was really none other than Mel Blanc. That's right. Yeah. And you tell in your book, I think, how that came about, right? I don't remember whether it's in the book or not. You know, no. at this point, I don't remember what's in the book and what, <laughs> I know, what isn't. I, know. I think most of the stuff is, but uh, Mel certainly told it to me mm -hmm. that uh, oh, this happened a long time ago. Apparently, the voice of the Maxwell or the sound of the engine of mm -hmm. the Maxwell starting was done by a sound effects man, and on one particular show, something went wrong, and the sound no effects... No sound. There, there was no sound. Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. what, something went wrong. Yeah. At any rate, Mel just stepped in and started 
coughing and choking and sounding <laughs> like a car engine, and that's how he became the voice of the Maxwell. And we have uh, a little skit with Rochester, Jack, and the Maxwell with Mel Blanc. And uh, we're... We're going to have it. I think we, we struck a blank again. <laughs> again. Uh, well, you know, Mel did so many voices of the, was it uh, Professor LeBlanc, the violin oh, teacher? Yes. And uh, the parrot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the wonderful train announcer, train leaving on track five and for we have Anaheim. That too. I know, that's one of my favorite okay. bits. Okay. All right. We, we've got the Maxwell. Do we have it? Ready okay. to start here. Here we go. <laughs> now, let's see. Well, boss, I've got all the luggage in the car. Good. Come on. Let's go. Are you sure all the lights are off and the doors are locked, Rochester? Yes, sir. Good. Okay, start the car. Okay. Gasoline. I said, look, we had a little gasoline in the water. Never mind. Try the motor again, will you? Yes, sir. The motor sounds as though it's going from bad to worse. Sounds like it's going from here to eternity. <laughs> Rochester, don't be funny. Try it once more. Okay. <laughs> the motor's not even catching. Maybe the battery's dead. Can't be that, Mr. Billy. I put a new battery in yesterday. A new battery? How much did it cost? Nothing. I got it out of your flashlight. <laughs> Try it once more. Huh? There you are, Rochester. The motor's going. Back the car out of the garage. Wait till that crowd gets out of the way. <laughs> All right, folks, break it up. Break it up. Beat it, beat it. Why do they always gather when we try to start the car? You can go, Rochester. They've gone now. Rochester, there's Miss Livingston's house. Put on the brakes. <laughs> That's good, Rochester. You stop right in front of the house. Yeah, and it only took us once around the block to do it. <laughs> uh, you can't beat that. That's that's that has touches a lot of, of the shtick from uh, from the days of vaudeville mm -hmm. absolutely the the, the um, again the sound effects mm -hmm. and mel blank yeah. 
Today, when I hear those old shows, I think those are the, the two things that make me laugh the most are Rochester and Mel Blanc. I love Rochester's voice knocks me out. Oh, yes. Yeah. What, what, a, uh, what a cast of characters that he accumulated over the years, and they stayed with him. Frank Nelson was with him 27 years. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Is it that long? 27 oh. years. And, uh, you know, uh, Don Wilson and Phil Harrison. Uh, Rochester Dennis, must have been there that long, oh, at least. Oh, I'm yes. sure. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll be back with uh, Joan Benny. The book is called Sunday Nights at 7. This is 790 KBC Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. <laughs> for savings on United Airlines and the food you need every day. Come to Lucky, get it at Lucky, get it at a low, low price. Save at Lucky and save up to $50 off on United and United Express Airlines to over 200 cities. Just collect $100 in Lucky grocery receipts. Some travel restrictions apply. See stores for details. This week, you'll also save on fresh frying split chicken breast, jumbo pack, 99 cents a pound. USDA select boneless beef round steaks, family pack, 157 a pound. And large California nectarines, 48 cents a pound. Prices good through July 17th in L.A. and surrounding counties. Also, get $4 off admission to opening night at Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus at selected locations while supplies last. And with a $10 minimum purchase, get discounts on admission to Knott's Berry Farm. See Lucky for details. While the Iraqi war is over, yet conflict continues in the Middle East. Now, if you need to stay informed despite the declining media coverage, then turn to shortwave radio as I do. And your source for information radio equipment is Affordable Portables. Now, prices start as low as $69 this week. Affordable Portables has a special offer, the Grundig Traveler 2. Now, I own a Grundig myself, and I know of their superior performance. It covers 19 meters and can be plugged in with optional AC adapter. It has a time zone indicator, which identifies the time and the city being monitored. It also includes a telescopic antenna, headphones, clock alarm, and carrying case. Now, you tell them Ray Brame sent you and get this great shortwave radio at $89. Also available, the big Grundig top-of-the-line satellite 650. Drop in for a free demo. You'll love this one. See their Friday and Sunday L.A. Times ad. Open seven days and serving you in Westwood, Sherman Oaks, Costa Mesa, Woodland Hills, and at 18234 Hawthorne Boulevard in Torrance. Affordable portables, what tuned into the world really is. Obviously, you're awake, and most likely you wish you were asleep, right? Here's the answer. You need a new bed. Sit and Sleep promises to offer the lowest prices in town, or the mattress is free. Sit and Sleep carries America's most popular major brand names, such as Simmons Beautyrest and Sealy Posturepedic. The point is, Sit and Sleep has an incredible selection for you to choose from. And because Sit and Sleep buys in huge quantities, you'll save a lot of money. Sit and Sleep is lower than any and every department store. In fact, Sit and Sleep is lower than all the independents, and Sit and Sleep guarantees their low prices in writing for 30 days. Now, that's your guarantee that you'll get the best price in town. Plus, because Sit and Sleep carries such a huge inventory, you can buy your mattress today and sleep on it tonight. So quit tossing and turning. Get a new mattress at Sit and Sleep. That's where I got mine. Mention Ray Bream sent you and get your choice of a free bed frame or free local delivery. 
Order by phone, call toll-free 1-800-675-3536. Or visit Sit and Sleep in Culver City on Washington, one block west of Overland. 1-800-222-KABC. So how will the nomination of Clarence, uh, Clarence Thomas affect the future of women's rights? Well, join Gloria Allred as she sits in for Steve Edwards today at 3 p.m. Gloria will look at the Supreme Court and women's rights Monday at 3 p.m. on 790 KABC Talk Radio. Joan Benny is our guest. Uh, her book, Sunday Nights at 7, and uh, together with her very famous father, they have, I guess you'd say, co-written a book. Yes. <coughs> because it's, it was uh, his his autobiography that you discovered in 84, right? Uh, yes, it was. Let's see. 74, 84. Yes, you have it absolutely right, right? It was 84. Right. And uh, it's kind of an interesting format that just came into being because there was kind of no other way to do it. It just seemed natural to sort of interweave his autobiography with, you know, my memories of, of sort of, I guess, life with father. And obviously the first part of the book is deals with his early life, his childhood, and uh, which, by the way, when I read it first in 84, uh, there was so much, I loved it because there was so much in it that I had never heard before. Mm -hmm. My father wasn't a man who reminisced a lot except when he was with George Burns, then they talked about vaudeville. Yeah. But he always looked forward. He didn't look back a lot, and he talked some about his childhood, but there was so much in this that I had never heard before, and fascinating stories about his first job and how he got into vaudeville. Uh, I found it fascinating. And anyway, so the first part of the book, of course, takes us up to when I was born. Then, mm -hmm. of course, then I kind of come into the story of, you know, what it was like to grow up with... Uh, Jack Benny. You know, one of the things that we certainly don't want to leave out, and certainly a very big part of any success story when it came to radio or in television today, and that has to do with the writing. The writers that he had, they were always the very best. best. You bet. I had uh, George Balzer on uh, for uh, a couple hours here mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, and, uh, you know, the 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 uh, the lines that you hear today they still hold up don't they absolutely and he was so helpful in contributing to the book and uh, some of his memories really? quite a bit of it is in the book yes that's great uh, let's let's take a call we've got chris on the line in studio city good morning chris uh yeah you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder i was i'm 44 years old and i was thinking back and there were three shows that when i was somewhere between 5 and 8 or 9 i always you know, had to have my parents turn on. And one was the Jack Benny show, the other was the Honeymooners. And I'm drawing a blank on third. It was it was the one that was done by white actors in blackface. Amos, Amos and Andy. And Andy. Amos and Andy, exactly. I, as a matter of fact, they even named my uh, my parakeet after Sapphire. <laughs> but it, but I was thinking when 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 uh, Ray uh, introduced you, I was thinking of exactly what he was talking about about the the robber, you know, asking yes. him your money or your life. Yes. And and what was not only great was he was a master of the pause mm -hmm. and silence, but also, if you remember, uh, the physical, his physical attitude, he had the
palm under his chin with one finger up alongside his face and and the other palm that that uh, that gestures on the cover of the book and, by the way and he would he would look back and forth and then he'd look up to the sky mm -hmm. and and so the combination of the long pause and his physical mannerisms were just wonderful but what uh, the, the thing I was commenting and the kind of what I was going to tie into uh, uh, Amos and Andy was uh, there were a lot of uh, people that criticize the racial uh, stereotypes about Amos and Andy. But, you know, I never felt that. Even though I never felt that because I was very young, I could see it later about Amos and Andy, the broad, you know, stereotypes and the fact that it used to be white people doing it in blackface. But I never felt that. Well, are you, ta are you talking about uh, the radio show or, or are you talking about no, the television? Well, I'm television. saying that... Uh, the, the combination of the TV show and the radio. Well, the, mm -hmm. the TV right. show were black actors. Yeah, no, I know that. I know. Okay. That. But what I'm getting to is that even today, looking back on it, you know, you know, in force in in past tense, I never felt uh, any kind of uh, racial. Uh, uh, diminution or prejudice between the character that your father played and Rochester. As a matter of fact, I remember, the thing I remember the most is that even though naturally he was the chauffeur and and that was kind of like, you know, a little reflection of, of like uh, the, the statute in life that or the jobs that the blacks had in that time, I remember the, that in, in uh, character, uh, your father would actually ask him his advice. What do you think, Rochester? Yes, and not only that, Rochester well, always got he, the best of him. Yeah, he would, he would more than bend over to say, like, I don't know what to do. What do you think, Rochester? Yes, and as I say, Rochester always had the last laugh and always <laughs> had the last word. And, uh, by the way, this is uh, probably uh, one isn't supposed to plug someone else's book, but there is a new book out on Amos and Andy That's that right. was uh, just talked about in the New York <laughs> Times that I hear is very good and very interesting, and I'm looking forward to reading it myself. So Here I am I. plugging someone else's book. Well, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I read about that is that uh, there was a lot of uh, criticism uh, that uh, came about when the TV uh, show came yes, on exactly. the air, and mm -hmm. it had to go off eventually with black actors. But the radio show uh, with, uh, with whites taking black parts went on for six years later. Yes, that's right. But I don't know that the public was so aware that they were white. I mean, you couldn't see them, and they yeah. they played yeah, blacks, right. and it was fine. I didn't even know that at the time, because I was watching the TV show. And, I didn't um, even listen to the radio show. Also, to me, I mean, I maybe this is a little crass, but to me, the show was simply funny. It was... Absolutely. We talked about, uh, Ray and I were just talking about the writers, having the best writers. I think that Amos and Andy perhaps had the best writers in radio. It was the most... And by the way, my father always acknowledged that. Uh, one of the other parts of his character that I found very admirable was that he was uh, always so appreciative of others' talents. Mm -hmm. And uh, always you know, talked about how wonderful another comedian was or how wonderful and you should listen to it and isn't and talked it up. But he always felt that Amos and Andy was the best written show in radio. Okay, we'll be back with uh, Joan Benny talking about her book, Sunday Nights at 7, all about uh, the Jack Benny show, with uh, Jack Benny uh, himself writing a good part of the book. And uh, thank you very much, Chris. This is 790 KABC Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Take off to Lucky.
Lucky for savings on United Airlines and the food you need every day. Come to Lucky, get it at Lucky, get it at a low, low price. Save at Lucky and save up to $50 off on United and United Express Airlines to over 200 cities. Just collect $100 in Lucky grocery receipts. Some travel restrictions apply. See stores for details. This week, you'll also save on fresh frying split chicken breast. Jumbo pack, 99 cents a pound. USDA select boneless beef round steaks, family pack, 157 a pound. And large California nectarines, 48 cents a pound. Prices good through July 17th in L.A. and surrounding counties. Also, get $4 off admission to opening night at Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus at selected locations while supplies last. And with a $10 minimum purchase, get discounts on admission to Knott's Berry Farm. See Lucky for details. All of you men and women or couples over 55 who enjoy independence, this message is for you. Now, if you like to make decisions for yourself without the burden and obligations of home ownership, then Canyon Hills Club is the right place for you. Canyon Hills Club is a stimulating, active, living retirement community located in prestigious Anaheim Hills. I've been there, and you're going to enjoy it. Imagine yourself on a year-round vacation in a luxurious resort-style setting where you'll live in your own comfortable and fashionable apartment with a spectacular view. You'll find interesting and active people such as yourself, along with many exciting social activities, nearby shopping, hospitals, churches, and many other conveniences such as weekly housekeeping, scheduled transportation, continental breakfast, and two delicious prepared meals daily. You'll feel as if you're dining at the best restaurants. Now just visit Canyon Hills Club and find out about their unfurnished rental apartments. Just call 800-622-3233 right now. You'll enjoy a happy, relaxed lifestyle at Canyon Hills Club. Again, that's 800-622-3233. Our phone number is 1-800-222-KBC. In case you want to uh, talk with Joan Benny, the book is called Sunday Nights at 7. And one of the... Uh, longest running gags in the uh, Jack Benny show was of course Mel Blanc the uh, station announcer the train station announcer talking about train leaving on track 5 for Anaheim Azusa and Cucamonga. Oh, gee, Mary, it was awfully nice of you to drive me down to the station. Oh, that's all right, Jack. I wanted to see you off. Yeah, well, let's go in. Train leaving on track 5 for You know, Jack, there's something fascinating about a railroad station. Yeah. So many people going so many places. Yeah. Mary, I'm going over to the newsstand to get a magazine. You wait for me here. Okay. Attention, please, attention. To facilitate the holiday rush, all passengers going to Cucamonga may have their choice of trains, local, express, or mule. <laughs> have your feed bags validated. Well, I've still got time to get my magazine. He hasn't announced my train yet. Attention, please, attention. Train leaving on track one for Baltimore and Washington. It's leaving now, so you better run. <laughs> Better go over and get that magazine before the train leaves. 
Attention, please, attention. Train leaving on track three, all the way to Schenectady. Just one stop at Kansas City. I gotta get a newspaper, too. I wanna see if they have anything in it about uh, my... Jack, what time does your train leave? I don't know. It's not on the hit parade yet. <laughs> what? Nothing, nothing. Attention, please, attention. Train leaving on track two for Asheville, Nashville, Kalamazoo takes on water at Waterloo. <laughs> Mary, I'm gonna stop at the magazine. Watch it, Sam. <laughs> I love this. The, um, that Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga, which, you know, was a running gag for years and years. Had to be one of the longest running gags yeah. on any radio show anywhere. One of my favorites was I at one time when they did, uh, Mel did, you know, train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and, you know, he always drew out that right. coop. Right. And they started the show with Anaheim Azusa and Kook, and that was it. <laughs> and at the very end of the show, a half an hour later, you heard Amanga. <laughs> it was. I love that. I love the delayed takes. Yeah, of course, Jim Culver City. You're on with Joan Benny. Yeah, good morning, Rain. Good, good morning. morning, Joan. Good morning. I want to say that that's going to be an error in our history that will never be repeated. The beautiful thing about it is that you, we can listen to it and listen to it and never get tired of it. Thank you. That's um, true. Um, you know, you take like Amos and Andy, mm -hmm. George Burns, and uh, all all that air. It, it's a it, it's an air that we'll never touch again because it's so unique, and we can relate to it. And uh, to me, it, it makes me go on in life when I hear that stuff all the time. Because, I mean, the humor and the laugh. I mean, today is, everything is crime, drugs, and, you know, the opposite, negative. And, you know, all through that era was beautiful. I mean, beautiful people. Just like the last caller, I didn't look at it as a black and, and white issue. I look at it as people having fun. They knew how to have fun, clean fun. And today, people don't know how to have clean fun. they got to get high on drugs and stuff like that. You know, it's really a sad situation. I wish I could, I could stand and and listen to that on TV and never get tired or never get tired listening to it on radio. Matter of fact, I'm tired of listening to TV. I listen to the radio. It was a gentler time, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You know, I tell people, I said, the, the decade of the 50s was the best era as far as the music concerned. You had the big bands, like Ray plays the big bands. I mean, Billy um, um, Goodman and all that stuff. I mean, it's so beautiful. I mean, you know, I wish I wish they'd get off the junk they have on TV and the, and the radio and put this stuff back on. Because <laughs> I'm serious, because, I mean, I never could get tired. I, I, could, I never get tired of listening to it. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it. This stuff here, you get tired of it. But back there, when it was on TV and the radio, like the Lone Ranger and, and all that stuff, you never got tired of it. I mean, you could hear it every day. I mean, you could... Well, the big thing, Jim, was that you uh, were able to use your imagination. Yes. We call it the theater of the mind. Yes. And that uh, would, uh, would, in anyone's mind, create a set that you could never duplicate on television or on the stage. All right, very good, Jim. Thank you very much. Let's take another call. We've got uh, Darylin from Palos Verdes on the line. Good morning, Darylin. You're on morning. with Joan Benny. 
Joni. Yes. An old friend from a long time ago, Darylin Zanuck. I thought when I saw Darylin, I thought to myself, the only Darylin I ever knew was Darylin Zanuck. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? I, and I, call, I, I was looking last week with, uh, in all these old uh, photographs, and here's a picture of us and Danny Selznick and a whole bunch of us. And we're sitting at some birthday party. We look all of us very, very miserable. <laughs> at your house at the beach? The nurse behind us, you know, ready to pounce in case we do something wrong. Right. Oh, my goodness. How nice to hear from you after all this nice. time. And I was delighted when, Ray, I heard the other night that you were going to be on. And I listened to his program. I got your uh, letter, Did by the way. Get it? Oh, of course. Oh, my family are furious because I'm up so late, you know. <laughs> <laughs> around in the mornings and everything. But it's a terrific program. And Joni, I really congratulate you, and I know it's going to be a terrific success. Oh, thank you. You're living in Palos Verdes now? Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I lived for about 29 years in Mexico. Uh-huh. I came back. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, when Daddy got sick. Mm hmm Funny, because just the other day, too, I'm doing some house cleaning, and here I have all these albums of my dad's, and here's one, and it's uh, Daddy appearing on the Jack Benny show. Mm -hmm. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's, you know, it's got to be terrific. You know, in, in the green room before we uh, came into the studio, we were talking about film because uh, she, uh, uh, you're involved in, in film. Yes, in, in film comedy right, from the right. middle 30s to the mid 50s. And we were talking about the, the halcyon days of, of filmmaking, the uh, days of the studio system and uh, right. uh, the Daryl Zanics and the Samuel Goldwins mm -hmm. and the Jack Warners, etc. And uh, how they used to score the motion pictures, uh, which right. they don't do for the most part today. And that um, because of the censorship, the Hayes Committee, uh, we didn't have the graphic thing on the screen. We had uh, the, the suggestion. suggestion the and, subtlety. And the romanticism that was part of... Of, of the screen and uh, the, the music behind it and so forth, the, the Nicholas Rosas and the, uh, you know, Victor Youngs, the right. Dimitri Tiomkins. We don't have that anymore. No, I know. We don't have anything like that anymore, you know? It's too bad. It's a, you know, I think we were, we were brought up in really the truly the golden age of Hollywood, you know, and, and how those men, uh, uh, like my father and all of them, they, they really cared about what they were doing, you know, and they watched every part of that picture become, you know, until it went right. That's you know, right. Absolutely. Theaters, you know? It's funny talking to you, Daryl, and reminds me of, of something I was talking about in the book when I ta talked about, you know, growing up as a celebrity's daughter and saying, well, most of my friends as a little girl, the people, the young, the children I played with were also celebrities' children. But of course, in Hollywood, it was a little different than people think of celebrities as movie stars. Mm -hmm. But in the community of Hollywood, there was an absolute echelon system. I mean, there was a cast system, and the movie stars who maybe were the best known nationally, worldwide, in Hollywood were not necessarily the top people on the totem pole because, exactly. after all, they were just employees uh -huh. of your father. And, I mean, you want to talk about high on the totem pole was <laughs> your father because he was a studio head. That was it. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, Louis B. Mayer and Jack Warner. Yeah. And I knew all of their children, as I knew Daryl sure. and Barbara Warner and Louis B. Mayer's grandchildren. And, I mean, they were the top people on the totem pole. I was just an actor's kid. Oh, no, no. <laughs> your father was complete. He was different. I loved him. He was so great. He was so nice to the kids, you know, as little kids. He was yes. always so funny and nice to us, you know. 
I'm going to go out and get that book tomorrow, Joni. Oh, thank you, Daryl, and I appreciate that. I see you. But I was laughing, thinking about what you were saying uh, a few minutes ago about when Ray asked you, you know, how it was to be Jack Benny's daughter. And, you know, I was thinking the same thing when you said it was a two way and your father was two ways you know yes you were brought up it's the same thing i had the most normal abnormal child <laughs> <laughs> but it was never dull that's for sure have you written a book daryl one no, i've uh, i did and it's been shelved uh, right now um uh it's it's there one day i may uh, uh decide to publish it i don't know yet. you should you've had a very interesting life far more interesting than mine oh no i don't and think so we should see each other again. I saw you on television um, uh, a couple of months ago, and you look so pretty. Oh, thank you. you. Just like you did, except that you had those little long curls, remember? The, you had those little curls. God, I, I think we've all improved. <laughs> I was so fat. I was like a blimp when I look at those pictures and Judy Getz and all of us. I don't remember you being fat. Oh, well, I'm fat to what I am now. I mean, I thought I was. It was like a little plump, you know. Susan and I, you know, but... Now, I was kind of in awe of you because you were... They, they lived at the beach, by the way, Ray. Yeah. And Daryl was always tan and in a bathing suit, and I was so envious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many hours I used to lie out in front trying to get myself like that. Oh, God. Well, it's great talking oh, to you, and let's get together in person. And congratulations again, and I hope we run into each other sometime now that I'm back here. Okay, one more question, because yeah. this, is, this is girl talk. <laughs> Are you in the book? Can we get in touch? I'm not in the book. I'll give you my... No oh. uh, here. I'll put you back with uh, the screener. Great. And Mark will uh, take your number. Wonderful. And promise not to show it to anybody. <laughs> I'll call you, Daryl. Please I'm... do, Jonah. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. Good night, Ray. Good night, Daryl. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks for the note. And here uh, is uh, Mark, and he'll take uh, the number. Isn't that wild, and getting a call from Daryl? And hold close to his vest. Yeah. That's wild, getting yeah. a call from Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen Daryl in probably 30 years. More. Really? More. You never know who's listening. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, yeah, wow. That's, that's for and, sure. and I really mean that when I say, you know, wow, Daryl Zanuck's daughter. Mm. That was something. Oh, of course. I mean, in spite of, you know, my friends were Gary Cooper's daughter, Loretta mm -hmm. Young's daughter. Those were two of my very closest friends but growing up. Here's the daughter but of the Daryl head of the studio. Zanuck. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Gary Cooper was just an employee. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, when we come back, I want to tell you a little story that Giselle McKenzie told me about your father. And uh, it's uh, always uh, made me uh, laugh a little bit. Might make uh, you smile a little bit, too. And she says it's a true story. We'll be back right after uh, the network news here at 1 with Joan Benny. The book is called Sunday Nights at 7. This is 790 KBC Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. <laughs> 790 Talk Radio, KABC Los Angeles. From ABC News, I'm Marty McNeely. The United States and other permanent members of the U.N. Security Council are warning Iraq of dire consequences if Baghdad doesn't come clean and reveal to the world the contents of its nuclear supplies. ABC's Bob Zelnick has more details in this report from the Pentagon. Baghdad was told it had until July 27th to fully disclose its nuclear equipment or face serious consequences, presumably allied bombing strikes. Until then, U.N. investigators will be seeking more information on a nuclear effort, one source described as broad but not highly developed, a series of technologies Iraq didn't know how to use. 
What both the Allied and UN warnings have in common is the conviction that despite his military defeat, Saddam Hussein remains a man of ruthless ambition. Having stopped short of ousting him when they could, the Allies must continue trying to control his political and military appetites. Bob Zelnick, ABC News at the Pentagon. There are new questions about the State Department's actions prior to the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait last year. Former ambassador to Iraq, April Glaspie, tells Congress she warned Saddam Hussein against invading Kuwait, but State Department officials say a check of messages doesn't support her claim. More news after this. Hi, I'm here for the recycling class. Very good. Do you have the check? The check? Yes, you see, since recycling is an extremely difficult process to learn, many students drop out before the course is completed. So I must request the class fee in advance. Oh, right. Here, here you go. Excellent. Have a seat. Now, when one tosses out garbage, one simply drops the trash in a single bin like so. But when we recycle, we separate the trash and deposit it into two respective bins thusly. Any questions? No. Excellent. Here you go, then. What's this? Your diploma. You've just learned how to recycle. Good day. Well, wait a second. That's easy. Well, then perhaps you'd like to sign up for the graduate course. Graduate course? Advanced recycling. You'll learn how to use three waste bins. Quite challenging, really. Nah, I want my money back. Uh, sorry. That kind of recycling we don't do. Recycling is easy. And you can make a big difference by starting right now. To learn how you can recycle in your area, dial 1-800-CALL-EDF. That's 1-800-CALL-EDF. Recycle. It's the everyday way to save the world. A message from the Ad Council and the Environmental Defense Fund. Embattled Los Angeles Police Chief Daryl Gates says he'll consider retiring when city voters get a chance to decide how a new chief will be picked and how long the term will be. For more on that story, here's ABC's Judy Muller in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Police Chief Daryl Gates may step down by the end of the year. Then again, he may not. And Gates insists that whenever he does whatever it is he's going to do, it will not be a resignation from office, it will be retirement. Gates today declined to answer questions about an announcement that the city council is considering a special election in November. That election would decide the issue of a five-year term for future police chiefs, one of the major recommendations of the independent commission investigating the LAPD. The two councilmen announcing the plan said Chief Gates had agreed to go along with such an election, but added that it would still be up to the chief on when he would resign, or that is, retire. Judy Muller, ABC News, Los Angeles. Southern California authorities say at least eight people have been shot at three theaters showing the urban drama Boys in the Hood. The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department says in one of the shootings at Universal City, at least two people were shot inside the theater. Meanwhile, authorities in San Bernardino County say several people have been wounded in shootings related to that movie. There's a new report raising questions about the CIA activities of Robert Gates, President Bush's nominee to head the CIA. ABC's Nightline quotes sources who say Gates played an important role in shipping weapons through Chile to Iraq during the Iran-Iraq War. And the President Reagan authorized the CIA to provide military help to Iraq during the war. A giant sinkhole in the central Florida town of Frostproof swallowed a house Friday and nearly trapped 71-year-old Pauline Bennett inside. Her daughter-in-law, Linda, says when she got there, the house was cracking and sinking. She was able to leave the house with no injury to herself, but of course that's the most important thing. The house went down faster than I've ever seen a sinkhole happen. It's right now about 150 feet across and about 80 feet deep, and it has literally swallowed the house. This is ABC News. Reaching for that dream that spells tomorrow Well, another generation is a-coming on Hey, you know, we share some wonderful dreams. 
turn these dreams into realities, please give to the United Negro College Fund. We want to hear about this. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Marty McNeely. Hello, we're Ken and Barkley, and if you need help because you're over 55 and looking for work, or if you're an employer and want to hire older workers, Careers for Older Americans can help. Call 213-939-0391. If you need help because you have a legal problem, Lawyer Referral Service of Orange County Bar Association has over 200 attorneys to assist you. Phone 714-835-8811. If you need help because you have a drug problem and risk losing everything, including family, friends, and dignity, the Tarzana Treatment Center can help. Call 818-996-1051. If you need help because you were sexually abused as a child and may be experiencing long-term effects that interfere with your life today, Valley Counseling Clinic in Van Nuys can help. Phone 818-995-0368. KABC Talk Radio and you can make a world of difference. You're listening to 790 KABC Talk Radio. The Lucky Strike Program, starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Studio Joan Benny, the book Sunday Nights at 7. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't do something here right now. Let's talk about the announcers in those days. They became part of the act, and uh, certainly Don Wilson is a good example of that. Yes. Don was with uh, Jack Benny, I guess, from the beginning. I think so. And he was part of the act. Yeah, I don't remember another announcer. Uh, I don't know, the very early days. I, I've just recently received a couple of tapes of the first two or three radio shows my, my father ever did. And, of course, those were, he was really almost an MC. Mm -hmm. They really weren't like mm -hmm. the Jack Benny show. That came along maybe two or three years later. But I think Don Wilson was from the very, very beginning. And the way they would write them into the script and mm -hmm. become part of the... Uh, and, uh, and also, and kid the commercials and, oh, and kid course. the sponsor. Oh, sure, yeah. That was, uh, that was new. I mean, I think my father was, I don't say he was the first, but he was one of the very first to make fun of the product. Now, you, <clears throat> you already know this story, but I've got to tell it for our listeners. I had Giselle McKenzie on. I'd never heard the story before. And uh, she was playing in London. And, you know, Giselle has perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. One of those blessed individuals that have that uh, at birth. Anyway, uh, she gets this phone call at some odd hour in London, and it's Jack Benny. And Giselle says, hello, Jack, what can I do for you? Giselle, would you sing me an A? And she said, Jack, what do you mean, sing an A? He said, would you sing me an A? So she did over the phone, and Jack hung up. And <clears throat> she said, I called him back, and I said, Jack, what's going on? What in the world are you, are you doing? He said, well, I'm tuning up my violin, and you see, uh, I use the piano, and it's uh, out of tune, and uh, since you have perfect pitch, it saves me from bringing a piano tuner in. <laughs> it's cheaper to call London. That, that is a true story. That is a true story, yes. I, when I heard that, it flipped. flipped. 
That was his sense of humor, however. Oh, yes. Uh, some of the, I still have some of the telegrams that were sent back and forth between George Burns. Of course, in the case of George Burns, George always got the better of him. I mean, and of course, those stories are legend and, uh, and legion as well. There are many of them. But uh, I still have some wonderful telegrams that were sent, and uh, some of them dirty <laughs> and quite risque. <clears throat> and my father loved to do that. He loved correspondence. He loved to write letters, send telegrams, really? do that kind of phone call. <laughs> All right, let's say hello to Virginia in Azusa. Virginia, you're on with Joan Benny. The show's on KNX, and the old radio show's on every night at 9, and Jack Benny and... Burns and Allen is on at 9 and 9.30 on... Uh, yeah, all right, we know that. Night. So, uh, and go then, ahead. Um, when we were, I was in high school in 1936, they used to put cans out for the trash man to pick up, and we'd go around and get Campbell's soup labels to send it in to the Jack Benny Show to get tickets for the Jack Benny Show. And we'd live it up and go there and listen to him on the radio and sure enjoyed him. Oh, thank you. That's very but, nice. That was a kick, the way they used to send tickets out. We'd go around and get them when we were about 17, <laughs> get the Campbell's. Well, I, I don't know that he was ever sponsored by Campbell Soups. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> may, maybe you know something we didn't know. Jell-O. <laughs> That's right. Jell-O, everybody. <laughs> That's right. You know, six delicious flavors. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, let's say hello to uh, John in Hollywood. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ray. Uh, You're on with Joan Benny. Uh, Joan, uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was wondering. I, I I was wondering how Rochester was discovered. I heard a story myself that uh, Jack was at the airport in New York and hailed a cab, and lo and behold, the driver was Rochester. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I was really wanting to know what's the real story. Well, the real story, of course, Rochester was an actor. His name was not then Rochester. It was Eddie Anderson, his real name. And a show was written, this was about, I think, about 1935, and in, in real life, my father was moving from New York to Los Angeles, or to Hollywood, uh -huh. and the writers wrote a show about the move, that he was going on a train, and they needed someone to play the part of a porter. And so they auditioned for the role, and Eddie Anderson was one of the people who auditioned to play this railway porter. My father went to the auditions, and the minute he heard that fabulous gravelly voice of Rochester, he said, that's it. Yeah. Now, the writers had given this character the name Rochester. Mm. Uh, anyway, he did the show, and he was such a hit, and everybody liked him so much that they wanted to use him again but they couldn't keep going back and forth from New York to Los Angeles and keep using a railway porter. And so that's how he became the valet. That's how he became Rochester. And uh, what I think is kind of interesting is the name Rochester became so associated with him that not only his friends, even his wife called him Rochester. I mean, the name Eddie Anderson just about disappeared. Yeah. And he was Rochester from then on. That's quite a story. Okay, well, it's different from what I'd heard, but I'm glad to get the straight. Well, All right, that's John. the straight dope. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's take another call. We have Bill on the line in Tarzana. Bill, good morning. You're on with Joan Benny. Good morning, uh, Joan. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, good morning Bill. <clears throat> uh, my grandfather used to work on the uh, Benny Shell. He was 
uh, gentleman who ran away from home at 16 and went into vaudeville and road shows and what have you and mm -hmm. was uh, with St. Louis Motion Picture Company around 1912 or 13. Then uh, my grandmother also, they came out here to Hollywood and my granddad was a director and an actor and in the 30s he went into radio. Mm -hmm. Started out on a couple of series uh, Calling All Cars and Lady Piggy Spy and then he did bits and uh, occasionally on The Benny Show. Especially when uh, Jack used to have a a series that would uh, hinge on one thing, like the Buck Benny rides again. Yes. And then, but when he had one, I don't recall what it was, but a mystery of some kind. Mm. And my granddad used to do this horrendous laugh that led into it. And what we uh, <clears throat> just recently, my father passed away, and so I have all that old memorabilia now. And I ran across just about two days ago a mm -hmm. note from Jack on his notepad, not pretentious, just a simple little notepad with his name Jack Benny on it and signed by Jack, explained that my granddad was not receiving the usual check for $50 because the government had passed a new Social Security law and they were required to take money out. We all got a big kick out of that. Oh, that's nice. And my father had written a note explaining why he wasn't getting the $50. Is that uh, right? Right. Uh, he I see. mentioned the amount, I forgot, 49 or 48 or whatever it was. Right. That the government required them to make this deduction. Uh-huh. That he went to the trouble to, to write a note and explain it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Then it's nice that you have that. Yes, yes. And, uh... Ray, just one word with you. I've been wanting to know how to get a hold of you. I've got a bunch of memorabilia I wanted to see if you'd be interested in with your old-timers, the Pioneers. Oh, the Pacific Pioneer Broadcaster. Yes, I've got a bunch of old, uh, what they called electrical transcriptions in those days. Oh, yes. Uh, could you use any of that sort of thing? Uh, what do you have? What are they? Uh, well, what? my granddad used to do a series of detectives called Black and Blue, some of them are, are that, and I really don't know what all of them are. And I got some cans of film I'm afraid to open because I don't want to ruin them. I don't know what they are. Well, if they're nitrate, uh, they might be uh, time bombs. Oh, they really? Oh, they become very explosive and uh, disintegrate, and uh, they're very flammable if they're a nitrate stock. Oh, God. These are real old big cans of uh, 35 millimeter. Well, they, they could be deteriorating. They might be... Uh, uh, unstable. I've, uh, I would uh, contact the uh, film archives at, uh, at UCLA as far as the film. Uh, the transcriptions, by all means, contact uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Okay, I don't know how to get a hold of them. Can you? Well, drop, drop me a note and I'll forward it, all okay. right? Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Good night, Joan. Really Good night. Good night, Bill. Thank you. Our phone number is 1-800-222-KABC, and let's say hello to Karen in Mission Viejo. Karen, good morning. Hi, Ray. Hi, Joan. I wanted right. to call in. My dad was had to have been the biggest fan of Jack Benny because the world I know had to have stopped because I remember my aunt and my other aunt telling me that they walked into the garage because this is where he was working, and they started to say something, and he had the radio on, and he's listening to Jack Benny, and he told him to scat. <laughs> and he did that when they were on television also, because my sister or I, if we walked in front of the television, it was like, get out of the way fast, otherwise you're going to get slapped. <laughs> and my uh, dad also liked Dennis Day. Mm -hmm. Another one, boy, he just 
you know, the, like I said, the world totally stopped because those two were his favorite, and my dad used to be able to imitate both of them. Was your father Irish? On top of that, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, my, my family is very musical on top of that. So, I mean, they used to imitate a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, can, I was very little, but I can remember and relate and, and things like this because he knew, you know, of them. And like I told my mom, if they were alive today and they were still doing the TV show and they were doing <laughs> taping and stuff, my dad would have had to get tickets and go see the show. Uh-huh. Because uh -huh. he was a very big fan, <clears throat> and that was his, I mean, that was the only thing that I can remember that he was in front of the television watching. That's nice. That's I, many. I have a cute story for you, speaking of, you know, fans of my father, and I guess it's probably true of Amos and Andy as well, and maybe some other shows, but I ran into somebody, and I mentioned I was writing the book, and he said, you know, I remember when I was a little boy, and we lived in the Washington Square area of New York, and they didn't have air conditioning back then, and he said, I'd be out in the square playing or running up and down the block, playing stickball or whatever. He said, no matter how fast or how, how far I went, I'd never miss a word of the Jack Benny show. Because, of course, everybody had their windows open, and it didn't matter where you went, you heard the Jack Benny show. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Right. All right, Karen, thank you. Mm-hmm. You have a nice evening now. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. One of the um, running uh, characters on the Benny show for many, many years was the lovable Mr. Kitzel. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Benny. Wow, Mr. Kitzel. Mr. Benny, what are you doing by the railroad station? Well, I'm going to Houston, Texas. Well, put her there, partner. That's where I'm heading. <laughs> what? Give me land, lots of land, need the sun is above. Don't smog me. Well, Mr. Kitzel, I'll probably see you down there. I'll be at the Shamrock Hotel. Shamrock? My, that's a wonderful name for a hotel. It brings a lump in my throat. It does? Yes, I haven't seen a Shamrock since I left the old country. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun in Texas. You're certainly dressed for it, too. Cowboy boots, spurs, and a gun. Tell me, Mr. Kitzel, are you handy with a gun? <laughs> you are? I can throw a biscuit up in the air and with one shot make a bagel out of it. <laughs> oh, then you are pretty good. Well, so long, Mr. Kitzel. See you in Texas. Yippee-yay, yippee-yay-o. The lovable Mr. Kitzel. <clears throat> I used to love Kitzel and love the mad Russian from another show. Yeah, Schlepperman. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fred Allen. No, no, it was, no? No, it was Eddie Cantor show. Oh, of course. Eddie Cantor. Oh, dear, yeah. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, Joan Benny, uh, the the book is full of such goodies that uh, I don't know where I began. Is there something that you'd like to bring up that we haven't talked about? Well, I think it's uh, talking about the book is so full of goodies. Uh, somebody mentioned to me uh, about my father's part of the book, the manuscript, 
that they felt it was, a, in a way, a textbook of comedy. I hadn't really thought of that, but he does talk a lot about how some of the routines came to be, including, by the way, your money or your life. How that what does was he say written. about that? Oh, how it was written? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it was... Uh, they used to divide the show. There were four writers, and on Mondays... I mean, there was a certain way the show was written, and it, they divided it in half, and two writers worked on the first 15 minutes, and two writers worked on the second. And the two writers were working on this particular section of the show where my father was walking home uh, from a friend's house, I think from Ronald Coleman's, and they wrote this, okay, a robber holds him up and a robber says, uh, your money or your life, and now what's the punchline? What are we going to do with that? And one of them, and I believe it was John Tackaberry, was lying on the sofa and Milt Josephsberg was pacing the floor. I could have them wrong. It might have mm -hmm. been Balzer, but right. whatever. One of them was pacing the floor. And the two of them are, you know, okay, what's the punchline? And they're throwing out lines, and they're saying, no, no, I don't think so. And now there's a long silence, and the one pacing the floor looks at, the, at uh, Tackaberry on the sofa and says, you know, well, you've been quiet for a long time. I mean, say something. And Tackaberry said... I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and that's how, that's the line, and that that's amazing? how it came about. What a story. We'll be back with more stories, more phone calls, more excerpts from the Jack Benny Show with Joan Benny. The book is called Sunday Nights at 7. With apologies to Nelson Eddy and Jeanette McDonald, the Dodgers present their own Canadian sunset tonight on KABC. It's the Dodgers and the Montreal Expos as the weekend series continues from Olympic Stadium. Our game coverage will begin at 4 o'clock with Dodger Confidential. The first pitch is at 4.35. It's the Dodgers and the Expos tonight on 790 KABC Talk Radio. The Iraqi war's over, yet conflict continues in the Middle East. If you need to stay informed despite the declining media coverage, then turn to shortwave radio as I do. And your source for information radio equipment is Affordable Portables. Now prices start as low as $69. This week, Affordable Portables has a special offer, the Grundig Traveler 2. Now I own a Grundig myself. I know of their superior performance. It covers 19 meters, and it can be plugged in with an optional AC adapter. And it has a time zone indicator, which identifies the time in the city being monitored. It also includes a telescopic antenna, headphones, clock alarm, and carrying case. You tell them Ray Bream sent you, and get this great shortwave radio at $89. Also available, the Big Grundig top-of-the-line satellite 650. Drop in for a free demo. See their Friday and Sunday L.A. Times ad. Open seven days and serving you in Torrance, Westwood, Sherman Oaks, Costa Mesa, and at 6439 Canoga Boulevard in Woodland Hills. Affordable portables. What tuned into the world really is. MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, is the newest and safest way to see inside the human body without surgery. MRI is ideal for aiding in the diagnosis of headaches, back pain, and pain due to sports injuries or accidents. Medical Imaging Center of Southern California is a full-service radiologic facility that specializes in MRI. And it's the only outpatient imaging center in Santa Monica that offers three different MRI choices. For sensitive patients such as the elderly, 
claustrophobic, and the overweight. Medical imaging offers the open access MRI. Now, the open access MRI has a unique open air design, providing a quiet and most comfortable atmosphere for patients. Professional care and customized service for sensitive patients. That's what medical imaging is all about. For information and a free brochure, call in area code 213-829-9788. Call without any obligation for your free brochure from Medical Imaging Center of Southern California. Call 213-829-9788. The book is called Sunday Nights at 7, and if you're an old radio buff, you know what that meant. That meant the Jack Benny Show, and with us is Joan Benny, Jack's daughter. Uh, Joan, we were talking about uh, the way comedy is written today, and the way it's uh, put together sort of telegraphs what you're about to hear, and that's why a lot of the sitcoms today are, are not really that funny. They have all the laugh tracks and so forth. Uh, let's go over it. Uh, you, well, you, you talk about this uh, in your lectures, I am by sure. By the way, yes, I do. But uh, I, I should say that I think a lot of the sitcoms today are very funny and very well written. And certainly, uh, I'll be specific, I love Murphy Brown. I think it's a wonderfully written show, and I, it's a wonderful ensemble of players. And, of course, back a few years, MASH, I still watch the reruns for the, you know, the 87th time. I don't think they're on here in Los Angeles. They are in New York every night, and I, I just adore them. But in thinking about, uh, you know, I just talked about your money or your life and how that was written and how it came about. And the fact is that it was written up to a punchline, and it took a while for them to come up with the right punchline to make it funny. And I listen to some of the sitcoms today, and when you think about it, you listen to uh, the laugh track, and there's a big laugh after a line, and I think, well, wait a minute. It sounds to me like somebody said, I've got a funny line, and that's the punchline, and then somebody else says, well, now we've got to write something to lead up to it. And when you write that way, you're telegraphing it, and to me, it's not funny because it's as though it's it's... It's being written backwards. It's being written from the punchline backwards. And as opposed to writing a situation and then writing the punchline where it's like reading a book forwards or reading a book backwards. Right. And it, it just, um, it doesn't work for me. I, it's not good writing. It's just not good writing. I hate laugh tracks, too. Well, I think they're necessary <laughs> to some degree. But what a laugh track has done, and now I'm getting into some something else. You mentioned uh, film comedy and the fact that uh, about that I have taught a course in film comedy mm -hmm. to young people, to college students, and quite frankly, mostly in the Midwest, small colleges, uh, not particularly sophisticated students, not perhaps like you'd find at UCLA or NYU, mm -hmm. where they've lived in sophisticated cities, but. Uh, They've grown up with a laugh track, and there's something about that that it's as though all their lives they've been told when to laugh, because a laugh track says, that's funny, laugh. Uh, you see a movie in a room all by yourself with no audience, nobody's there telling you when to laugh, and I find that the young people, in many cases, don't know when to laugh because no one's telling them when to laugh. It's the strangest phenomenon. Well, that's why I liked uh, All in the Family, done before a live audience. Yes, absolutely. 
I, I think that's the... the then you punch it up with right. a laugh track, but you go by that's the right. laugh track. That's I remember right. my father going in the sound booth where they were mm -hmm. doing the laugh track, mm -hmm. and he always insisted on being there, and very often he would say, please turn that down. That's too big a laugh for that line. That line is a giggle. It's not a big laugh. And I don't know if other people do that, but I know in many cases he would say, I want less. Victor in Van Nuys, you're on with Joan Benny. Good morning. Good morning. You wanted to know the name of the sound effects men who uh, worked on the show. You mean you really know that? Well, I have a book in front of me called The Big Broadcast. Uh-huh. And it was Jimmy Murphy... Virgil Rhyme, R-E-I-M-E, mm -hmm. Gene Twombly. Do those names uh, ring a bell? Uh, Twombly, yes. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Well, they were stars in their own right. Yes, I'm impressed that you have that. Yeah. Well, um, I have found out the uh, punchline to the uh, Your Money or Your Life. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it over. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh-huh. That was done, by the way, I, uh, certainly once on radio, and it was done more than once, I believe, on television. And I'm not sure that at one time it wasn't, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Originally, it was, I'm thinking it over. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, do you remember, Frank Nelson, whenever uh, Jack Benny had to go to the DMV or uh, to a department store... Yes, he always did. I can't imitate him, but he always did that. Ooh. Oh, he was he was, uh, he was one of the best uh, character uh, actors or, you know, sideline men on the program. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Thank we, you we, for calling. I mean, we've I've got Frank Nelson and Sheldon Leonard in a skit right now. Oh, wonderful. Okay. All right. Thank you, Victor. All right. Uh, take a listen to uh, Frank Nelson and Sheldon Leonard. As uh, Frank Nelson is the waiter. Yes. <laughs> oh, you do that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> we were going to have Frank Nelson as the uh, as the waiter and uh, Sheldon Leonard, <clears throat> but uh, let's try this one now. Here we go. A waiter, waiter. Yes. <laughs> We'd like to get something to eat. What would you suggest? Another waiter. I can't stand you. <laughs> I don't care whether you can or not. Now, what can we get in a hurry? Well, we have roast pork, corned beef, leg of lamb, sirloin tips, and bacon and egg. Hmm, bacon and egg. That sounds good. Are the eggs fresh? <laughs> How about you, Mary? Would you like bacon and eggs? Ooh, what I? Maybe. Uh, just, uh, just bring us our orders, waiter, as quickly as you can. Uh, yes, sir, and I'll seat you at table number one. That's right over there. Thank you. Now, Mary, let's look over the list of entries for the next race. I want to see if hey, the... Bud. Bud. Huh? Come here a minute. Me? Yeah. What is it? You gonna eat here? Yeah. What table? Table one. Uh-uh. What? Take number nine. Well, look, I'm very happy with table one. Well, think it over, bud. 
Number one is a card table. A card table? Yeah. If it carries too much weight, its legs will fold. <laughs> Gee, I never thought of that. So you think I ought to take no, table number nine? Well, certainly. Look at the breeding. The breeding? It's by Bird's Eye Maple out of Grand Rapids. <laughs> Gosh, I didn't think they even knew each other. Get wise, bud. Think it over. Look, I'm not go... Wait a minute. This is the first time I've run into you at a racetrack. Why don't you give me a tip on a horse? Who knows about horses? <laughs> what? So long, sucker. <laughs> Mary, Mary, have you figured out yet what You're horse... You're making legs already. I put them on table number one. Number one? Do you think I'm a sucker? We'll eat at table number nine. Table nine? The shiny mahogany one? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you can't eat at that table. Why not? It was scratched. Now, cut that off! <laughs> I don't know why you had to be our waiter. You make me sick. Well, you're not penicillin to me. That great skit there with uh, Sheldon Leonard and uh, Frank Nelson. We miss Frank. He was uh, a joy, uh, a very talented guy. Uh, I had him on the show here years ago before he died. Uh-huh. And uh, told a lot of fabulous stories. 27 years with many. Yep. Of course, uh, Sheldon uh, Leonard I just saw recently. Did and you? so he's still around. But you know what's amazing is of all of the major people in the cast, the only one still living is uh, Phil Harris. And he still lives in Palm Springs. Along and with I Alice. Spoke to him. Yeah, that's right. I, I saw he him. He sounds great. I, yeah, I mean, he's I saw amazing. Him. I saw him not long ago, and he sounds just tremendous. Same, same Phil Harris. Right. I hadn't spoken to him in quite a long time, and I was on a radio show. I think it was probably in New York, and they had Phil on at the same time, hooked up. And, you know, Phil said, hi, Joni. And I went, Phil Harris? I mean, the voice hadn't changed. It was exactly the same as I remembered it all those years ago. In a little bit, we have a uh, Don Wilson, Phil Harris sketch, and we'll get to that. My guest is Joan Benny. The book is called Sunday Nights at 7. This is 790 KABC Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Hello, it's Ken and Barkley. And if you need help because your income is low, if you're over 65 or blind or disabled, Social Security says you may qualify for supplemental security income. Call 1-800-234-5772. If you need help because you need a home or have a home to share, call the Shared Housing Program of Senior Meals and Services at 714-894-9779. If you need help because you're thinking about leaving your relationship and it seems like you've exhausted all the possibilities, Personal Development Institute, Santa Monica, may help sort things out. Call 213-315-2620. And if you need help to have your baby born sober and healthy, Baby Step In, a drug abuse recovery home in Long Beach, offers counseling, substance abuse education, and more. Phone 213-435-4771. KABC Talk Radio and you can make a world of difference. All of you men and women or couples over 55 who enjoy independence, this message is for you. 
Now, if you like to make decisions for yourself without the burden and obligations of home ownership, then Canyon Hills Club is the right place for you. Canyon Hills Club is a stimulating, active, living retirement community located in prestigious Anaheim Hills. I've been there, and you're going to enjoy it. Imagine yourself on a year-round vacation in a luxurious resort-style setting where you'll live in your own comfortable and fashionable apartment with a spectacular view. You'll find interesting and active people such as yourself, along with many exciting social activities, nearby shopping, hospitals, churches, and many other conveniences such as weekly housekeeping, scheduled transportation, continental breakfast, and two delicious prepared meals daily. You'll feel as if you're dining at the best restaurants. Now just visit Canyon Hills Club and find out about their unfurnished rental apartments. Just call 800-622-3233 right now. You'll enjoy a happy, relaxed lifestyle at Canyon Hills Club. Again, that's 800-622-3233. Obviously, you're awake. And most likely, you wish you were asleep, right? Here's the answer. You need a new bed. Sit and Sleep promises to offer the lowest prices in town or the mattress is free. Sit and Sleep carries America's most popular major brand names, such as Simmons Beautyrest and Sealy Posturepedic. The point is, Sit and Sleep has an incredible selection for you to choose from. And because Sit and Sleep buys in huge quantities, you'll save a lot of money. Sit and Sleep is lower than any and every department store. In fact, Sit and Sleep is lower than all the independents, and Sit and Sleep guarantees their low prices in writing for 30 days. Now, that's your guarantee that you'll get the best price in town. Plus, because Sit and Sleep carries such a huge inventory, you can buy your mattress today and sleep on it tonight. So quit tossing and turning. Get a new mattress at Sit and Sleep. That's where I got mine. Mention Ray Bream sent you and get your choice of a free bed frame or free local delivery. Order by phone, call toll-free 1-800-675-3536. Or visit Sit and Sleep in Culver City on Washington, one block west of Overland. Join Al Downing for Dodger Talk this morning on KBC. Al will answer all of your questions on Dodger players, coaches, and game strategies. It's Al Downing with Dodger Talk this morning on 9 a.m. on 790 KBC Talk Radio. Let's say hello to a Tim in San Diego. Tim, good morning. You're on with Joan Benny. Hello. Yes, hello. 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 Hello, are we there? Uh, yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> are you there? Uh, uh, this is San Diego calling uh, to KABC in Los Angeles. Yes, Tim. Oh, greetings. This is, this is one of those great calls. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, uh, you, know, you know, sales on special phones that do everything. They tell you your <clears throat> cholesterol level and... And all those things. Yes, well, you're on with Joan Benny, Tim. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I have forgotten everything that I wanted to ask you other, well, no, reminiscing. Um, it, it, you know, <clears throat> everyone tells me at work, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, here we go. Everyone tells me at work, oh, you ought to get on the comedy show. 
Uh, you ought to do the local thing down here in San Diego. I see. You're a funny guy. And uh, you're taking lessons from the old Jack Benny show. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't like uh, the new uh, comedians, and so I'm thinking, if I do what I would like to do, it will never work. Uh, because um, how do you know? Uh, because you know. Uh, the new comedians are, um, oh, geez, I'm on radio. Yeah, well, uh, Tim, uh, maybe they're maybe not, Joan can help you out here. Uh, they're uh, not that funny. Well, look. Uh, they're uh, grotesque. Well, look, uh, Tim, uh, I, I happen to believe that when a line is funny, it's funny in any generation. And uh, that's the way I look at it. I think it's the material and the way it's presented. Would you agree, Joan? Uh, absolutely. I, that's uh, comedy is timeless. It really is. I, if you read or listen to, uh, well, I hate to be rather obvious and say Shakespeare, mm -hmm. but Shakespeare's comedies they were very funny and they still are. Of course, they still are. And that was uh, what 16th century, mm -hmm. 15th. Oh dear, I, I don't <laughs> want to, don't want to sound stupid. We have. Uh, the right century. I promised we do a Phil Harris Don Wilson sketch, and we have one right now. So let's uh, take a listen. This from a, a Jack Benny show. Well, <laughs> here we go again. We're going to have a uh, Don Wilson, Phil Harris sketch from a, a Jack Benny show. A lot of false cues. I don't know where they, they came from, but we'll, uh, we'll stay with it here. Our phone number, in case you want to call us, is 1-800-222-KABC. My guest is Joan Benny, and the book is called Sunday Nights... At seven. How's the book doing, by the way? I think it's doing extremely well, considering that I had such hesitation about writing it and or doing the project at all, because <laughs> it, it occurred to me that my father really had a very, I hate to use the word boring, it'll keep people from buying the book. He had such a normal life. I mean, there were no divorces, no scandal. And how do you write a book about a nice man? Uh, whom everybody loved. I mean, literally everybody. I could not get in any interview. I could not get anyone to say an unkind word about him. Everyone loved him. And he lived a very nice life. And I thought, who's going to buy a book that has no gossip, nothing salacious, nothing? Mm. So, uh, as I say, I had great hesitation about that. All right, let's try this get again with Don Wilson and Phil Harris. <laughs> Get on with the rehearsal. Well, Jack, don't get mad at me. I wasn't the one who started talking about Edwin. You were. All right, all right. Now, let's forget it. Okay, Jack, but I just thought you'd be proud since you're such a good friend of American's greatest comedian. Oh. So now Edwin is America's greatest comedian. Yes, Jack, I think he is. That's my honest opinion. Don. <laughs> I don't know how much the Frank Sinatra show is paying you, but save it, fat boy, save it. <laughs> Understand? I agree with Donzie. I think Ed Wynn is terrific. <laughs> Do I hear a voice from the shallow end of the La Brea tar pits? <laughs> you heard me, Dad. I ain't speaking Portuguese. <laughs> Hmm. 
So you also think that Ed Wynn is the funniest comedian in the world? Yes, he is the funniest. Present company accepted, of course. Well, thank you. I meant me. <laughs> Phil, Phil, I don't know how much Alice is paying you, but save it, kid, save it. Now, look, in order to avoid arguments, let's get on with the rehearsal. Well, that's just what we were doing before you came in. I'm going to have my boys run through their number right now. Good. Now, I hope it's not one of those corn pone tunes you always play. Oh, no. Don't worry about that, Jackson. This week, I'm playing a tune from South Pacific. Well, from South Pacific. Well, I'd like to hear it. All right. Give it to him, fellas. A one, two, three. <laughs> Phil, that's... Phil, that's from South Pacific? It ain't from Stromboli, Roberto. <laughs> how, how did Phil Harris uh, join Jack Bunny? How, how did that come about, you know? No. <laughs> In a word, Ray, yeah. no. I don't remember. I... I do believe that my father talks about it as in, in this book, in part, mm -hmm. as part of his autobiography. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, you know, the book was published in November. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think I've read it in a year, and I've forgotten a lot of the <laughs> things uh, from the book. But I, I think it's in there. All right, let's take a call from Rose in Los Angeles. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good morning, Rose. I saw your father on the Orpheum stage the first time. And the first thing that impressed me about him were his hands. He had those wonderful long fingers. Yes. Hands seemed to dangle from the wrist. You know? mm -hmm. And I think they played such an important part in his comedy. Oh, absolutely. The, the gestures, yes, and the yes, way he used yes. his hands. And I think one of the funniest scenes I can remember <coughs> is when your father did the TV show with the chimps. Yeah, wasn't that the wonderful? that looked through the whole of yes. the floor. Yes, that's one of my favorite shows, too. And your father went over and got down on that mm -hmm. floor. And looked through the hole like the I chimp, yeah. Broke. I, yeah. I don't know how long that laugh was. I agree. I think that's one of the funniest shows he ever did. They were the marquee chimps. The I remember marquee. it well. Yeah, and uh, I, there was a wonderful actor. I thought what a wonderful vaudevillian a show they could do with these chimps. Because mm -hmm. I knew Danny, and I've worked in the business. Mm -hmm. And I met them <clears throat> also through Danny Kaye. But that, la I will never forget the curiosity on your father's face. Yes. He <laughs> when he walked over there and he kneeled down on that floor to look through the hole. I don't know how long that laugh was, but I'm sure it was a long laugh. It was. You're absolutely right. You know, and when you were talking about Amos and Andy, one of the last there was when Kingfish was a optometrist, mm -hmm. and Andy needed glasses. Andy came up to see whether he needed glasses, and Kingfish took him over to the window. This is a radio show, and said, "Can you see the ants on that telephone pole across the street?" <laughs> and he couldn't. And he said, "You need glasses." I mean, they're laughing. There are such beautiful. There's such fantastic comedy in those years, and the timing, the yes. pauses. Uh -huh. And then your father did wonderful work for charity, and I don't think people realize that's like giving up your bread and butter, you know, to do a comedy show 
for charity because these are the people that really follow you around and go to see your shows. And he was a very, very generous man. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But he gave us so many years of beautiful laughs. We don't have them anymore. You know, we just hear about tragedy and we just don't have that type of comedy anymore. And of course, I understand that your father was a perfect foil for um, George Burns. George Burns. Yes, he was. <laughs> George, just, George just, I understand, had to look at him and he broke up. That is absolutely true. You In know. fact, uh, the foreword of the book is by George Burns. It yes, is. yes. Yeah. That, that relationship went so far. Uh, I mean, it was like George had the high sign on him. It was almost like a hex. Yes. To the point where one day at Hillcrest, uh, my father showed up and sat down, and uh, they talked a minute, and all of it was kind of a silence, and all of a sudden my father started to laugh, and George said, what are you laughing at? I haven't done anything. And my father said, yes, but you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> you haven't done anything on purpose. I mean, he was already laughing. <laughs> he was already laughing, I know. But, uh, you know, I still, whenever I think of your father, and when you talk about him, what I, when at the Orpheum, he would walk out with the violin and the bow in his hand. Mm -hmm. But it was the way he used his hands. You know, I, I don't know. You just can't separate it. You know, yes. It was so a part of him. Yes. And some of his gestures were equally as funny as any lines. Yes. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure listening <laughs> I appreciate to you. it. Thank you, Rose. Look and read it. Bye-bye. Thank you. And let's say hello to Bob in La Habra. Bob, you're on with Joan Benny. Hi, Miss Benny. Hi, Ray. Hey, it's a Morning. real pleasure to speak to both Hi, of you. Hi, Bob. Uh, two quick questions. The mm -hmm. first one, why do they poke so much fun on his radio program for his movie, The Horn Blows at Midnight? I guess for laughs. Um, it was, it really wasn't, of course, as bad a picture. By the time my father finished talking about how bad it was, it looked good. Uh, it was, actually, it was a fairly funny picture. Uh, but he just got a lot of mileage on it. He got a lot of laughs out of it. Running and down. I imagine uh, he also probably promoted the movie in a sure. strange, backward sort of way. Because that movie, for, for my family, I'm growing up in New York, uh, that movie was tradition for us for New Year's Eve. It used to be on one of the local stations, mm -hmm. New Year's Eve. And uh, to me, that movie was like... like um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life as to Christmas. Yes, okay. <laughs> in fact, when I came to California, I was going through withdrawal because they were not following the same schedule as they were in New York. Uh -huh. the, uh, the second question I have is, uh, can you expound a little about the relationship that existed uh, between your dad and Fred Allen? Well, of course, battle they had going on. Yes, that the, the famous feud back in the radio days. Well, of course, they were very good friends and had known each other a long time. Uh, they might have been closer had they lived in the same place. But as you perhaps know, Fred Allen was maybe the only, certainly one of the few comedians who never moved to Los Angeles, who always remained in New York. Right. And so it was a kind of long-distance relationship. Is it true that they uh, they got in the ring together at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> Golly, I don't know. Did they? <laughs> I, I'd, I'd heard that. I've heard that. Gee, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think there's publicity photos of them in the ring at Madison Square Garden. I don't know whether that was just a publicity yeah, thing or whether it really know. happened. Again, it may be in the book, and I'm not sure. But the feud... Uh, began as, uh, by the way, my father was a great admirer of Fred Allen. We were talking about writing. Uh, Fred had writers, of course, but my father considered him personally as one of the great comedy writers. 
and he, Fred Allen, unlike my father, my father I never thought was a wit. My, uh, I think it was George Balzer, as a matter of fact, who said, I think, the most telling line about my father, and when he said he had a wonderful sense of humor. And I think that was true. On the other hand, Fred Allen was a wit. He had the quick line and the, the very sophisticated, uh, wry, fast, fast kind of humor. And my father was a great admirer. At any rate, the feud. Uh, I think on a radio show, as I recall, this is the way it began, on one of Fred Allen's radio shows, as a joke, uh, he insulted my father. My father, of course, heard the show and said to his writers, let's insult him back, and they did, and somewhere along the line, of course, my father talked to Fred and said, hey, we're getting good ratings, let's keep this up, let's make this a thing, and that was how the feud began. They were in cahoots. Did your dad ever, uh, did your dad begin his radio program in New York, or was it always uh, in California? Uh, it was begun in New York. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. The very first years. Uh, he moved to California in 1935, and the first show on radio, I believe, was in 1932. So it was about three years into it. I see. Thank you both very much. Thank right. you, Ms. Benny. Thank, Thank you, you for Ray. calling. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, we mentioned uh, Dennis Day, and he was one of, one of the staples on the, <clears throat> on that show. I uh, interviewed uh, Dennis uh, after he had lost his his music. Do you remember that story? Yes, kind of, but you tell it because I don't think I know it well enough. <clears throat> they had lost his music uh, in, in the baggage. Mm -hmm. Somebody had stolen his music. And uh, I remember him talking about it at the time, but uh, he was reminiscing about uh, the days on the Benny Show, and he just uh, said it was the greatest experience of yeah. his entire life, just working with your, your father. I think most people of the cast felt that way. Yeah. It was very, it was very much an ensemble, that group. All right, a little bit of Dennis Day and uh, Jack Benny. <laughs> Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Dennis, it's about time you got here. Well, Dennis, are you all set for Palm Springs? Well, I came over to tell you I can't leave today. I have to go have a tooth pulled. A tooth pulled? Oh, that's a shame. Does it have a cavity? No. <laughs> Does it ache? No. Let me see, which tooth is it? The one on my watch chain. I got thrown out of the Elks. <laughs> Dennis, stop being silly, and I want you to leave for Palm Springs today, so go home and pack. Okay. Oh, say, Mr. Benny, is it all right if I take my mother to Palm Springs with me? Well... She's already bought a French bathing suit. Your mother? Well, that's ridiculous. Oh, no, it isn't. This morning she tried it on and my father said she really looked French. Really? Yeah. Mr. Benny, who's General de Gaulle? <laughs> Dennis, go home and pack. All right, uh, the perfect foil. Jack Benny and, uh, and Dennis Day. All right, let's take a call. We've got uh, John on the uh, line from Maywood. Good morning, John. Good morning, uh... uh... Joan and uh, Ray. Good morning. Uh, uh, wonderful show. Uh, what I uh, I wanted to ask you one question, Joan. Are you the only daughter, or was there more? No, just me. I thought so. <laughs> well, I wanted to tell you about back in 1931 or 32. Not quite sure. I was in Cleveland, and your uh, father and Mary were. Uh, appearing with uh, Caruso, the great opera singer. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, 
show started out, they introduced Caruso, and he sang two uh, fine ballads and everything, and uh, started up with a third one, and Mary Livingston came on the, the uh, stage and uh, went up and sort of flirted with uh, Caruso as he was singing, and then uh, slowly started swooning and uh, putting her arms around him. Uh-huh. And uh, Jack came out to the edge of the stage, and the lights played on him, first green with envy, and then red with rage. And then, as he looked Caruso's physique over, yellow. <laughs> he never said a word. And it <clears throat> brought down the house, of course, and then finally he walked up to Mary, and Mary had her arm around Caruso, and she had diamond rings on each finger. And he took one finger at a time and showed the audience the rings uh-huh. and then pointed to himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was hilarious. And the following day, uh, my uncle took me to the Cleveland Indians baseball game, and uh, Jack Benny uh, pitched, and Mary Livingston caught, and their three rich brothers batted. Oh, how funny. <laughs> Thank you for that story. I'd never heard that before, and it's funny because even my parents never mentioned, mm. even, I'm, I'm so impressed because I never knew that they had even met Caruso. Mm. So okay, thank John. you. I appreciate that story. Thank you. Uh, I ha- have it somewhere in my mind, but uh, if I recall, his radio show was never, ever uh, out of the top uh, five radio shows in, in, in the country. They I think were, that's probably true. They were all, all in the top five. Yeah, I think that's probably true. You know that... Um, In 1937, there was a magazine poll, and by the way, this was one of the little many sides of my father's personality and and his little uh, strange things about him. When he called anyone on the phone, I mean, if if the butler answered or if the wife answered or whoever might have answered, he always said, hello, this is Jack Benny. Now, in 1937, in a magazine poll and (laughs) asked for the three most recognizable voices in America, Number one was Jack Benny. Number two was President Roosevelt. And now I think that's hysterical that my father was number one. And yet, as long as I can remember, he always said hello, you know, and identified himself as Jack Benny. And most people said, Jack, I knew it was you when you said hello. I mean, it, and it was true. That voice was so recognizable. And I think it's, it's I, I, in a way, I guess it's that kind of humility. I think he didn't realize mm-hmm. that, that people were that familiar with that voice. One last call, Alan in Northridge. Hi, Ray. Good morning. We don't have much time. Okay, I'll be brief. I was just coming out of the Dodger Stadium where, from the mm-hmm. Olympic Festival where, of course, ABC was involved. Mm-hmm. We played a little uh, party there, and I turned the radio on, and there's my dad when the Jack Benny show playing the little back the drum thing on right. uh, on the train. My dad was Sammy the drummer on the show for 25 oh, I remember him right? well. Yeah. And uh, it's just a pleasure talking to you. And, Ray, I've wanted to call so many times because you've had so many great musicians on that my dad has worked with. And, Joan, of course, I enjoyed going to shows and uh, seeing all the people and Marilyn Merrick and Tackerberry and... Oh, yes. Berg and all those people. But anyway... Oh, I'm so glad you called. I remember your father well. Oh, uh, yeah. They had a great time. Uh-huh. Jack. I can see him sitting there at the, with the, at the bandstand oh, with yeah. the drums. That, 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 that was him. Moonglow, they called him. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I wish we had more time, but uh, I know you're running late there. So, as Jack would say, uh, we're running, running a little late, so good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, no, Alan. No matter, thanks a lot, Alan. Uh, no matter uh, how much time they had, it was always, we're a little late, folks, so goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, that was Jack Benny. Uh, gee, I've really enjoyed the past two hours, Joan. I'm glad, uh, first of all, that you wrote the book, and second of all, I'm glad that you uh, came here tonight and we finally got together. Thank you, Ray. It was my pleasure. I love doing this. Oh, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fun it's talking to people and nice, reminiscing. Nice to reminisce, especially about such a talented uh, man as your father. He gave us all a bunch of laughs for such a long time. He was something special. Thank you. Thank you, Joan Benny. The book, Sunday Nights at 7, The Jack Benny Story. This is 790 KBC Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. <music> 790 Talk Radio, KABC Los Angeles. From ABC News, I'm Marty McNeely. The United States and other permanent members of the U.N. Security Council have put Iraq on notice. Tell all the... Okay, we got time to get a Jack Benny Christmas show in, so let's do that. JAWS Professional Radio Shows KAB's Windows M, Desktop M, My Document, Enter, Docket, 4C, Christmas, Enter, Christmas, Amos and Andy, MPJ, Jack Benny Folder, Enter, Jack, 1-1214-1952, Jack buys a Crawford trap for Don. Unloading JAW, can't, okay, Enter, Enter. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember, Lucky she's better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky she's better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means smoother. Here's why. You see, Lucky's Better Taste starts with good-tasting tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. Then, too, Lucky's are made better to taste better, to give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother-tasting smoke. That's the secret of real smoking enjoyment. Lucky's Fine Tobacco in a cigarette that's made better to taste better. So be happy. Go Lucky. Whenever you buy cigarettes, remember this. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike, lucky strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now mid-December, and as is their custom every year at this time, Jack and Mary have gone to one of the local department stores to do their Christmas shopping. But before we take you there, let us look in at the office of a prominent psychiatrist. 
Also, now, relax, please, back on the couch and tell me what is your hallucination. Why are you afraid to go back to work? Doctor, it's no hallucination. It happens every year at this time. Just before Christmas. Every year. Just before Christmas. Uh, 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 calmly, calmly, Mr. Blank, don't get excited. Lay back on the couch. Now, tell me, when did it first start? During the Christmas shopping rush in 1946. As I told you, I'm a salesman at the department store. And this kindly-looking, blue-eyed old gentleman bought a gift. <laughs> then six times that day he came back, pestered me, and exchanged it for a different model. Well, what was the gift he kept exchanging? Shoelaces. <laughs> he bought someone shoelaces for a gift? Yeah, for someone named Don. Well, now, uh, how could he possibly exchange shoelaces six times? Well, first he bought laces with metal tips. Then he came back because he thought plastic tips looked more modern. Soon he was back again. He was afraid the plastic tips might crack. So he went back to metal tips. Then he got to thinking the metal tips might rust. So he came back to change them to plastic tips. Six times he changed his mind. Plastic tips, metal tips, plastic tips, metal tips. Plastic tips, metal tips. <laughs> please, please come out. You're supposed to be on the couch, not under it. <laughs> Well, uh, tell me, uh, what did this man do the next year? Ah, uh, the next year I was lucky. I didn't see him. Oh, he didn't come into the store? I don't know. I was in a sanitarium. Ah, <laughs> uh, definite uh, traumatic psychosis. Uh, then you got out. Did you go back to your job at the department store? Yeah, but I was smart. I had him transfer me to the jewelry department. Uh, what was smart about that? Well, this old gentleman didn't look like the jewelry buying type. Then you did not see him last year. He found me. He found me. Uh, and more trouble? Yeah. Once again, he came in to buy something for Don. This time it was cufflinks. Well, that is good. Who could find anything wrong with cufflinks? He found it. He found it. <laughs> it was the engraving. First, he had them engraved D.W. So I wrapped them all pretty and Christmassy. Then he goes off happy, and I am silently saying a prayer of thanks. Ah, uh -huh, that is good. Not good. He discovers that D.W. has a middle initial. So first he buys the gift. Then I engrave the gift. Then I wrap the gift. Then he changes his mind about the engraving. So I unwrap the gift. I change the engraving. Rewrap the gift. And then he changes his mind and wants cheaper couplings. So I have to go to wrapping, engraving, and rewrapping again, again, and again, and again. <laughs> Please, I'm trying to help you. Stop choking me. I'm sorry, Doctor. Mr. Blank, avoiding your work will cause repressions. It should only magnify this in your subconscious. So you think I should go back to my job? But certainly, you will probably never run into this aggravating man again. Well, I have taken precautions. This year, I asked to be put in the gardening tools department. Gardening tools? Yeah. All these people live in the city. Uh, they have no use for anything like that. Good, good. You are facing your problem face to face with your face. <laughs> but remember, should you ever meet this man any place, use psychology. Be nice, be calm, be pleasant to him, and you will have no trouble. Well, don't worry, Doctor. I won't see him. But if I do, I'll be calm and I'll be nice to him. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, and Merry Christmas, Mr. Blank. And Merry Christmas, Doctor. Oh, I gotta hurry back to the store. Hey, 
Gosh, Mary, no matter how early you try to do your Christmas shopping, the store is always crowded. Yeah. Yet I can't start doing my shopping any earlier. I like to buy modern, up-to-the-minute gifts, you know. As far as I'm concerned, your gifts are ahead of the times. What do you mean? You gave me jewelry that turned green years before they had chlorophyll. <laughs> oh, stop. Now, let's see. I still have to buy lots of gifts. I'm going to the jewelry department to see if I can find something for my sponsor. Well, I've got to get something for my mother. I'll meet you out here later. Okay, Mary. Now, let's see. Where's the jewelry department? I think it's on the next floor, the top one. I wonder where... Oh, there's the floor walker. I'll ask him. Oh, floor walker? Floor walker? (laughs) Can you give me some information? Ask me anything. I'm a talking horse. (laughs) Oh, stop. You don't even look like a horse. Not now. There's a veterinarian in Denmark who does wonders. (laughs) Now, stop with that silly talk, or I'll go to the manager and report you. Now, look, I'm looking for a jewelry department. Will you tell me where to go? (laughs) Never mind. Yes, sir. May I help you, young man? Uh, yes, I'm looking for Christmas gifts for my mother and father. Well, this is the sporting goods department. How about some golf balls? Mm, no. Tennis racket? No. Hey, I've got an idea. What about a punching bag? Hey, that's great. Now, what would you suggest for my father? <laughs> uh, uh, just a minute, young man. You want to get this punching bag for your mother? Uh-huh. That's rather unusual. Has she ever had one before? No, she always used my father. <laughs> You can send the punching bag and I'll enclose a card to both my parents. Yes, sir. What's your address? It's on Orange Avenue. The number is 3247 and a half. A half? Oh, oh, it's a duplex. No, it was hit by lightning. (laughs) Wrap it up. I'll take it with me. Mary! Mary! Oh, here I am, Jack. Did you get a present for your sponsor? Yes, I sent him a nail file. (laughs) Uh, A nail file? You think that's a suitable Christmas gift for a sponsor? Well, for just any sponsor, no, but mine needs sharp fingernails, you know, so he can tear and compare. (laughs) I'm sure he'll like it. Now, let's see. I've already given you a bonus, and I bought Dennis's gift. Gee, I wish I knew what to buy for Don Wilson. Ought to be easy to get something for Don. You know, he just moved into a new home. Get something for his house. No, I heard him mention that his entire home was furnished by an interior decorator. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. Isn't Don's new home sort of a little ranch in the San Fernando Valley? Yes. Well, why don't you get him some gardening tools? (laughs) Yeah. Gardening tools. Why didn't I think of that? Say, Mary, I know what to get Don as a Christmas present, and he'll really appreciate it. What? A gopher trap. A gopher trap? Yeah, I heard him mention that his place is overrun with gophers. Come on, Mary, let's go. Uh, uh, you go yourself. I'm going to buy a gift for Barbara's sandwich. I'll meet you at the perfume counter. 
Okay, Mary. I'll see you later. Let's see. Where would I get a gopher trap? I wonder if that comes under hunting equipment. <laughs> I'll just have to... Now, where's that floor walker? Oh, there he is, way over there. Oh, floor walker! Floor walker! Did you call me? Yes, where can I buy a gopher trap? In the gardening tools department down in the basement. Thanks. Imagine that crazy floor walker saying he's a horse. Well, I better get over to the gardening tools department. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what... Oh, uh, excuse me, clerk. Uh, yes, sir, what can I... Oh, it's yours. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I must be calm. Uh, I'll be happy to wait on you. Thank you. I'd like to buy a gopher trap. Uh, yes, sir. Excuse me, I'll go get one for you. Hmm. He wants a gopher trap. A gopher trap? What trouble can I get into with that? <laughs> ah, here they are. Here you are, sir. This is the most popular type of gopher trap. It looks so complicated. How does it work? Well, uh, you open this little door, and, and you set it with this wire. Then you put a piece of tomato in this wire cage for bait. Well, that's fine. But wait a minute. What do you do with the gopher after you have him trapped? Well, you have to take him out and kill him. Hmm. That seems so cruel. <laughs> well, we have another type trap that catches him and kills him at the same time. Oh, you have another kind of trap? Hmm, I have to tell him yet. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, here it is, sir. How? <laughs> How does this one work? Well, you spread these two sharp prongs apart, and, and pretty soon the little gopher comes sniffing around, walks in, boing, and that's the end of them. Good. I'll take this one here that kills them, you see. Wrap it up as a Christmas gift. Yes, sir. I, I, a Christmas gift? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it to someone for Christmas. Now, I want red and green ribbons and tinsel and everything. Okay, okay. And clerk, uh, enclose a card saying... To Don, I know. <laughs> That's right. I'll be back and pick it up later. Hey, Mary. Oh, hello, Bob. Doing your Christmas shopping? Uh-huh. Mary, when you get a wife and five kids, that's really a chore. Well, I imagine it is. What are you getting the kids? Well, I'm getting both the girls' dresses and the two younger boys' electric trains. For my oldest boy, I'm getting a bicycle. Ooh, that's nice. Well, I thought so, too, but he keeps complaining. He thinks he's too old for a bicycle. Well, what does he want? Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I got some more shopping to do. You want to join me, Mary? No, I've got to wait here for Jack. Hey, that reminds me. I've got to buy Jack's present right now. It's kind of hard to, to figure out a gift for him. Uh, have you got any suggestions? Well, how about something for his den? I mean, a, a picture, a book, or... Say, I know, I know what. I, I think I could get him a lamp to put on the table near his telephone. Yeah, he can use a lamp by that phone. Well, you're not kidding. It's so dark in that corner that twice I put a dime in the quarter slot. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice gift. It'll save us all money. See you later, Mary. Oh, Mary. Mary. Over here, Jack. Took so long. I'm sorry, but the store is so busy. Well, Jack, who else do you have to get gifts for? Well, I'll have to look at the list. Thank you, ma'am. That's $6.70. Yes, sir, that's $4 even. Yes, ma'am, $3 out of 10. Listen, Mary, they're playing our song. <laughs> Here's my list. Now, let's see. Well, hello, Jack. Hello, Barry. Hi, Don. Gosh, you're carrying a lot of packages. I sure am. Hey, what's that big bundle there on the bottom? Oh, I just got that in the sports department. You know, I like to go hunting occasionally, and I bought myself a tent. Oh, really? Single-breasted or double? <laughs> uh, what's that square box, Don? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mary. That's a tape recorder the sportsman quartet and I bought for the sponsor. Oh, Don, a recorder is a wonderful gift for the sponsor. And I've got the entire cast record a greeting to him. That is, everybody except you. Now, would you do it? Well, Don, let me hear what you've got first. Okay, I'll play it for you. We're sending you this Christmas greeting just so you will know What fun it is to sing for you here on the radio Be happy, go lucky, be happy, get better taste Be happy, go lucky, get better taste This is Mary wishing you a Merry Christmas, too. And what a lucky day for us, the day that we met you. There is nothing, no, there's nothing, nothing that I like. As well as man as Sheva the Vitz and good old Lucky Strike. Happy, happy, get better, tasty, happy, go lucky, get better, taste today. Our letters quite well known to you So at this special time of year They'll spell our greeting too L is for those little lights On every Christmas tree S of course could only stand for Santa You'll agree M is for the mistletoe And Merry Christmas too F is for your friends and T For ties they give to you Dublin and Killarney and the shawls of Galway Bay. May all the green and Christmas trees and holly come your way. And may your socks of Kelly Green be filled with all you like, with shamrocks and shillelaghs and some good old lucky strikes. Be happy, go lucky, be happy, get better taste. Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. 
greetings to our sponsor and a happy 53 with all the joys that come from smoking LSMFT. I have to dress like Santa Claus at home on Christmas Day. The beard I wear is not my own, it's just an old toupee. <laughs> Clever, Don. Don, I'll put I'll put something in there too. In oh, that that's recording. well, that's well, Jack. Well, I've got to go. Oh, more shopping, Don? No, I've got to get home to my wife. She's not feeling too well. Oh, that's a shame, Don. What's wrong with Lois? Oh, nothing serious. But this morning she went out in the garden and saw a dead gopher. The mere sight of it made her faint. But she'll be all right. So long. So long, Don. Well, come on, Jack. We better go. Jack. Jack. What are you thinking about? What Don said. He said his wife faints at the sight of dead gophers. So what? So what? Mary, I bought Don the type of trap that kills the gophers. Well, what do you want to get? The kind that lifts their feet up and pats them on the popo? <laughs> Mary, I want to get the kind of a trap, you know, the kind that, that traps them alive. Wait here, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> oh, clerk, clerk. Uh, yes, sir, I got your package right here. It, it's gift-wrapped and tied with tinsel ribbon. Uh, just a second, I'll get it for you. Oh, don't get it. I've changed my mind. What? <laughs> I want to exchange it for the kind that captures the gophers alive. Look, mister, there's really no difference. I'm sorry, I don't want the trap that kills the gophers. What do you care? You don't know him personally. <laughs> It's not that. But, mister, it took me ten minutes to wrap that gopher trap as a gift with all the tinsel and ribbons. Look, look at all the trouble you put me to. Look, I'm sorry. I don't want the trap that kills them. I like to be kind to animals. Why don't you try it with people? <laughs> what? Nothing, nothing. I must be polite. I, I'm sorry, sir. Good. Now, gift wrap one that catches the gophers alive, and I'll be back. I know, I know. <laughs> Mary said she'd wait here. Well, since she's not here, I'll go over to the lingerie counter and buy some stockings for my sister Florence. See, I think Florence wears size... Hey, bun. Bun. Huh? Come here a minute. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. Where you going? <laughs> to the lingerie counter. I'm going to buy some stockings for my sister. What kind? <laughs> Nylon. Uh-uh. Huh? Get silk stockings. Why? Silk will give you a run for the money. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't think I'll get her stocking. Maybe I'll get her something else, something real nice. 
What do you think of a sheer negligee? A great show bet. Say, look, fella, every time I run into you, you tout me on trains, apples, candy, everything but horses. So what? Look, Santa Anita's gonna open in a couple of weeks, so for once, why don't you give me a tip on a race? Okay. Got a great horse for you on opening day. You have? What is it? Floor walker in a second. <laughs> I saw him, and he's carrying too much weight. <laughs> See you later. Yes, yeah, so long, bud. So long. Huh? <laughs> I always run into that guy. I wonder where Mary is. Hey, there's Rochester doing some shopping. I bet he's buying something for me. I'm going to eavesdrop and see what he gets me. May I wait on you? Yes, sir. I'm looking for a Christmas gift for my boss. For your boss, eh? Uh, how about a tie? No, he has lots of those. Well, how about a wallet or a money clip? Money clip? What's a money clip? No, it's a thing to hold your folding money. I've never had any that folds. <laughs> How's it work? Well, it's a spring-like metal clip that holds your money tight. He's got a fist that does that. <laughs> hmm. Wait till I get Rochester home. Hi, Jack. Oh, hello, Bob. Doing your shopping, too, I see. Yes, Jack, and as a matter of fact, I've gotten all the gifts for everybody except Don Wilson. Do you have any suggestions? No, I had a tough time deciding on a gift for Donzy myself. I finally got him something for his ranch, you know, a gopher trap. Well, that's different, anyway. And it makes a sensible gift. Everybody wants to kill those little pests. Oh, this isn't the kind that kills them, you see. This catches them alive. Jack, those kind aren't any good. Well, if the gopher is in there a long time, he bites his way out and he gets away. Oh, you mean the traps that kill him are better? Well, certainly. Well, excuse me, Bob. I've got to take care of something. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to. Hello, Mr. Blank. How is it going? Huh? Oh, hello, Doctor. Is that the blue-eyed gentleman find you? Like he had radar. <laughs> he comes over here to buy a gopher trap. A simple little thing like a gopher trap. First he decides on one that catches him alive. But I made a mistake. Before I wrapped it, I let him know we also had the kind that kills him. So I sell him one of those. Then I wrap it and put tinsel and ribbon on it and he goes away. Then he comes back and he makes me unwrap it because he wants the kind that catches him alive. <laughs> no, 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 no. Control yourself. Control yourself. Here, uh, take this little pill. It will calm your nerves. I, I can't take a pill, Doctor. There's no water here. I can't leave my cottage in this rush. Please, I am the doctor. You go take the pill. I'll wait on any customers who come along. Well, okay. <laughs> Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Ah, uh, yes, sir. May I help you? Yes, I... Uh, oh, where's the other clerk? Uh, he has gone for a little while. Perhaps I can take care of you. Well, yes. Um, I have a gopher trap here wrapped as a gift. Uh-huh. Oh, here it is. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, just a minute. I don't want this one. 
I want the other kind. But, mister, this is all wrapped up with the tinsel and ribbons. I, I'm sure the gopher will like it just as well. But look, I don't want this kind. See, it traps them alive. I want the kind that kills them instantly. Very well. Yeah, I guess that's the kind. Yeah. Here you are. Yeah, wait, I don't want it like that. I want a gift wrap. Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of silly? No, no, never mind. I just wrap it up. Huh? All right. Look, not so much red ribbon. Get some more green. In there. Look, mister, it's Christmas, not St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, here you are. Thank you. Very... Wait a minute. You forgot to take the card out of the other one and close it in this one. Can't you put another card on the outside? No, no, no. I want the original card. You yeah. see, the one that I had something written on there. So unwrap the first trap. Take the card out and unwrap the second trap. Put the card in, then rewrap the second trap. What is this? First, first you make me wrap the second package, then you want me to unwrap the first one. That's right. You take the card out, mm -hmm. unwrap the second one, put the card in. More tinsel, more ribbon, not so much red, more green. Unwrap it, rewrap it. <laughs> Mr. Co wait, wait a minute, Mr. Calm down. Calm down. You get upset too easily. You ought to see a psychiatrist. I am a psychiatrist. <laughs> Look, well, control yourself. I'm not going to. I know all about you, blue eyes. I know about you and your shoelaces Look, and Mr. the plastic tips and the metal tips. Mr. And the initials Mr. on the couplings and the re-wrapping in the card <laughs> Oh, I know you! I know you, Blue Eyes! Look, wait but a minute. you're not oh, gonna make me crazy! You're not gonna drive me crazy! Wait a minute! <laughs> wait a minute! Jack will be back in just a moment, but first, nothing. No, nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For lucky strike me. Fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. Friends, when it comes to your own enjoyment of a cigarette, nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. That's because Lucky's are made of fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco. L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And Lucky's are made better to taste better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. And because Lucky's do taste better, they'll make wonderful gifts for all the smokers on your Christmas list. Right now, you can get Lucky's in their bright and cheery new Christmas carton, created by Raymond Lloyd, the world-famous designer. You'll find them at any cigarette counter. So make it a lucky Christmas. Give everyone a colorful Christmas carton of Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky for Christmas gifts this year. Good night, everybody. We're a little late. The Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsburg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned for Amos and Andy, who follow immediately. This is the CBS Radio Network.
Joey Huncho. Jaws Professional Radio Shows K Alt Tab Jack Benny Alt Tab Saturday Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.5 Point